Welcome to the Grand Theft World podcast, hosted and sponsored by GrandTheftWorld.com. I go away for a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden, the phrase honk honk has new meaning. Some of it's a, a political polarization. Other people see it as a, a framing of the words that represent hope and freedom and family and community and all these types of civil liberties that have been removed heretofore under the name of the COVID pandemic. There's a lot that's happened in the past couple of weeks. Welcome back. This is episode 67 of the Grand Theft World podcast. We titled it, The Political Science Has Changed. Recently, that's happened like in the last week or so. Uh, this is February 13th, 2022. We're going to be talking about a lot of clips tonight. Some of the clips are pretty incendiary. But we're going to let the facts and the truth speak for itself. It's not our opinion. We're just letting you know the things that have happened in the past week. You've got anything from the castration of Justin Trudeau, the accusations, the rumor, the innuendo, the memes that he might be the illegitimate son of Fidel Castro. Not my opinion. This is a question asked by Patrick Bet David on his podcast recently to Jordan Peterson. I also saw Tucker Carlson mention it in one of his monologues. So there's that concept out there. You got the Canadian truckers uprising, bringing all these things to light. We've also got some news on the COVID front. We've also got some news on the world economic front. Again, I guess, I guess that goes back to Justin Trudeau, who was one of the World Economic Forum's young leaders, groomed, I think, around 1992, same class possibly as Angela Merkel, formerly uh, prime minister of Germany. So you've got people who were groomed for power. In Trudeau's case, that's multi-generational. His dad, Pierre Trudeau, was prime minister of Canada, worked with uh, Maurice Strong and Edmund de Rothschild back in the 80s on something that's become known these days as Agenda 21. You've also got uh, this interview that happened this past week. It's not just the banning of Joe Rogan, these episodes that are disappearing from Spotify. There was a recent interview with Joe Rogan by Tim Dillon, and there was a particular part they were talking about the big picture and World Economic Forum, but specifically, it seemed like Tim Dillon was giving a book report on the Franklin cover-up to Joe Rogan. He had some comments to say about uh, billionaire mentor to Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. And then the last clip that I found remarkable that I wanted to mention early up front, so you stick around and see it later, is Rats in a Cage by Chris Martinson. So with that, we're going to kick off this week's show with Luke Radowski of wearechange.org and bestpoliticalt-shirts.com. Let's get the summary of the week before we dig in and do some deep dives into the facts of the matter. That the corporate media does not want you to see freedom protesters outside the Australian Parliament letting them know 
that enough is enough. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. This is Lukradowski here of WeAreChange.org, and we have a lot of absolutely insane news to get into, as, of course, it looks like the corporate media has reached peak lunacy and derangement, all, of course, during a time period which some people are calling the mass awakening. What's really going on here? Well, we're going to try to do our best to uncover that today, as, of course, the video that we started off this broadcast with is showing a huge amount of people coming together in Australia with as many protesters as far as the eye could see during a recent gathering there that was done in solidarity with the people of Canada and the European Union who are also standing up for their own personal liberty and freedom to live their life as they choose to and not micromanaged by, of course, top-down centralized controllers that are really working for the corporate billionaire banking class. All the while, here the United States is being globally compared to Krakistan, as now the White House, with fact-checkers, is doing their best trying to obfuscate the true reality of the U.S. government providing safe smoking packets that were planned to be distributed throughout the United States. And while the United States government is not busy doing that, they're also threatening Russia with swift and severe costs as the United States Department recently told Americans to leave Ukraine immediately as they fear Russia will invade at any moment. This as the State Department just issued a statement saying that if you're American crossing from Ukraine over to Poland for safe haven, that you must show proof of compliance with the procedure in order to do so, which is absolutely ridiculous, just like a lot of the media coverage here that, of course, we know is mainly compromised by the military industrial complex that, of course, is looking forward towards a conflict here, as, of course, it's good for business for them. And as Michael Tracy points out, a lot of the news surrounding this particular situation is absolutely arbitrary. A lot of it is made up. It's nonsensical and another reason why a lot of people are just not buying the corporate media's crap. And that's with the possibility of a huge full-out conflict with Russia, with economic calamity, inflation scoring high. What's the main thing that CNN wants you to worry about? Someone saying a bad word a few years ago as CNN literally jumped the shark. Well, not literally, but, but oh man, have they absolutely lost it in their latest article that is titled Joe Rogan's use of the word is another January 6th moment. This is not the Babylon Bee. This is not a satire website. This is CNN's website from the analysis by John Blake, a contributor to CNN who has written other mind-boggling pieces like this one titled When You're the Only White Person in the Room and his other greatest hit, quote, The New Threat, Racism Without Racists. And no, his work is not one of fiction. It's not one of comedy. From my perspective, from my opinion, it's one of mental illness and derangement. With so many important issues, with so many bad people out there, with so many horrible things happening in this world, CNN wants you to go after an MMA commentator because he used a word a few years ago. I mean, imagine a world if the corporate media would pay as much attention to Glenn Maxwell 
as they have to Joe Rogan. This, by the way, as new photos just came out of Prince Andrew giving Ghislaine Maxwell, Bill Clinton, and Kevin Spacey a guided tour of Buckingham Palace. But, you know, nothing to see here. No weird connections. Powerful people doing the most sinister, horrible things on the face of the earth that the mainstream media covered up for. Remember, Joe Rogan is, is the main problem you're having to deal with. Not an international trafficking and extortion operation that lasted nearly 30 years and hurt thousands of children. Now this larger obfuscating of what's really important, this larger derangement and hyper-focusing on nonsensical issues, it's not just happening because of someone's delusion and insanity, it's happening because it's a part of a long continuing campaign, as clearly the corporate media is doing the bidding of the special interests that truly do control them and have a lot of control over everyday lives. This is why we see one protest promoted, like Black Lives Matter, and another protest demonized, like of course the freedom protesters that worked with truckers who, uh, according to the reporting from the Daily Mail that was there on the ground, speaking to hundreds of protesters, they didn't find one bad person that, of course, large swaps of the media claimed were there. They found hardworking blue-collar individuals from all different ethnic races and classes coming together and saying that they had enough of government controlling their lives. There's even reports of other police officers and military veterans coming together standing against the police officers that were called on them, as of course the Canadian government has been extremely repressive against any voice against the state, arresting many times peaceful protesters, pastors, with of course the US government cheering it on and even asking for more repression as the governor of Michigan along with the president of the United States demanded that the Canadian government get rid of peaceful protesters that were of course blocking the bridge between the United States and Canada in the state of Michigan. The Canadian government of course followed those orders very carefully and then literally set up a mass mobilization of police officers and SWAT members to force the protesters off the bridge. Here in the United States, that wasn't just enough for them, as today we're finding out that the Department of Homeland Security has deployed nearly 500 workers in the Los Angeles area in order to possibly stop protests that might happen there during the Super Bowl. Now, with the truckers leaving the Ambassador Bridge just moments ago, will this mean an end to this protest? Most likely not. It will most likely manifest in many different ways, as, of course, the government is doubling down. They're not ceding any kind of ground. They're not interested in listening to the people's demands. And, of course, that's only going to anger more of the people that are just demanding that their lives go back to normal. They had their money confiscated. They had their reputations destroyed by the media, which, of course, is in the business in destroying anyone who dares stand against the state or the special interests that the state represent, which again is perfectly represented by this latest delusional insane piece by CNN that is accusing Joe Rogan of unleashing genocidal insurrectionist forces just because he's not regurgitating the same script that the corporate media is. You question the agenda, you question the narrative, you of course will be attacked, vilified, as perfectly represented by this hot pile of crap that CNN is calling a news article. Joe Rogan, by the way, was also not seen at the latest UFC event which he was supposed to be broadcasting. Allegedly, there's reports of the crowd chanting during this event to free Joe Rogan, as of course many people, including leftist figures like Jon Stewart have come out and said that the attacks against Joe Rogan are a complete overreaction and I couldn't agree with him more. As Jon Stewart said, the canceling of Joe Rogan would be akin 
to banning him, John Stewart, from television for his opposition to the Iraq war in 2003. I do believe that is a fair comparison to make here. And if the comments from even the UFC champion himself, Israel Anasanya, tell us anything, is that the corporate media is absolutely out of touch of reality. The majority of people do not want Joe Rogan canceled, do not care about anything that CNN is obsessing about. And if anything, this exact situation, these hit pieces are only helping awaken and bring more light on this situation that people are finally seeing for what it actually is. It's a deliberate attack against free speech, against personal expression, against creativity, against the ability to even think. And there are very powerful people trying to take that away from you, trying to silence you, and they can only win if you stay silent. That's my personal perspective. I might That's just Luke's personal perspective. He might be wrong. He's not often wrong, though. All right, so what did we see? At the beginning of that clip, you saw this massive protest this uprising it was like a drone shot all these people when i first glanced at that i thought oh wow people in america are getting together and then i looked at it i was like oh maybe it's people in canada that makes more sense and by the time i got to see that it was people in australia standing up for their freedom i was like a lot's changed in the past three weeks the narrative has crumbled substantially it's it's collapsing under its own weight the weight of all those inaccurate statements and lies. I mean, let's look at the Joe Rogan timeline for a second. The man gets COVID. He got better really quick. The media got really pissed. They wanted him to be sick longer. He didn't buy into this alternative gene therapy offering. No, they didn't want him just not to be sick longer. They wanted him to be hospitalized. They wanted to make some of those people say not vaccinated. That's what some of those people that said they wanted him to be dead. Well, there's a lot of know. haters out there because he got yeah. he did the kitchen sink treatment. Pierre Corey, Dr. Pierre Corey, who spoke in front of the United States Senate December 6th, 2020. Ron Johnson, senator, put it on his YouTube channel, got banned. Right. That's Joe Rogan's doctor. And we have a clip coming up later that came out from the high wire this past week. Uh, Dr. Pierre Corey can fill you in on some of the details. But there was definitely a hit piece starting with. Rogan getting sick and getting better. And then him having curiosity and saying, well, let's have some of these guys have the kitchen sink treatment. Let's talk to them, see what they're thinking. And he had Zelenko on there. And then more recently he had like Malone and McCullough. And that's really, really, <laughs> we might find out there's a connection between Spotify and Moderna later tonight that really put the brakes on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And then all of a sudden there's a hit piece from five years ago that got effectively circulated in the past week or so, right? It was out there, it was lingering. It was a known, known. Spotify knew all about it when they gave them $100 million. Let me tell you that. Yes, they did. But somebody recirculated it more effectively in a political science type of way. <laughs> and then uh, then you've got like the screeching halt, turnaround, backpedaling of Le Dr. Leanna Wen from, you know, we're from Planned Parenthood, Rockefeller Foundation eugenics population control lady who pops up on CNN from time to time. I mean, her contradictory statements are pretty remarkable, pretty remarkable. So, all right, so let's keep it rolling. Let's go uh, to real Chris. quick. Oh, I just want to give ahead. a shot. Um, Shouts one out. of the things with Australia, I'm trying to find, I had this on the show card for like three weeks straight and we never played it. It's no one's fault. It's just like, we got so much on here, but there have been a number of vaccine injuries in Australia. Like, thousands and thousands and the government's been paying those people 
due to the fact they've been injured. And I think it's also to kind of keep it hush hush. So I'm, I think what's happening in Australia is more and more normies are starting to stand in solidarity with the protests around the world because they have friends or family members or even distant relatives. They may not communicate with that. They've heard about some sort of vaccine injury and it's becoming a six degrees of separation. And the more they continue to roll this out, the more they belligerently sort of force this onto individuals, the more people are going to be forced to wake up because of just how sketchy the vaccines are. And that's me. If memory serves, it was Australia that first reported HIV positive symptoms after people got vaccinated, right at the beginning of the vaccine campaigns. And that mentally that tied in with the cold Springs Harbor, uh, February document that they redacted that said, uh, HIV of the same clade was in the title. Right. Yes. So that also ties in with several stories we're going to cover tonight. Cause there's like a, there's a new bigger, better AIDS out there. And it is, uh, you know, well, Fauci fought AIDS back in the eighties. Maybe we can get him and Pfizer to come up with some sort of MRNA vaccine for AIDS. Finally. Yeah. I, if they yeah. advertise hard enough, I believe they could do it. Australia admits severe. I found it. Okay. Oh, wait, I don't have my stream deck on. I have to turn that on. I'll just get this on the show cards. This Australia admits widespread severe adverse reactions from COVID jab offers compensation payments to victims. Over 79,000 people suffered adverse reactions. What's the date on it? This was an old article. This is from January. So old by a month ago, a month and a half ago, January 2nd, 2022. It says up to 79,000 people may have suffered severe adverse reactions from the jab, but compensation is only considered victims have spent at least one night in the hospital. So you have to, in order to get compensated, you have to at least have gone to the hospital as a reaction to the jab. But Seven News Australia reported on Friday that as much as 79,000 people have suffered from severe side effects from the COVID jab. And the government's what a brilliant to way out. to buy them off, Tony. I, I mean, because right? you know they're signing releases to get that money and they can never say anything or bring any cause again. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, but that's just me speculating as to maybe sort of part of the, why the narrative is not you saying it. That's what you saying, what other people are saying out there. And you're the news. Australia is the one who reported on it. So local news station, Australia did the research and found out now we know that we're going to get later into the show card. And I think every show we get into vaccine adverse reactions, but it's growing. It's growing more data is coming up. We're seeing Pfizer suppressed data in regards to myocarditis, Jeffrey Jackson. We have a clip I extricated that he's going to talk about these adverse reactions. It's really coming to a head Two two children or two kids. I should say older adolescents in high school dropped dead on the court playing basketball this past week. It's just becoming too apparent, too conspicuous at this point. And I think a lot of normies are starting to wake up. I know my family, they're staying away from it now. They're completely terrified by it. And I'm really happy that they've been able to wake up and, and be aware of just how, how deadly this really is and how, well, how at least ineffective it is. Let me just say it like that. So. It's ineffective from our side. It might be very effective from what they're trying to do. That's very true. That's a good point. <laughs> and that foreshadows a deep dive that we will get to later. But uh, that recent Project Veritas leak made me want to go back and re- read that DARPA Diffuse document that we talked about last uh, last August and September. It's a 76-page document. Oh, don't lose my notes out of it. That'll be crazy. Um, but on page three, EcoHealth and USAID get together. And what is that? Anyone know what USAID? Who, who are they on CIA front? A very well-known CIA. And who's their front man for that front? Peter Daszak. That's the reason he's untouchable. We'll get into those documents later. But now I think we are ready to cut to Chrissy Lee, right, Tony? Yes. Yeah. All right. This week in media malfeasance, let's see how how they malign 
this trucker protests, grassroots, blue collar, salt to the earth, people with integrity, morals, ethics, getting together and making their, their will peacefully known. How can they be misframed in the media? What kind of misinformation can you put out there against them? And Christy Lee is going to show you the other side because most people, even you know, people I know who are pretty informed, they don't know much about this because it's been real hush hush. They don't want this to catch. This is a fire they don't want to catch this freedom thing that's going through Canada and Australia right now. Maybe it'll catch fire here too. I don't know. We'll see. Let's go it's to Christy. Big, yeah. Lee. The trucker convoy narrative continues to crumble. Individuals are trying to blockade our economy, our democracy, and our fellow citizens' daily lives. It has to stop. Is he talking about the truckers? Because it sounds like everything he's been guilty of. And multiple news agencies shine a spotlight on an arson fire, insinuating violent truckers started it. Never mind, no truckers are actually in that area. And do these look like truckers protesting mask mandates? A puffy coat, a mask hanging from the ear. Hmm. And multiple news agencies suddenly seem to care about the economy. Where is the outrage when the government and elites impede the economy with draconian restrictions? And as long as MSM is talking about violence, how much did you hear about this? An actual terror attack against the Freedom Convoy. The driver who mowed people down, the suspect identified as an Antifa member pedophile, not a freedom defending trucker. You know what else is violent? Arresting an elderly man in this manner for unnecessary noise, or in other words, honking his horn. Bringing you what's ignored, sensationalized, unbalanced, misleading, or just plain false, here's your media malfeasance for the second week of February. The COVID narrative also continues to crumble. Saying, I don't think anyone really is saying that no one should ever wear masks, but rather that the responsibility should shift from a government mandate imposed from the state or the local district of the school. Rather, it should shift to an individual responsibility by the family. You mean what some of us were saying two years ago? And in this case, circumstances have changed. Case counts are declining. Also, the science has changed. Science changes? I think you mean political science. Changes much like this CNN contributor's own talking points. I mean, I have an almost four-year-old and a one-year-old. I cannot wait until they're eligible to receive the vaccine. I agree that masks are a very powerful layer of protection, but it's one layer. And if we have so many other layers that are present, masking may be one that could go away. If you want to stay unvaccinated, that's your choice. But if you want to travel, you better go get that vaccine. And fact check. Healthline says the vaccines are less effective against Omicron. Speaking of fact checks, the Tegna Verify team pretends it's fact checking the changing definition of vaccine. Several viewers, including Mike, emailed Verify asking, did the CDC change its definition of vaccine? So Mike, let's verify. Now she's going to go ahead and tell you true that the definition was changed. So why are we using the word alleged? The word immunity isn't included in the latest definition. Instead, it focuses on the stimulation of the body's immune response. So true, but they choose to play PR while they're at it, saying it's because the CDC wants to be more transparent. 
say what? Since when have these federal health agencies wanted to be more transparent? Isn't the FDA still trying to hide the data used to approve the Pfizer vaccine? After not getting the 75 years they asked for to produce those documents, it's not backing down more delays. Also catching up with the rest of us seems to be the Surgeon General, who now acknowledges the pandemic's impact on the mental health of our youth. No shit, Sherlock! The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported last year that emergency department visits for suicide attempts among teen girls were up more than 50% at the beginning of the pandemic compared to the same period in 2019. Yeah, lockdowns, masking, forced vaccinations, they're just as oppressive on kids as the rest of us. You know, the lockdown measures those fringe epidemiologists warned against in the Barrington Declaration and then were vindicated by a study that showed the stay-at-home orders made no difference. And it's looking like CNN just cannot get past zero days since a sex scandal with a jury trial ordered for Don Lemon's sex assault case. Maybe it should now just be called CXXXN. Emails now reveal what we already know about the New York Times straight up bias. The Federalist obtained emails through a FOIA request that show correspondence between the New York Times and Biden's Interior Department. Phrases like, sorry, we're so annoying, and shelving stories per the department's request. When shown to the chief of staff for the EPA under Trump, she says, we had reporters straight up tell us they wouldn't come cover events because they would never write a positive story about the Trump administration. And then there were other instances where they would just straight up spread false information. And finally, in case you missed it, Bloomberg almost brought us straight into nuclear war with its error. Here is the headline. Statement on publishing error. We prepare headlines for many scenarios, and the headline, Russia invades Ukraine, was inadvertently published around 4 p.m. Eastern on our website. We deeply regret the error. The headline has been removed, and we're investigating the cause. Well, that's all I can fit this week with your media malfeasance. I'm Christy Lee. She does a bang-up job of bringing you the gist of you know, here's one side of what happened and here's how the, the media practices its malfeasance. They twist the truth. They give you selective editing. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of what you would need to become educated on the situation, right? Out of context, little snippets without source material, without references, without primary, you know, what is the evidence of that thing existing? There was a great clip in the past week. I don't know if we have it in the show card. Uh, there was a reporter talking to this CIA guy who was working at the State Department. He was giving a press briefing, and he was saying, well, Russia has this plan to do this false flag. Oh, this, we went into that in-depth last week. Yeah, it was last yeah. week, right? Yeah. So he does that whole circular reasoning. He's yeah. like, well, it's true, because I said it Three last week that the Russians yeah. were doing that, and that was us declassifying it. He's like, where's the documents? She, he's like, that's what I just said. I just said it. So that's, I was like, we have reached that, that level of dumb. That yeah. Mike Judge pointed to an idiocracy, and it didn't take 200 years for these people to get there. No, you know, no. it's Especially a shame. Schooling, it is a shame. a shame, and people want to learn about the fallacies employed there. Patidio Principi and variation called restatement, and uh, I'll be hosting a, a, 
logic course going over the fallacies and definition. You heard Christy Lee talk about the fact check associated with the vaccine definition. Those would be the two of the four topics we'll be covering in the logic course. The, I think they're the most actionable, useful, and most poignant and pertinent to what we're experiencing today. And it should be a very simple course, just giving you the basics in those two areas of logic. And it'll start in the first week of March, probably Thursday. And so if you wanted to get, if you want to be a part of that pilot course, uh, you get to join for free if you're a subscriber to the GTW podcast. So, Well, and I think that gets to the crux of the matter, because what is the purpose of then changing definitions, Tony? Why would they change a definition? What meaning does that have in our relations to existence? Creates contradictions. And when you have contradictions, uh, you have a situation where you can't, uh, it's an unreality. And you have an unreality, you can't be sure that your observations and your experience in life corresponds to that reality. And then all of a sudden you get confused, you develop cognitive dissonance, whole host of situations. You, you become more unsure, you lack confidence in your ability to go about life. So it's very important to make sure that your observations, your experiences actually correspond to reality. Uh, as Aristotle said, that is actually the definition of truth. And they call it the correspondence theory of truth. So. Well, the correspondence theory of truth. Not to be confused reason. with Hegel's. Version. No, these are all important aspects. And and I like to sometimes define things by the ap apophatic. Like, mm -hmm. what That's is it not? One. What is it not? It is not like what you're going to hear in this next clip from the former vice president <laughs> talking about uh, the, the Castrocian Trudeau, uh, Justin Castro, just Fidel Trudeau. That's who he is. Let's check it out. The President of the United States. I'm awake. My fellow geraniums, our nation's in crisis. Joe Brogan has just said the N-word to Snooky Goldberg. No one's watching the Winter Olympic Biscuits. And I've just been informed the Prime Minister of Canada, Jesse Trombone, has been killed by trucks. He was sorely missed. Not only was he the first black guy Pez minister, he was a great American and also a, a great Muslim guy. Our farts and prayers go out to the fact, not, not, not our, our farts. Look, look, there's these trucks. They transform. They turn into robots. Come on, man, we got to get, get these things running around, honking, honking around, turning into people. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. Uncle Joey's on the case. First, I sent Vice Principal Canola Harelip to the planet of the truck people to open a dialogue with Ostomus Prime. Second, I've asked Congress to increase my dosage of talkie pills. And finally, I've approved emergency funding to distribute free crack pipes to every man, woman, and trans Jenga. Tell us stay alert for when the truck people... They got maple syrup for blood, man. Stupid bastard doesn't even know Wimpy Goldblums. I shoot my show That's Kyle Dunnigan. That's some of his best. Hey, uh, do we have anything on Biden giving out the crack pipes and the meth pipes? Oh, yeah. On I the got story? A ton of that. Yeah, because yeah, that, that broke on Let's refer to casually. That's Wednesday. a real news story. Oh, yeah. You know? The government, the United States is sending out crack pipes. And when they fact checked it, well, they're like, they're like, it's crack pipes and meth pipes and more stuff. While you can't get COVID tests, you know, they can, they can spare four swabs for your family. You know, you're supposed to be like healthy after right. two years, 
they can't get people still enough. At the end of the pandemic, they still can't get enough. Now, you would have thought that the exercises, Crimson Contagion, Event 201, Spars Pandemic, uh, Dark Winter, all these exercises, did they not learn that they might need some PPE for the, for the public? And do masks go bad if they're like packed well in a box in some warehouse? I don't think they do. They could have had this stuff produced. And they knew these things because they discussed them in Event 201, the, the five-hour practice session in October 2019. So Gates Foundation, a World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins. You might have you might have heard of these places. Johns Hopkins. Johns. They had a five-hour roundtable that they shared on the YouTube page, the Center for Security, Biosecurity, something like that. CSIS, I don't know. But look up Event 201 and, and check it out if you haven't seen it because... As you, you know, can see tonight, there were people who knew about this ahead of time, and they chose not to warn you or protect your family. They choose to profit and plunder your freedom. You know, what's I think interesting that's all about, about the end. That rich is. Yeah. I was listening to an interview with uh, Chris Martinson and Brett. So Brett Weinstein interviewed Chris Martinson recently in the past two weeks. I had it on the show card. We didn't get to it, but I listened to part of that while I was putting on the show card. And I thought Chris Martinson had a really interesting observation. I mentioned this last week, but I think you'll find this interesting. You already know about this, but it's sort of something that I think went under the radar because we're so interested in the, what's being said, but he made an observation. There is no real epidemiologist, uh, virologist um, on that panel talking about how do we just limit the loss of life? You know, they don't talk about repurposed drugs. They don't talk about any ways in which to limit the loss. It's about, you know, you have the hotel industry and you have media and representation. Oh, yeah. You have uh, military representation. You have no, it's like, how can they control exactly a global takeover and deny and people early treatments to raise the death count? Right. That's, that's and it's sort of did. his observation of waking that's up not and my realizing opinion. I'm just observing what's going on here. Right. Exactly. And it's sort of his observation and realizing like, there's something more to this event 201, you know, and it's, it's good to see someone of his, his stature sort of recognize that this is a, this is strange. This is an incredible coincidence. So maybe call it a synchronicity, but it's, I think it's more than a synchronicity at this I point. think it's synchronistic that they were all in lockstep and that they could do this to like 208 countries at once to a greater degree. Only America really didn't do the whole Thing. I mean, there's a couple other countries that resisted. Their their leaders Sweden suddenly was, died, yeah. Yeah. so no big deal. African Nothing to see nations. there. Yeah. They kind of, you know, you could say that you say they carry molest them or they Luke Montagnier them or you know Gary Webb them. Maybe maybe they just Gary fell and Webb. hit their head like Bob Saget. You know, after clutching his heart and saying he was having breathing issues and chest pain, uh, Bob Saget. That is good we thing he get... didn't make fun of that vaccine because then Pfizer wouldn't have a motive. In the, There's the another equation. comedian this week, a lady that fell over after saying that she's been vaccinated, boosted. I have that on the show card. And that's awful. Her- I saw that. And, uh, you know, you think it might have been part of her act to get attention, but she actually fractured her skull. Yeah. There was a Jimmy Dore clip that covered that. Okay. And basically uh, she had said a bunch of things on stage and it was kind of like you might think lightning might strike and lightning struck. Yeah, <laughs> It was very ironic. Very and I, I hope she feels better. Yeah. And heals up and lives to talk about that because that's, you know, something that's, yeah. you know, it's what caused it. But nonetheless, I mean, she definitely bragged about, unfortunately, being not just vaccinated, but she had uh, flu vaccine. She had a whole bunch of different vaccines beyond just getting boosted and having. Well, Bob Saget had tweeted that he gets vaccinated five times a day. So he must have been healthy. We will get to Luke Montagnier He being later. a comedian, I think he was being funny, though. That was probably like snarky slash sarcasm-y. sarcasm style. He's very sardonic. 
and his type of which doesn't play well for corporate boardrooms no no it's Probably funny not. yeah full house guy but then yeah no he's pretty brutal in his stand-up comedy at least he was so uh but we'll get luke montagnier um some people yeah, in the we'll chat get have been to asking because he's like rest oh, in peace could... yeah luke montagnier uh luke has been mentioned many times in the show luke montagnier yeah. uh he was uh, the Nobel Prize winning discoverer of the connection between HIV and AIDS. However, when Nobel Prize winner Carrie Mullis, inventor of the PCR technology, went to Luc Montagnier, he's like, hey, I've been given a grant to write this thing. My first footnote is I need the connection between HIV and AIDS. What did you use? And Montagnier pointed Carrie Mullis to some new recent work. And Carrie Mullis is like, whoa, whoa, you got a Nobel Prize for making this connection. What did you use to make that connection? And Luc Montagnier kind of smiled and walked away. So at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, fast forward 20 years or whatever, 25 years, Luc Montagnier in March of 2020 said on French TV, and we've played the clip in the show, that uh, the, the thing, the plague that's been out there that came out of the Wuhan uh, was genetically modified, was lab created, had gain of function, had HIV spliced into it. That was around the same time as the Cold Spring Harbor paper that we mentioned earlier. And I can show it later. I have the document right here and we can link it in the notes. But it's just ironic now with, I think Pfizer's coming out with an mRNA AIDS vaccine. There's been a lot of AIDS advertising in the past year, a lot of hype Woo. that Luc Montagnier, who might be able to say something about the AIDS mRNA vaccine, it passed, passed away this past Tuesday. Of course, he was an older man. You know, he could have fallen, hit his head like Bob Saget. So seems awfully coincidental that uh, Carrie Mullis also at the beginning of the pandemic just happened to pass away too. Greg Reese did a report that we showed on August of 2019, Tony. Yeah. That was only like three weeks before Wuhan got $2.5 billion of new air conditioning systems. Yeah, air conditioning. Yeah, filtration. Right. Yeah. Air filtration. Sorry. Let's be accurate. Let's be accurate. We are (laughs) an underground podcast. Let's be accurate. (laughs) Well, that's that's the purpose of being underground is because we try to be accurate. If that's we how were we stay underground. We'd be right. Yeah. Well, if we weren't accurate, we could go work for CNN or MSNBC. There we go. You know. They're looking for new talent, apparently. Everyone's no. getting ousted for being a pedophile. What they there. look for is not talent, Tony. <laughs> it's the ability to turn your head and cough. Yeah. <laughs> bend, well, they bend put over on when the they gloves. ask you to. The doctor says, put on the gloves, you know, I'm putting on the gloves, it's bend over, turn over, you know. Some, some sort of new Chris Cuomo news I don't know about with Skelter or what's going on. They got a lot of pedophile problems over there. They do at CNN. As as Christy Lee just referred to in that last clip, great yeah. tie back. That was a good callback right there. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we're into the vaccines, lockdowns and therapeutics section of this show, which didn't used to be a section in the show until they started doing it all over the world at once. Now it seems to be a thing. All right. So the first clip is uh, Jen Psaki is a lot of things, but now she can add to her curriculum vitae, the rewriter of history. Yeah. Yeah. She's got talent. She's kind of like a Carl Rowe. She's trying to follow the the wake of the silhouette of Carl Rowe. I could picture her holding a leash for Carl Rowe and he's on, (laughs) All force. That's probably how that relationship. But the problem is she circles back and rewrites history. He creates history. That's you know that Carl Rove is a philatelist. Philatelist? The fuck is that? He's a stamp collector. (laughs) 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 Oh 
Christ. He's also oh, MC Rove. If you've never seen it, Control Room LD, can you find MC Rove? Carl Rove did a rap at the press uh, press dinner one year. And I, there's something about tearing the heads off oh, of live animal. Yes. It's a pretty crazy it's thing that he did. And it's just, you know, it's interesting American history. Because Carl Rove, as you might recall, uh, he said to Ron Susskind, who then wrote a book that was New York Times bestselling book, and it went something like this. Carl Rove to Ron Susskind, you know, we're an empire now. And while you're trying to figure out what we just did, uh, you know, diligently as you might study our actions, we're over here creating new realities. And basically he's saying that uh, by studying the news, you can never figure out what's going on. They're always studying. So they're creating history essentially is what's happening. It's a very Hegelian idea of essentially. Um, it's a very neocon idea. It's neocons, obviously is a Strauss. Preemptive history. Yeah. yeah. So there's but, these Arabs out there. They're funded by MI6 and CIA. They're probably going to attack America someday. Why not put it on the calendar and make a thing of it? That's their thinking. Well, that's what they, about and they wrote history. about it. Yeah, they controlled the narrative of history. Yeah, exactly. They marketed it. And that's literally that comes from Hegel. That was he was sort of the innovator of that idea, tying it up with metaphysics, but I won't get into the details. Well, that's where all the uh the skull and bones, the right and left Hegelians who took over the education system in America to turn it into Prussian schooling. Correct. There's a whole we could do oh, a, there's whole a book podcast called American just on Hegelian. That. Yeah, I have that book. Um, shout out to Kevin for that because I that's a fantastic book. It's in my library, the American Hegelians, if I remember correctly. And there's some damning evidence about the communities they set up. Boston Brahmins as well up in the Northeast. Like there's all these weird. Well, that's East India Company opium yeah. right there. Uh -huh. But uh, my set, my reference on that would be um, Anthony Sutton in his uh, the Order of Skull and Bones book. Oh from, yeah, like, 2001. He, yeah. he had a, a chapter in there called The Order and Education, and it had how Skull and Bones had infiltrated and brought the Prussian German mm -hmm. school system of indoctrination over here for America. And he did a really good job on it. And when I show this to students, I show them the pamphlet. I'm like, here's the pamphlet Anthony Sutton published. I spent 80 or 90 bucks to get this. And then after I got it and read it, and I was like, this is a treasure. I found out it's a chapter in his book that came out later. So I bought a pamphlet that he wrote and sold while he was writing his book, right? Yep. Um, that really helps people see because they're like, how does Skull and Bones and George Bush and John Kerry and these other characters, like, how do they fit in? There's an agenda. There's working groups and Skull and Bones, aside from being the opium establishments, inroads and Yale and all that sort of thing. They had the they took the lead on indoctrination and schooling instead of education in this country. Correct. Yeah. There's also Paolo Leone's book, The Leipzig Connection, that gets in the Germans. And that's where, you know, obviously, Galenism comes from those sorts of areas. Um, before, obviously, it was before the unification of Germany, but all those various provinces and duchies and whatever you want to call them in Germany had very interesting and very twisted philosophies being developed out of them. So, part right, of the revolutionary so faith. Sorry. And LD, that clip that I was asking about, the MC Rove, were you able to find it while we were talking? Yeah, it looks like. Uh... I don't know if he's rapping very much. Uh, he, he does appear to grab the mic at one point, but he's dancing. It's pretty funny looking just silently. But oh Yeah, actually, God. play the clip. Let him talk because this is where he says he's a philatelist. This is my reference for this, actually. This is really going to come together here. Yeah, he's a philatelist. All right. So let's let's let, uh, you know, is history is a philatelist speak. that 
systematically repeats his stamp collect. No, sorry. Well, there's there's some there's some commentary from somebody. This is on Improv Legends uh, YouTube page, but yeah, we'll just see what happens. <laughs> Improv. Let's say yeah. We're now the annual radio and television correspondence dinner with special guest President Bush. There'll be entertainment featuring White House advisor Carl Rove. I love this bit that you guys did pulling Carl Rove up out of the audience. I had no intention that he was actually going to come with me up on stage. I knew where he was sitting because wow. we were sitting at banquet tables. Let's see, who do we have? Who do we have? And I uh, went over to him and I said, oh, and asked him to come stand up and go with me. He'll say no, and then a Secret Service probably person will go, nah, nah, nah. and then I was gonna ask Wolf Blitzer, who was near him, uh, but at least that'd be sort of funny. And he just jumped up and waved his arms and followed me to the stage, and then the rest was viral internet uh, history. You, you have to expect that you're taking someone that is a lay person. Carl, the reason we brought you up it. here is that- Who's not even good at karaoke, and you're- All right, so context. Uh, this is back in the Bush era. George Bush was second generation, third generation skull and bones. And Carl Rove was his Colonel House. who was his handler. Colonel House was a handler to Woodrow Wilson. Carl Rove was like the, the speechwriter, the political strategist. So it says Kissinger was the handler of Nixon. I mean, he could go on yeah. and on. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so. the 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 upper elite puppeteer for that character. Bush, yes. Right. And everything's going through Carl Rove. So this is who the guy is that you're going to see do this thing now. You're bringing them up on stage to try and make a funny, awkward, magical moment. To debut a rap song together. And uh, this is going to be your, your... And I think that's part of the key when you use audience members is, is you know they're going to give you less than a trained theater person. And, uh, and we need to come up with a, a rap name for you. Do you have a nickname that you particularly like? President, do you have a, 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 a nickname for this fine gentleman that you love? He's fired. He's fired. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right, well, he's looking for work if anybody... Uh, he says he has a resume he wants to give Mrs. Pelosi. Uh, <laughs> right after this, yes. So then uh, we'll just have you have uh, the nickname. Uh, we're going to make up a rap name for you. Do you have a nickname that you like or wish you had if you were a rap star? No. No. All right, okay. So then we're just going to call you MC Rove. And it's your goal to turn their awkwardness, their nervousness, and their silly non sequiturs into something that's fun. He's a man. He's a treasure trove. But tell me, what is your name? I'm MC Rove. That's right. He can't be beat because he's so white from his head to his feet. But he will rap it when you give him a chance. Look at him move, doing a rapping dance. That's true. He's a dancing resident. He is a sidekick to the president. He's going way above. Tell me, what is your name? MC Rose. That's true. He's crossing his arms. He's rapping and a chilling and a showing his charm. He will do it or without fail. Get out his gun because he's shooting quail. This man will never stop. Look at him jumping up and down and ready to hop. He's got so much to prove. And tell me you never saw this man move. Doing the dance, the car roll dance. Doing the dance, the car roll dance. Dancing and talking and dancing and talking and dancing and talking and dancing and talking. Now it's time for a little shock with the Colin over there doing the old beatbox.
Yeah, I'm not sure about him okay. rapping. Yeah, yeah, we'll do we'll we'll do some digging to find the clip where he's talking about twisting a head off animals and other things that he enjoys to do in his pastime. That was just a long lead in for uh the high wire clip. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, the Saki. Saki rewriting history like Carl wrote. And then we'll get he our creates clips it, she rewrites it. So. We'll get our honking clips together after this. For the last several weeks, as everything has been crumbling around the pro-vaxxers, the pro-medical institutions, the government control bodies, all of it is crumbling down. And we've been saying, obviously, things are changing, and they're changing very fast. We've been reporting it over the last several weeks, all the different changes, backing away from mandates, all of that's going on. One of the ways you know for sure that things are changing is when they start trying to rewrite history right in front of your eyes. So know this. As this thing crumbles and falls apart, someone's going to have to change the narrative and remind us all that that never actually happened. These are not the droids you're looking for. Don't fall for it. Here's what it looks like in the news. Real quick on the um, Johns Hopkins study on the lockdowns. Um, It was this meta-analysis that came out of several studies, uh, lockdown during the first wave of COVID in spring of 2020, found that it only reduced COVID mortality by 0.2% in the U.S. and Europe. Um, and suggested they have little to no public health benefit, but severe consequences for the economy. Um, and the, it suggests that lockdowns shouldn't be a part of a future pandemic response. Uh, is that the shared view of the administration looking in the rearview mirror? Well, I would say, I would sort of first, of course, point you to our health and medical experts for specifics on this specific scientific study. I would note that the president has been clear we're not pushing lockdowns. We've not been pro-lockdown. Uh, that has not been his agenda. Most of the lockdowns actually happened under the previous president. What our uh, objective has been is to conveying that we have the tools we need to keep our country open, um, thanks to the president's leadership and focus on fighting the virus. Uh, and that's reflected in the fact that 98% of schools are open, uh, over 210 million Americans are fully vaccinated. Uh, we have the tools to avoid lockdowns, and we're not moving back. And that's our intention at this point. So you guys do believe that the lockdowns were more harmful than helpful? Uh, again, I would point you to our scientific experts on the specifics of a study, but the president's uh, agenda, the president's approach has not been lockdowns. It has been using the tools we have to prevent that. All right. Did you get that very clearly? Do you see what's happening here? The media is finally caught up to the high wire. Only took about two years for mainstream media to be asking the question. Now that the science is in, by the way, it's always been in if you've been watching the high wire. Now that the science is in, we know that lockdowns do more harm than good. And it is now being said by this, this study at Johns Hopkins that we should never use this tool again. So where are you at as the administration? Well, we never believed in lockdowns. I mean, that was never a part of our plan. That was the last administration. Now, I don't want to get partisan about this, but let's go ahead and check in with the last administration, because I think that this is one of the most important turning points. When I was watching this take place, I thought, man, what happens after this conversation? This is Donald Trump in the Rose Garden. The moment he said, now, remember, this was a man who was not wearing masks in any single meeting, was being ridiculed by the news for not wearing masks, not sort of carrying his part of this lockdown protocol. So it seemed like we knew where he stood. But just in case we weren't quite sure, this is what he said to us just prior to Easter in this important discussion. Take a look at this. We're going to be opening uh, relatively soon. We are, our time comes up on Monday or Tuesday. Our 
you know, the allotted two weeks, but I'd love to have it open by Easter. It's such an important day for other reasons, but I'll make it an important day for this, too. I would love to have the country opened up and uh, just raring to go by Easter. I don't want the cure to be worse than the problem itself. And you can't compare this to 1918, where close to 100 million people died. That was a flu, which is a little different, but that was a flu where if you got it, you had a 50-50 chance or very close of dying. I think we're substantially under 1% because the people that get better are not reporting. So we only know people that go to doctors and go to hospitals, and we're taking that. And we're still a little bit above 1%. When you add all of the people, the millions of people that have it, that get better, we're substantially less than 1%. And when they came to my office, don't forget, they were saying 3%, 4%, 5%. There's a very big difference. No, we have to put our country back to work. All right, so we're blaming that administration where the president of the United States came in front of America and the world, frankly, and said, look, we've got to open up. This is crazy. The cure can't be worse than the disease. We can't destroy lives and businesses. This isn't the way to do this. And he made some very clear points that we had been making on the highway at that moment, saying, look, it appears to me, based on all the science that's coming in, that this virus has a death rate that is much below 1%. You know, very, I think he said very seriously or far below 1%. In fact, it ended up being, and at that time I think we are announcing, was about 0.27%. That was the death rate. I think it's even been moved down to somewhere between 024 and 0.26% worldwide. That was the entire death rate of this thing. So the 3 to 5, you know, 6% he was being told, as he said, was a complete lie, and he was calling them out on it. Now, I'm, this isn't, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. I'm not saying that I'm choosing sides. What I want to say is we cannot let them rewrite history. Who was really the culprits in this? Who really didn't want the truth to get out? It was our own mainstream media, because this is how they handled the president of the United States giving you clear data, which is now proven to be true, telling you I want to be open because these lockdowns are not the right approach. Remember now, two years later, we're all recognizing through studies that they were totally useless and only did harm. You had a president saying that, but what was the reaction by the media? This is what their reaction was. This president is being wildly irresponsible. What the president is suggesting is really a formula uh, for more uncertainty, more infections, and more harm to the economy. I'm stunned by the president saying uh, this is the timeline. But many public health experts say that is too soon and could risk a health care catastrophe. No expert backed him up on the Easter call. Not one piece of science not one projection. I think that the president was trying to do, he was making an aspirational uh, projection. Whether you like to hear it or not, this is a wave that is here and is escalating. So we need to stop it. Once everybody's healthy, then we can have uh, a much more robust economy. We don't put a price on people's life. This is inconvenient from an economic and a personal standpoint, but we just have to do it. That is our major weapon against this virus right now. He's a fan of money first, mortality second. No American is going to say, accelerate the economy at the cost of human life. Hmm. Kill my grandparents or my parents, 
so that we can get the economy. Sounds pretty good. Don't make that call for my family. If the president does end up saying anything true, you can run it as tape. But if he keeps lying like he has been every day on stuff this important, we should, all of us, should stop broadcasting it. Honestly, it's going to cost lives. I don't think he's listening to the science. And we know when we rely on data and science, not a president that seems to ignore both of those things. We have never heard a sicker, more perverse formulation than what that man said today. Sick and perverse information, otherwise known as truth. Now, again, I want to be very clear. This is not, I'm not here to say Donald Trump, you know, was, a, you know, the best president ever was. None of that. That's not the point. The point is, is who are we as Americans supposed to blame? Who are we supposed to be looking at? And here's what I'm showing you. And here's what I believe. Donald Trump, clearly, who was the president at that moment, did not want the mask, did not want the lockdowns, wanted everybody back. He was living his life in front of the cameras that exact way. So when we look back at the administration, maybe what we have to admit, maybe what the conversation needs to be here is our president has no freaking power because clearly this was a guy that was president but no one around him moved this so who was actually in charge what does it mean to be an administration because tony fauci and deborah burks were speaking out against him there in the media saying well i think he's just it's wishful thinking where he wants to be it happens to now and it's going to go down in history as having been fact the lockdowns were a disaster they had absolutely no effect in fact probably increased all the problems that we had so as the science proves that out we're going to have to relook at the history here but what is the problem in America? Is it the president? Do we blame Joe Biden right now? Or do we blame that whatever that administration is, that that deep state, if you will, that is always in power? Is there no matter who's the head? Doesn't matter if your president's walking around without a mask or is in his basement and won't come out and is wearing a mask the whole time. Either way, it seems that this system moves anyway. So let's not let them hide the fact or blind us to the fact that whatever administration means, this is an establishment. This is, and by the way, Fox was in on it. They attacked. Everybody attacked. Everybody took their marching orders from somebody and said, stick with the lockdowns, destroy the lives of Americans. Let's get them vaccinated. So we're not going to let them off the hook here at the highway. And by the way, Chris Cuomo, when you say there are no experts that back his Easter decision, well, you should have been watching the highway. We had experts every single week saying exactly that. In fact, you could only find experts that agreed with the administration if they were funded by the pharmaceutical industry or work for government. Everybody outside, it appears, and we're now being, it's becoming more and more clear, we're on the side of staying open. Don't destroy lives. Don't do something we have never done with any other virus, even those like the Spanish flu that, Do that Donald Trump referenced there that were deadly. We did not lock down the world and destroy our economies and everything else. Folks, we cannot let them rewrite this history. Do not forget what happened here. It is time we make sure that the truth remains the truth. So help me God. Give me a second here, put on my headphones. I was not ready for that. My bad. Uh, so it's Del Big Tree. We talking about Saki rewriting history. It's not the Saki that's trying to circle back and rewrite history. It's the entire narrative has completely crumbled. And as we're going to see, some medical experts, experts, air quotes, are going to uh, sort of, we're going to have a compilation similar to the compilation that uh, Del Big Tree showed on the high wire there. But that was politicians talking about it. Let's talk about these medical experts talking, you know, in regards to the fact that the science has changed, that, you know, 
I'm very confused though. For first, like Fauci, I thought was the science. Did Fauci change his position all of a sudden? I thought the science was some sort of inexorable sort the of science was very solid, and then something happened, and the science crumbled, and now it's changed. Okay, that's that's a nice little the science being their narrative. Yeah, that's basically and that's then their narrative changed being the creation of history. Reasons. <laughs> so let's uh let's go to this next one i think this is it's on a uh a link here ld but there's clips embedded in the link so just play those clips because this is sort of funny these next couple are short and sweet and to the point of medical a medical expert that this happened to be at the boston bombing oh dr leanna Wen. yeah are we playing a game because that would have been a good question i, I got the answer that, that was a game yeah i did that on purpose frankly well I won't believe it till I see it. Let's see. <laughs> okay, is it this this Infowars? Is this the link you're talking about? Because yeah, uh, is there should your something's blocking it. Looks like it's well, if you go there. If I go to Twitter, there's a yeah. Go to the video Twitter of her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's this what I want. Like. All right. Yeah. At this point, there absolutely should be that mandate because we know that if all of us wear masks, we reduce the chance of transmitting or acquiring COVID-19 by five times. There is a real danger when we politicize science. That public trust is broken when we are politicizing science instead of following scientific process. My kids are not eligible to be vaccinated. It's not that I don't want them to be vaccinated. It's that they can't be. And I do really worry. I mean, I have an almost four-year-old and a one-year-old. I cannot wait until they're eligible to receive the vaccine. I think until then, mask wearing for kids, especially if we are living in high transmission areas, is still going to be important. And what we really need to do at this point is to make vaccination the easy choice. It needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated. I mean, we wouldn't imagine bringing together 20, 30 unvaccinated adults, putting them in a single room together the entire day and have them not wear masks. Why would we say that that's okay for our children? Travel and having the right to travel interstate—it's not a constitutional right, as far as I'm, as far as I know, to um, to to uh, to board a plane. And so, saying that if you want to stay unvaccinated, that's your choice. But if you want to travel, you better go get that vaccine. I agree that masks are a very powerful layer of protection, but it's one layer. And if we have so many other layers that are present, masking may be one that could go away. But we are nowhere near that yet. And I think what we really need to do is get the vaccines authorized for children as soon as that's possible. There is no evidence whatsoever for any other vaccine causing long-term consequences. We really should be a lot more worried about the virus and the short-term as well as long-term consequences on our children as opposed to the vaccine. Make sure that you're wearing a, um, a mask even though it's outdoors if there are lots of people packed around you wearing a three-ply surgical mask. Don't wear a cloth mask. Cloth masks are little more than facial decorations. There actually is a harm that we should be discussing of children continuing to mask. We should also be intellectually honest and say that masking has had a cost, especially for the youngest learners. So the risk benefit calculation has really changed. I'm the mom of two little kids under five. I can't wait until they are vaccinated, but I would wait until we find that the vaccines are safe and effective. And I'm not sure that we can say that at the moment because we just don't have the data. But I also think that other parents would want to wait until we know that three doses will produce the intended effect. 
correct. I'm not saying I don't think anyone really is saying that no one should ever wear masks, but rather that the responsibility should shift from a government mandate imposed from the state or the local district of the school. Rather, it should shift to an individual responsibility by the family. And that, my friends, is a perfect example of contradictions. There she is contradicting herself over and over again. The science didn't seem to change much early on, but all of a sudden it changes. What's coming up in November, Rich? Oh, wait. Uh, what's, what do you got on screen there? Well, it, it, doesn't she work for the population yeah. control people? Planned That's Parenthood? correct. And isn't this uh, Bill Gates' dad, who is the head of Planned Parenthood, in the same room with Tony Fauci and uh, a bunch of other uh, elite types? I was just thinking, like, who's who's her paycheck come from? Traditionally, Planned Parenthood, Rockefeller Foundation, these types of places. But then I remembered Gates Sr. was in charge of Planned Parenthood and Gates himself was doing the Population Control Council or whatever they called it back at the turn of this century mm-hmm. back in 2000. So I was just uh, I was just looking up a little picture there related to the, the person given the contradictions on screen there in the montage. Nothing to see there, though. It's not like the son has any There's sort of aspirations pixels. of pixels the father. There's something to hear there. There's sound. And for people who know what stupid sounds like, you just heard it. There sounds a little low, by the way. Oh, is there a way to turn that up a little bit? No, I can turn it up. They got it. Okay. It's because I had everything on the road with me. I'm still You're good. making adjustments. I know, yeah. Right, I also, LD, uh, I dropped that uh, Carl Rove. I did find the quote. It's in the first minute. Just play it from like zero to one at one minute 13 seconds and we can uh redeem ourselves for letting you hear him actually rap what i wanted you to hear was the answers to questions he was asked on stage because i think that's remarkable in american history given the the context oh all right here we go uh just for the heck of it uh what's your name sir Peter Fitzgerald. All right. Thank you, Mr. Rove. Oh, oh. Patrick Fitzgerald. Patrick Fitzgerald. All right. Well, uh, we just want to ask you some questions about... Uh, we, we... Lots of people want to ask me questions. <laughs> and none of these have to be under oath. This, these questions are just like, what, what do you like to do for fun when you're not working? When, when you, do you have any hobbies? Do you have any hobbies? like to go home... Get a drink, generally of a non-alcoholic nature, since I don't drink, and um, then tear the tops off of small animals. Tear the tops off small animals. Yeah, they're so better when they're topless, aren't they? Yeah, okay. Headless. Okay, so you like to rip the heads off of. This is like Silence of the Lambs, isn't it? This is like. uh, Okay, so uh, but do do you actually have any hobbies that uh, you can? You know, do you have any collections? I readily admit that I am a practicing philatelist. Oh, a practicing philatelist. I think that has to do with stamps. stamps. God, I hope it's stamps. Because <laughs> the first thing that popped in my mind was... Buffett? <clears throat> Buffett is who uh, George W. Bush, also Skull and Bones member, uh, president in the year 2001. On 2001, 9-11, George W. Bush flew to Omaha, Nebraska, where Warren Buffett was having his last annual golf tournament with Ann Tatlock, the CEO from Fiduciary Trust, whose building, whose office blew up in World Trade Center too. Nothing to see there. 
there's no small group of people, a cabal, as Time Magazine might have called it recently. A small group of people shaping the world, much as Karl Rove said. In Revelation book. of the craft with Time Magazine. Turn yourself up a little bit more, by the way. Yeah, right on. Sorry, we're getting there. We're turning it up. Is yeah, that that's better. Yeah, that's better. Turn it up, turn it up. All right. So the CNN doctor lady, she said, the science has changed. Good. Science is changing all the time. We were all a little taken aback when science froze all of a sudden on something very political and didn't concern any science and that they deleted a bunch of science and took away early treatments for people. That was what we are concerned about. So I'm glad she's coming back to reality for a moment and that they aired it because it's remarkable that the political science has changed. I think it's noteworthy. Politics and progress, little pragmatic utilitarianism, FTW. All right. So uh, next clip, I thought uh, this is the, the first. It's one of two clips we're going to play from the Tim Dillon interview with Joe Rogan. And this is a couple weeks ago. This is prior to his recent, you know, Neil Young and certain word montages. It's just before that. And they have a very open and candid conversation that I'm sure is probably being banned out there, but somehow it's still available. So I was listening to it. Uh, the first clip is going to be on the topic of COVID. The second clip will be on the World Economic Forum and Warren Buffett. But we'll get to that in a little bit. That's a little foreshadow. Let's go to the COVID clip between Joe Rogan and Tim Dillon on Tim Dillon's podcast, which is on YouTube. Joe Rogan, thank you for coming. Your first podcast. My pleasure, Tim Dillon. <laughs> thank you for having me. I like the way you do this. We come to your studio. It's easy. We sit here. We do it. Jamie has to work extra. He's not happy about it. Jamie's but happy. But that's okay. All right. That's all right. Thank you for letting me do We wanted to follow up Lex Friedman with somebody bigger. And that person is you. Oh, and then, thank you. And uh, it's, it's, I wanted to ask you, because it's been, you know, we were just talking about the Hamptons and how crazy people go <laughs> when they have an insane amount of money. Yeah. You've done very well in the last, forever, but in the last year. Yeah. Do you, is it weird as a comic, the types of people that you can be around now? Or it's weird. I'll get like messages from celebrities, uh, like random pause celebrities, quick, usually about COVID yeah, just advice. Just jump to like so six minutes. 28, 28, 28 is what you want. No, I no. Think. The first clip comes uh, six minutes to 16 minutes, I think. Oh, the six minutes. Uh, yeah. Well, I got that screwed up. Somehow. That's all right. We're doing it. Oh, live. this is this is the second one. Oh, this is the one for the Yeah, he's got the other one with okay. the Buffett in it. I'm telling you, Tim Dillon's been reading the Franklin cover up. That's my suspicion. Read, so, son's been reading, reading books out there. What yeah, time just are we go to six to? minutes? Six like minutes. This, yeah, six six minutes. minutes. Yeah. And then play to sixteen minutes. Yeah. Ten minutes long. Thank you, sir. May we have another it, which is pretty you're pretty central. Well, it has to affect you because you're aware of it. If you're aware of it, it has a, an effect on you. The question is, do you change the way you operate? Like, do I right. decide that now I'm going to play it safe and I'm going to just have podcasts with athletes or comedians and just talk about silly things? Right. I could do that. Right. I could just decide to bail out of it. Or I could just do exactly what I want to do right. and do exactly what got me here in the first place. So that's what I do. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm aware of it, but I'm like, right. You know, it's, I know what's going on, too. You know, what's going on, it's one of the reasons why they go after me is that they realize I have a lot of influence. Another reason why is because they need a boogeyman. Like, the mainstream media needs a Trump. They need right. a someone. They need, right. Because 
on their own, the problem is you, it's a lot of it is editorial opinion pieces by morons. Like right. they're really dull-minded folks. These are not the brightest. Well, the reason why they got there in the first place is not because they're these courageous pioneering thinkers, right? Who have like compassionate, intelligent views in the world. No, they they they've followed narratives. They read teleprompters, yeah. right? And they say things that align with whatever the ideology is of their network, right? So that's what they do. Do you have Do you have people that disagree with you on this issue? That and I'm sure you do. That you respect. Yeah. That you go, Sam Harris. So yeah. Like that, yeah, yeah, like yeah. people yeah. that go, I feel you because it's a big issue and it's like yeah. a life or death thing, mm -hmm. it's an important issue. People have very strong feelings about it. Do you like obviously, there's a lot of disingenuous people in the media that are doing it for clicks, but do you have people in your own life who this is kind of I don't want to say a rift, but like have you fallen out with people over it? Or yes. have you? Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's um, it's controversial. But at this point, particularly when I see the way the government's behaving, um, the suppression of monoclonal antibodies, the demonizing of um, generic treatments that are available, whether it's hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, there's there's a concerted effort to demonize treatments that many, many, many doctors are using and many right. countries are using. There's right. fuckery going on, man. Sure. And it's brought to you by Pfizer. Right. And if you watch yeah. the, the root of this fuckery, yeah. it's real clear. And so uh, I'm pretty confident in what I'm saying. Right. I'm not saying that you shouldn't get vaccinated. And I'm not saying that vaccines don't have a positive benefit for a lot of people. They most certainly do. A lot of people yeah. who got COVID who were vaccinated, it was way better for them than not being vaccinated. That's a fact. Right. Another fact is there's treatments that are available that could stop it dead in its tracks, particularly monoclonal antibodies. The, the Biden administration is doing their very fucking best to make it really hard to get monoclonal antibodies. And according to Peter McCullough, Dr. Peter McCullough, who is the most published physician in history in his field, the most published ever, he's right. a rock-solid physician without ever having any controversy in his career up until COVID. He says there's enough monoclonal antibodies for the entire country. He's like, they're doing their best to try to prevent this, because if you get that monoclonal antibodies, it stops COVID dead in its tracks. So why wouldn't I, early treatment yeah. with monoclonal antibodies knocks it dead? It did it with you. Yeah, it did it with me. Right. And so I, then why not go that route? Now I know Pfizer's making a lot of money. Because they want to vaccinate people. Right. They want universal vaccination. Yeah. Now you could ascribe. You could say there's all sorts of like sinister motives for that. Sure. You know, you know, you could say they don't want a control group. They want the entire country vaccinated. So if health problems happen, there's no one to compare it to. There's like there's a lot of things that you could say. There's you could say that it's a just a gigantic money grab, that they have some sort of a very close relationship with the pharmaceutical companies that manufacture the, the vaccines. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck it is, but I do know that there are treatments. And in a sane world, right. you would be pursuing all these treatments. They wouldn't just send you home right. and say they can't they can't give you ivermectin, they right. can't give you anything else. They just come back when your pulse, your blood oxygen level drops below 92. That's not yeah. normal. Right. That's not normal with any other disease. Right. When they it's have the off-label treatments that are available that people are using, and there are randomized controlled trials that show that they work, I don't know if they fucking work or not. I'm a moron. All right? right. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a virologist. But 
but the ones that I've talked to that are, that have treated thousands of people, they tell you time and time again that these are effective methods. Yeah. They point to Uttar Pradesh in India that's knocked it out, using entirely this uh, combination of ivermectin and a few other off-label drugs. They point to all these different countries all around the world that have experienced very low rates of COVID, and they right. say, why does Japan use ivermectin? Right. Why do all these other countries use it? Right. Why is CNN pretending yeah. it's veterinary medication when more people have taken ivermectin than there are horses on planet Earth? Right. It's fucking nuts. No, the media has clearly attacked you using a playbook that has only made them look uh, very disingenuous. And you've, I think, more people's eyes have been opened by the media lying about things you've said or um, misrepresenting uh, ivermectin as horse medication, things like that. In terms of, I think one of the criticisms that people have had is they've said, like, why not bring on people that are more pro-vax? I have. So you put on yeah, certainly have. Sanjay I mean, Gupta. I, well, I had him on. I had right. Rhonda Patrick on. I had a conversation right. with her about it. In the early days of the, the podcast, I had um, uh, Michael Osterholm, who is uh, he's an infectious disease expert. I had Peter Hotez, who's a vaccine expert. Right. Quite a few of them on. Yeah. The, the thing is, like over time, I've noticed that the mainstream narrative is being guided in a way where everybody steps in line and people are ignoring all these other things that we talked about. They're ignoring the suppression of monoclonal antibodies. They're ignoring the suppression of treatments. There's a lot of shit going on. Have any on. of those dudes reached out to like come back on again? Or yes. have they, like yes. Osterholm or people like that, is it weird? Because also people bring up this whole thing that you have where you go, listen, I'm not anti-vax, right? I'm not. You have a whole thing where you talk about like uh, that a lot of people that are against all vaccinations are, are historically... You know they. You know they've been proven wrong. Like we've yeah. stamped out a lot of diseases. For what sure. What about like the? Because I would wonder because this I know, isn't a vaccine, right? No, 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 it's for a sure. Gene therapy. That's yeah. part of the problem. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of an experimental thing. Yeah, I mean the experiment is massive now. It's billions right. and billions of people worldwide. Right, but it's essentially experimental in terms of long term health consequences. Why, for all so these I wonder people. about guys because like, there there's because they don't seem like bad people. Osterholm or guys like that, no. right? They well, seem they've like, never been bad people. They've never been bad people. And are they just looking at, well, all these people, a lot of them are faring better with the vaccine if they get COVID, so they're not looking at the other adverse effects? There's there's a bunch of things you could say. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of it's speculation. But again, there's a lot of people that benefit from being vaccinated. That's right. a fact. Right. There's also people that have horrible reactions to the vaccine. That's yeah. a fact too. Like there's a lot going on, and when you're only allowed to look at one group of uh, of one you know example of evidence and not another example, like one a positive example versus a negative example. Yeah. That's not good for anybody. No, it's it not. It just sucks for me that I'm stuck in this weird position. You're where I have in to this talk crazy this. position as a comedian, yeah. MMA commentator, podcaster. But you, the show has become such a massive. I mean, they put out numbers the other day. I mean, you're the leading media figure. How right now? Dumb is that? Well, that's, that's how wild. you know. That's I how you think know this I world should is be. You should I be. was so mad <laughs> that you were, and I called my producer and I fired him. I had to rehire him because I couldn't find anyone else. But I was so angry. Because I don't have guests, and that's what a real media person should do. I have no interest in anyone's opinion. <laughs> Just like my mother, who's a schizophrenic. She never had to have anyone over to have a good time. And that's the way I do. But you now have a crazy amount of people listening. Do you feel, because people try to guilt you. People try to go, somebody didn't get vaccinated and they died of COVID. And they try to go, that's Joe Rogan's fault. 
This is what people say. That's what they say? Well, that's what they say. I that's mean, this ridiculous. is their whole thing, right? Um, this is what I would say. Yeah. Why didn't the doctors give them treatment? Right. Why didn't the doctors yeah. get them it's monoclonal antibodies? Why, yeah. Were they denied monoclonal antibodies? Right. Did they request them? Did they know about them? Right. You know, why didn't they get IV vitamin drip infusions? Why right. didn't they get NAD? Is that right. available? Yeah. Isn't that available? That seems like, especially uh, IV vitamin drips. Like right. that, that shit's very available. We right. know that high level vitamin drips, whether it's uh, with, with, especially with C, D, zinc, glutathione, all those things are like hugely beneficial yeah. to any kind of disease people have. For sure. I mean, I've got them. I've got them like as a, just a health remedy yeah. like for the last few years, and every time I do it, it feels fucking great. And you know people personally that have had problems with the vaccine. I know quite a few now. Yeah. Now I know over 15 people right. that have had like serious side effects of the yeah, vaccine. Yeah, both men and women, yeah. menstrual issues, strokes. Menstrual issues, strokes, yeah. neurological disorders, what, chronic now, fatigue. So what's a neurological disorder? Just like your curiosity. whole body shaking? Jesus. Yeah, and you can't do anything about yeah. it? Like weird ones, man. There's And it's... The thing is, when you're vaccinating, this to be fair, you're vaccinating yeah. hundreds of millions of people in this country alone, you're going to get adverse side effects on any medication. Right. The thing is, if you look at only that group, like if you vaccinate 100 million people, they, they think that the adverse side effects, and they don't really know because the VAERS report, it's kind of, it's, it's very underreported, and it's also, it's hard to see whether or not the, the, it's 100% accurate. I don't know how much they investigate each right. individual one. Right. But if you, they, they seem to think that at a low number, like a conservative number, it's like one per 1,000. So if you vaccinate a million people, you're going to have a lot of people that have adverse side effects. You vaccinate 100 people, you're going to have a lot. So this right. is what we're dealing with. Yeah. And that doesn't get any play. It doesn't. They suppress it. There was a kid on TikTok that... Uh, That's an interesting... You know, he brought up monoclonal antibodies, Rich. I just have to get this on the record. And shout out to Senna for uh, making me aware of this this week. FDA clears, oops, maybe make this bigger for people. FDA clears COVID drug from Eli Lilly that shows promise against Omicron. The federal government has ordered 600,000 doses of the monoclonal antibody treatment. Wait, what? COVID drug is now a monoclonal antibody treatment? Wait, didn't they just suppress Regeneron? And apparently, and shout out to... Um, well, they dropped its EUA, right? They dropped its EUA, but they didn't drop it for Sotrimavab which I talked about is a monoclonal antibody that works universally regardless of mutations. And what's interesting about that is no one knows that one exists. It's much McCullough more powerful than even Regeneron. It. Yeah, McCullough does. Yeah. It's the only reason I know about its existence is because of McCullough. It's still available, but it's being hush, hush, hush. And all of a sudden, FDA clears COVID drug, which happens to be a monoclonal antibody. Just like Pfizer and Merck coming out with their COVID pills that have a very similar mechanism of action, the protease inhibitor, to that of uh, ivermectin. So... What, I have a, a countdown clock until they say universal mRNA vaccines available. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. They're going to do it. That's their goal. That's their stated goal. I that's have so many articles going back well over a year, two years ago when this first started, where they were talking about that specific. They want the army's heavily invested in that. They want a, a universal vaccine. DARPA, DARPA, DARPA is invested in that too. Yeah. Of course. Of course. So. The way they're right. doing it, though, could actually backfire. On, I won't get into the science. I've some theories around it, but we'll talk about that when it comes. Blinding us with science. Let's see if this works. I wanted to show a couple articles because we're in the midst of a phenomenon 
Turn yourself up a tiny bit more. All right, let's do it. Let's do it live. I know we're going to have this issue. He can't hear himself in his headphones. There's an issue with the setup. So I'm trying to give him real-time feedback. Thank before you he gets for into the real-time feedback. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Is that good? A little bit more. Better? A little more? Yeah. It is soft. Usually you're louder than me. How's this? Is this loud? Much better. Louder? That's much better. Well, that's better. We're getting to the range of better. Yeah. That's right. good enough, I think. Keep giving me feedback. I wanted yep. to show you this document because it takes time for the dust to settle on history. When you're in the midst of a big world event, everything's kind of swirling around like a tornado. That's why instead of addressing current events, traditionally, I focused on history, right? Because history, the dust is settled. You can see the evidence. You can follow the trail. You can get an investigation going on. It's like you're doing a homicide investigation. You know, that's what the forensic history aspect is. What are the pieces of evidence in relation to these major crimes against humanity that we have suffered under and experienced over the past, let's say, 109 years? You know, if you want to go back to the beginning of the Federal Reserve or if you go back to the last will and testament of Cecil Rhodes, you have this legacy now that's built out and the dust has settled on aspects. Well, the pandemic today, it's not a great it's not a brand new planet and brand new people with no history that are doing this. All the people that are in positions of power today, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, all these other influential people that are the lower echelons of the elite, right? They're like the public interface. Those are the people we hear on TV about, right? Those people have a long history and it didn't just start with COVID-19. It goes way back. And if I look at some of the things that they've said in the past and the things they've done after that, I think you can bring together a more salient and comprehensive picture of who's unfolding this. And this kind of foreshadows the DARPA documents, which is the next deep dive. But since I had this artifact out, I had this, uh, it's foreign affairs journal. Let's just show it on screen. I had this out. It was part of the footage I filmed for my presentation tomorrow at a Narcopulco. This footage actually had to get cut out because it made the footage, the presentation uh, too lengthy, but Foreign Affairs in 1998 had specifically two articles. This one, Bernard Lewis explains Osama bin Laden. And this other one, Combating Catastrophic Terrorism. And I just wanted to open this real quick. Let's go to uh, split screen. Notice Philip Zelikow is underneath. Oh, yeah. Here's a nice advertisement from AIG. Never heard of them. Let's go to... Uh, uh, they had no involvement in 9-11 at all. Wait, not at all. Peter G. Peterson... Uh, foreign affairs chair. He's the uh, chair. Fareed Zakaria. Now he works for CNN, right? He's foreign affairs, council on foreign relations, managing editor, uh, Paul, Paul Wolfowitz, the neocon, and it's going to be neocon articles. We kind of focus on here. So let's go to the first one. And this is on page 14. Now for the record, this is November, December, 1998 foreign affairs. This is the council on foreign relations, official journal, Formerly, the Journal of Race Relations, as created by Thorsten Veblen around 1912. It then became, in the 1920s, Foreign Affairs for the Council on Foreign Relations. This article is titled, License to Kill, Osama bin Laden's Declaration of Jihad. So it kind of sets the stage for this boogeyman who's going to come along in 2001. This is 1998. This is setting the stage in the mindset of their audience, right? 
So you got Osama bin Laden. He's a he's a bad man on the scene. You need to learn about him. Now juxtapose this article with this one. Catherine Carter joined John Deutsch and Philip Zelikow. Are you kidding me? All right. No, I can't. I can't. This is real. Catastrophic (laughs) Terrorism, Tackling the New Danger by Ashton Carter, John Deutsch, Philip Zelikow. Now, before I go to any quotes, let's just do the grammar. Who is Ashton Carter? Ashton Carter. Let's do this. Ashton Carter is Ford Foundation. Professor of Science and International Affairs at Harvard University's JFK School of Government and a former Assistant Secretary of Defense. He actually became Secretary of Defense after 9-11. So key bono, Ashton Carter. John Deutsch is Institute Professor of Chemistry at MIT and former Director of CIA. Also was accused by Michael Rupert as being the CIA connection, right? Back in those days. Yeah. Deputy Secretary of Defense Philip Zelikow. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe he was also de- deputy. He was Secretary and deputy. Yeah. yeah, sorry. And then yeah. Philip Zelikow, interesting character. I'll read. A former member of the National Security Council staff. He is the White Burkett Miller Professor of History and director of the Miller Center of Public Affairs at the University of Virginia. Now, I believe Zelikow still works at the University of Virginia. His thesis around this time was the creation of public myths. His qualification to do the 9-11 Commission report, I have it behind me here on the shelf, several editions of it. His qualification was how to create public myths. Now, we can look that up, control room. We can find the reference for that. But that's the genesis of this 1998 article, which points out weapons of mass destruction, right, Uh, long part of the Hollywood and Tom Clancy Clancy repertory of nightmarish scenarios, catastrophic terrorism has moved from far-fetched horror to a contingency that could happen next month. Well, it took a couple of years, but it happened. Uh, They talk about the World Trade Center, uh, like Pearl Harbor. Now, these people, this is the document that led to the Project for a New American Centuries, Rebuilding America's Defenses, 1999 document that says they need a new Pearl Harbor. This is the document. These are the authors of that document. These are some of them. This is the foreshadowing of the PNAC document. And then that turned into the event. So between this and the PNAC document, you've got like a smoking gun of the people who did it and how they benefited from it. So there's just a couple more. And as an analogy, or as just to provide sort of an analogy to Pearl Harbor, the fact that they bring up Pearl Harbor, let's not forget that Bush, I think in... Uh, what was it, April or May of 2001? Maybe it was going back to 2000. I didn't know because he didn't get inaugurated until the end. But anyways, um, he had information that there was attack imminent uh, in America in regards to you know, potentially utilizing things like airliners and whatnot. He chose to ignore it exactly in line with what happened to Pearl Harbor. Now, if we understand the history behind Pearl Harbor, they might job. It was, yeah, it was all in, over inside, that. outside job. Yeah. Right. And that's if you people are interested in the details of that, check out the Peace Revolution. It was like 84, 85, one of those in the 80s. Um, you went into a deep dive in that. Sorry, good. They talked about crisis management for catastrophic terrorism in this document. And it, it rings a bell that there was a catastrophic terrorism uh, crisis management guy named um, L. Paul Bremer. He became like the governor of Iraq. In the 2003 war after 9-11, during 9-11, he was the risk manager for crisis management, risk management. 
at Marsha McLennan. So there's people that come up later that might have qualifications, more talk about weapons of mass destruction, which wouldn't be popularized in American parlance for another three, Chris five years. Chris Manson, Marsha McLennan being a, uh, what is it, insurance firm or, or lawyers? It's the world's largest insurance Insurance, brokerage. yeah, right. They used to be one of my clients back when the World Trade Center. That's how I remember that. That's where you blew, blew the whistle on the overbilling. Yeah. This is the, the, the exodus of the article. Here's the conclusion. Overcoming disbelief. Remember, Zelikow is, a, is one of these authors, and his job was creating public myths. Overcoming disbelief. Catastrophic terrorism poses an imminent threat to America's future, but the United States can fight back only if it sets the right goals. In 1940 and 1941, oh, Pearl Harbor, the United States government pondered what kind of forces it would need to wage a global war. The answers went so far beyond the imagination that wry smiles and shaking heads in Washington offices greeted the planning papers as they made their rounds. The Cold War saw a similar pattern of disbelief. America can meet the new challenges, but it must first imagine success. Only then can it organize itself to attain it. So overcoming this pattern of disbelief, they're going. To, what did they have to do in World War II? They had to create nuclear weapons, right? What he's saying is preemptive warfare is something wholeheartedly on their table in their benefit, and that the Anglo-American establishment, these people, like these are the people, this is their magazine. What, what do we know how to read for if not to keep ourselves free of slavery? I don't know. Read and remove the contradictions all of a sudden it corresponds to the reality that we experience. And then we have a clearer picture of what's going on. Um, you know, what's interesting about the Philip Zelikow. I remember rich, this goes back to when I first started, um, uh, hosting with you as a co-host back in April. And one of the first episodes we found out, I think Corbett did a deep dive into this, that Philip Zelikow was going to be one of the people that craft the narrative about what happened with COVID-19. Yes. But, perfectly so me, qualified. Perfectly Just qualified. Just like Alan Dulles being on the Warren Commission. I mean, so this goes back to a JFK said, I'll smash your organization into a thousand pieces. Then he fires Alan Dulles. Then Kennedy dies. Then Dulles presides on the situation and investigates the murder. It's How just convenient. like Zelikow. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's, so there is this center for strategic international studies where he talks about the need for a national commission is the bridge we need now national commission. I did a deep dive, um, a couple of weeks ago when I was hosting, when you were, when you were away talking about Jeremy Farrar, who's the one now crafting the pandemic narrative. I drew an analogy to Philip Selikow because he seems to be, you know, uh, well, Farrar, I remember Jeremy Farrar from the Fauci emails, right? He's, he's welcome trust. He's the head of the welcome trust. Oh, what did the welcome trust say this past week? Well, there was something with the welcome trust that happened this past week. They were, maybe we'll find it in t- the clips tonight. Yeah. No, I have, I've, yeah. But anyways, I want, yeah, it's just interesting because like, yeah, obviously Welcome Trust, strategic partner, co-founded the COVID action platform and was recently behind the scenes of Welcome's COVID zero initiative, which is tied to the World Economic Forum. This idea that they can completely eradicate it probably with vaccines. I'm noticing that all the tentacles are tied to the octopus. Yeah, what a coincidence. (laughs) So I just want to give people some clarity on that as to what, how that all Oh, speaking of Danny Casolaro, do we have the uh, Pilato clip about the World Economic Forum that yeah. we can play? Like right yeah, now, I have. So what I what I did was yeah. though, instead of playing the original intermission, I actually included all of that as part of the 
the, the intermission. So I don't know if we want to play it now or keep it as part of us. A bunch of clips I have about that as part of intermission. So originally, right, the let's intermission keep it was as intermission because be, yeah. you had a plan, and I'm just well, the jumping plan the came gun together at I the get end. Excited about playing media monarchy clips, and uh, for now, we'll just foreshadow it. We'll go to the Jackson report. We'll play the uh, 34 so, through 31. 51. Yeah, yeah, 30, 34 minute, 14 through 51. Yeah, you got. It. And then we're gonna get uh, the update. Now is Pierre Corey in this clip? No, he's later on. Which. Um, all right, so I'm just doing more foreshadowing. We're doing callbacks and foreshadowing all night, folks. Try the veal. Let's go ahead to this clip. Jeffrey Jackson report from High Wire this week. We can't breathe. Puffy in the f there's a whole lot of kids. Um... That's fine. Oh, to I want to shift gears that. here for a second. Uh, while many go. local news reporting is around these victories and around reporting these good news, other news outlets are going to have to cover tragic stories like this. Take a look. George Watts Jr. was a college student. Described as a homebody, he loved playing video games and being with his family. He's funny. Kind of shy. You get to know him and he's, he's a jokester, quick-witted kid. He wanted to take classes in person. To do that, he needed to be vaccinated, so he scheduled his COVID vaccine appointment. His first dose in August, his second in September. He wanted to get that one because that one was FDA approved. George Jr. started to feel sick. I noticed he was starting to, when he started getting a puffy in the face, like a sinus issue. So, and uh, plus he had a cough, and I decided to take him to the emergency room to see what was going on. That's where he was given antibiotics to treat a sinus infection. But a week later, George Jr. was still sick, so they went back to the ER. After that second visit, his symptoms got worse. Well, another week goes by and he's getting worse, and his cough is getting worse, he's coughing up blood. He's his feet are hurting, his hands are hurting, his eyes, his teeth are hurting, and he you know, didn't like the light, the sunlight. But then, the unthinkable. And I told him that I was going to take him to the emergency room the next day after I got out of work. We never made that trip to the emergency room. George Jr. collapsed in his room on October 27th and was pronounced dead later that morning. His dad describes him as healthy, saying he had no underlying medical conditions. An autopsy report from the Bradford County Coroner's Office shows George Jr. died from, quote, COVID-19 vaccine-related myocarditis. Myocarditis is how I ruled it. Have you seen anything like this before? We are currently working on other cases that are um, related to vaccine and booster-related issues within our county, yes. I mean, that, that final statement by the coroner there is so shocking. Remember, like he says, other cases as though they're, you know, people are getting sick. This is a coroner. When he's talking about other cases, we're talking about deaths. What he's saying is, yes, we're looking at other deaths that are being caused by these boosters, by these vaccines. And you're right. Boy, is that a shift from a media that says, oh, there's no proof of injury whatsoever, no evidence that there's any injuries, despite the now, I think it's 22,000 uh, deaths that have been reported to VARES. I mean, the, it's shocking. Uh, and, and you have to imagine that these media institutions are realizing 
you know, they're seeing people they know die, or maybe someone in their family, and they're saying, screw it, I'm telling the truth here. So just really a sad story, uh, but it, it does show, like, how, how many stories like that are we going to start seeing in the future? Right. And these stories are being shown now in the medical literature. So we had out of the Jour Journal of the American Medical Association just recently, this this study was published looking at myocarditis and they looked at, they used the VAERS reporting system from CDC. And the title is myocarditis cases reported after mRNA based COVID-19 vaccination in the U.S. from December 2020 to August 2021. And let's look at the, the table here directly from the study. And we have some things highlighted here. So on the far right that highlighted, you have a column there. And these are the expected cases of myocarditis in a seven-day risk interval per million doses. So this is kind of the background rate of myocarditis. And then in the left side, we have this highlighted section. This is the second dose of males after the Pfizer vaccination. That's the one that really packs that punch for myocarditis. So if you look at the age group, 12 to 15, all the way on the right, the expected is 0.53 per million. What they found after the second dose of Pfizer shot was 70.73 per million. So I mean, just, to, just to give that some clarity, Jeffrey, you know, I, I ran that through a calculator. That's over a 13,000% increase from what was expected. I mean, so we can't brush this off, a 13,000% increase in what was the expected amount of myo, that issue. What I also want to ask, though, is just to be clear, it said in a seven-day interval. So are we saying these numbers only, they only looked at the cases that happened within seven days of that second shot? Because I know, Correct. you know, um, the different doctors that are out there that have been talking about this, Peter McCullough being one of them, have been talking about like the long term, that the, we may not see this myocarditis for weeks. Ten, what about 10 days out? I mean, so these numbers are at 13,000% higher, and we're only looking at seven days. What about two weeks? What about a month down the road? Should that be, you know, we start seeing these cases that were maybe undetectable at first or the, the kid wasn't jogging or wasn't, you know, having strenuous exercise all of a sudden appears. That's not even in here. I mean, those numbers aren't even in here. Right. And, and this is partly because of the CDC's poor data collection. And we talked about this last week, the antiquated data collection systems that they have that they say are going to be updated someday, maybe. Um, and let's look at this second row. So okay. we have kids 16 to 17 males uh, after their second dose. They were expecting 1.34 per million. They had 105.86 per million. So again, astronomical rates of myocarditis here, way, way above. I mean, this, again, we've called this, this would be a gigantic red flashing signal. That's what they call this, to be yeah. investigated. And I guess they're investigating in a seven-day risk interval. And, you know, sometimes people have a hard time with the numbers. So we took those numbers and we put them into a bar graph here. So let's take a look at this, this bar graph. And so on the left is Moderna, on the okay. right is Pfizer. And these are the myocarditis cases. The blue lines are what they found. The orange lines, those little slivers down there are what's expected. So you can see here, just in a snapshot, this is way, way above uh, anything that's expected by leaps and bounds. We're talking mountains of myocarditis here in these kids in just this seven-day risk interval. But, you know, I hate to say this, but it gets worse from this, from this study. Let's look at what the authors talked about as a limitation for this study. So here the authors are trying to do research. We're trying to find an answer to this because kids are, are experiencing this. And here's what the limitation they say. As a passive system, VAERS data are subject to reporting biases and that both under-reporting and over-reporting are possible. 
given the high verification rate of reports of myocarditis to VARES after mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccination, underreporting is more likely. Therefore, the actual rates of myocarditis per million doses of vaccines are likely higher than estimated. And that, that should be the mic drop here. Let's, let's get some real data so we can figure this out. And why there's a mic drop, I, I, just as I'm reading that, I just want to talk to the audience here for a second. I want you to spend the entire next two or three days watching nothing but your favorite news channel outside of the highway. Go to CNN, go to MSNBC, go to Fox, and ask yourself, am I seeing this JAMA study? JAMA being one of the most powerful medical journals in the world. This is, I mean, this is huge. This is huge information. Why are you not hearing it from your news agencies? Do you see what's going on here? None of these people are recording uh, these numbers or reporting on these numbers. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Can you imagine if, I mean, what time do we live in that the, the heart inflammation of children, you know, thousands and thousands of them, probably tens of thousands if we look at this. And they're saying we looked at bears. It's going to be even worse than reporting, yet no one in media is covering this, and they're attacking those places like the High Wire by New York Times, by Washington Post, because we do. I mean, talk about an insane world we live in. I know you know this, but really let it sink in when you ask yourself, huh, I wonder if I should donate to the High Wire. You know, I mean, they seem like they're doing pretty good. Do you realize what we're up against? And by the way, we don't, we're not just a news agency here. We're suing to get some of these information. Some of this is being hidden by our own government, and the only way to get to them is by using Aaron Siri, the greatest constitutional lawyer that ever lived. We need your help. This is obviously a huge battle. This truth, we are here because of those of you that have donated to the high wire if you haven't been you don't you don't get to lay claim you get to say i'm smart because i watched the high wire but wouldn't you like to be able to say i'm a part of changing the world i'm a part of bringing down these institutions that are lying to us so please if you have a moment right now go to the highwire.com it's right there where you're watching it. click on that donate to i can and then hit that button and become a recurring donor how much could you how much is it worth to you to have the truth not only given to you every week we're saying 22 dollars for 2022 but what about the fact that you're funding for all the millions of people that don't donate that are getting this information and waking up and we're changing the world as we know it? Become like, please enroll yourself in this movement. Enroll yourself in making a difference. I mean, I, I don't usually, I usually wait till after Jeffrey Jackson, but it's so glaring in that moment. How is this study not on every single news channel in this country and around the world? It's absolutely egregious. And frankly, I think it's murder. I think it's murder. And, and as I've said before, you in the press. Yeah, you. All right. Timing. Timing is everything. Look, that, that very well may have just been a glitch in the system, but the timing is a bit strange. I mean, these are the types of things we're dealing with. The tech gremlins are out there. We are constantly working. One of the things that you're funding when you help us is to build a stronger and more fortified system, not only so they can handle all the pressure of the millions of you that are watching this, but also that we can avoid attacks that do come on occasion to our system. We'll find out later if that's what that really was. But you get my point. Here's the point, is I do believe that the Nuremberg Code is being violated. I do believe people are being put in harm's way without being given informed consent. And I believe the media uh, 
is an integral part of that propaganda that is pushing dangerous products, dangerous lockdowns in mass, and all the science is crumbling down around them. We won't let them rewrite the history. But right now, we also have to remember, we're going to hold all of you accountable that should have known the truth, should have done good reporting, should have been on top of this. We are right. I mean, if you've been watching the high wire this whole time for the last couple of years, you know for a fact and say, you know what? Dell has been saying all of this for like two years. And some of you, we have a super smart audience. I know you're sending us the studies saying, look at this. And we're presenting them on the show. But here we are. It's a little bit of a segue. I got so amped up there that I, I might have just crashed the entire system. So, Jeffrey, let me hand it back to you. I'll, I'll take a couple breaths and a sip of water now. Okay. Well, let's go to uh, the ACIP committee. Now, this is the Advisory Committee of Immunization Practices. This okay. is the CDC's committee that recommends vaccine recommendations, the COVID vaccines and other vaccines. We've covered this before. But this, once they recommend something or they say it's safe and effective, this signal goes out across America and everyone kind of gets their marching orders and really around the world, too. They take their cue from a ACIP in a way as well. So let's look at their most recent meeting. They looked at myocarditis. They looked at people that had that kids 12 to 29 years old and they found about 380 of them that they were uh, found that they could track down now that's way down from the number that they had in the VAERS system which apparently is still underreported but they can only find 380 of them let's look at this slide they're talking about the most the results of the most recent cardiac function test so remember this isn't when these kids go to the hospital and get diagnosed with myocarditis this is after they're diagnosed typically about 90 days after this okay. is their most recent cardiac function test of many uh so it says here we have elevated troponin levels there 46 percent on the left hand column that that uh, light blue line abnormal or elevated troponin levels troponin is a, bi a very specific biomarker that marks heart injury it, it the elevation of that reflects ongoing myocardial damage so 46 percent of these kids or teenagers young adults are still showing increased troponin and the uh, timeline cardiac. of this just just so we're clear this is basically they're tracking these kids and they're saying after 90 days we were told this is mild it clears itself up or with some light drugs and what we're seeing here is after 90 days nearly half of these patients still have elevated troponin so for three months all these people three months later this is how bad they're still doing right is that is that how Wait. i'm supposed to see this okay yeah, and, and also we go to the next column. We have cardiac MRI. We have 64% still showing abnormal or elevated uh, cardiac MRIs. And then it keeps going. We still have some percentages across all the uh, elect electrocardiogram, electric diagram. And now let's go to another slide here. This is the summary of this presentation to the ACIP committee. And it says here, this is highlighted, there did not appear to be a single test that was indicative of recovery. So here we are, the media is telling people that this is mild, it goes away, it resolves on its own, nothing to see here. And behind closed doors here at the ACIP committee, which really anybody can watch on the live stream, right. they're saying, we're not, we're not showing any tests that are indicative of recovery here uh, conclusively. So it's a big question mark about what the so future is. So they basically say we're not seeing people recovering. Like this is a long-term problem, right? As, as, yeah. as Dr. Peter McCullough, the most published heart doctor in the world has said, there's no such thing as mild myocarditis. This is a lifelong injury. It is, a, is an injury to the heart that only develops scar tissue. It does not heal. It does not get replaced. Those aren't cells like the rest of your body. This is a permanent injury and now the CDC recognizes and is saying clearly we're not seeing recovery that's amazing 
Right. And around the world, we're seeing some other headlines. So check this out. Uh, the Dutch, no boosters necessary for Dutch teens, Health Council says. And that's that's partly because of this myocarditis risk. But in the mm. UK, listen to this. This is the SAGE group. This is the group that advises the government. This is a group that advised the government on, on how to use fear. They say vaccine passports can be a lever to get more young people jabbed, scientists tell government. So as this myocarditis risk is hovering there in the background like an elephant, the vaccine passports are not effective really anymore. And a lot of uh, people are dropping them. And this group comes to the government and says this, quote, given higher vaccine complacency in certain groups, such as youth who perceive lower risk of infection, this intervention, which are the vaccine passports, could be an additional policy lever to increase vaccine uptake and population level immunity. So no science here whatsoever. We're just going to use this as a lever or, or a stick to, to beat these kids over the head to get them vaccinated with a shot that's showing, you know, an increased myocarditis risk. But back here in the U.S., uh, in, in January of 2021, the, the UK was uh, talking about adjusting their schedule, their vaccine schedule, to try to avoid this myocarditis risk and, and mm -hmm. increase the interval. January 2021, Dr. Fauci came out against that. So here's the headline of that, just in case anybody forgets this. Uh, Dr. Fauci advises against the British approach of delaying a second dose of the vaccine. But now here we are. We've come full circle. People within the CDC are saying that we need to have a longer time interval. And this is the headline out of here. This is out of, uh, I believe, NBC Boston. CDC to consider increasing time between vaccine doses to lower risk of heart inflammation. So they're only considering it right now, but these are people within the CDC saying, look, we need to consider this. They're really kind of raising a flag here within within the agency saying this, this really needs to happen. And it's being reported, thank God, by the media. And it's amazing. This shows exactly why you're supposed to have long-term safety trials. So you work all of this out on a small group of people that dedicated their lives to the cause by being trial participants. You don't turn the entire planet into a trial and then discover that everybody that received this vaccine so far got that interval too close together. And now you may have a permanent heart injury that you have either have been diagnosed with or don't even know about yet. This is what we've been arguing about even before COVID. This has always been my issues with the vaccine program. We need long-term safety trials double-blind placebo studies where we have a placebo group that would say, hey, they're not having this myocarditis issue. They're not having it. In fact, you're having it at 13,000 the rate that the placebo group is. Do you realize this is all happening, folks, in real time, in real people? We've been turned into guinea pigs, and now the CDC is admitting it, saying, yeah, we're going to have to, ch sorry, everybody that's gotten so far. Like, uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to give it to every one of you because your brains were too big. So those of you with big brains and intelligence and blood actually pumping through your brains and a little bit of skepticism, you're going to live just fine. The rest of you, sorry about that. But once we fix it, do you think we could talk you smart people into then getting it? Right, right. Uh, well, let's let's shift gears here. Let's look to the north in Canada. It's almost two weeks now since the truckers have rolled into capital here. city, uh, Ottawa, to... Uh... We'll get to that with a number of other um, personalities talking about the trucker protests. Honk, honk. Okay, there we go. Trying to get as many honks in as possible. Well, that was an interesting segment. It was different from, we already covered the beginning of the Jeffrey Jackson report, talked about the crumbling narrative. The ending talks about the trucker protests, which we're going to get into in a second here. But the middle section about myocarditis, three weeks ago when uh, you're on vacation, I played a clip that Jimmy Dore did uh, talking about Josh Sepps on Joe Rogan's podcast. And he's like a political commentator uh, and personality in Australia. And he said, well, there's more naturally there's more covid induced 
myocarditis and there is vaccine induced myocarditis. And Drogan didn't believe it. He's like, nah, nah, that's not true. And so he looked up the specific reference. It was in some sort of major publication. And it's like, okay, so COVID-19 causes myocarditis. But then Jimmy Dore, doing what Jimmy Dore does, does a deep dive into it and found that, wait, nope, that's not true. For certain types of vaccines, for certain age groups, again, it's about qualifying the the, the sample size that the you know, you have to talk about what males or females, what age they are, age, attrition, all these sorts of factors. He found out that certain mRNA vaccines do in indeed cause much higher rates of myocarditis. And so Joe Rogan wasn't even wrong uh, in that. The other guy's not case. wrong either, because you yeah. can that that's a side effect of COVID itself, which was kind of known before the thing broke out, well, which, mm -hmm. which we'll get to in this deep dive that's coming up. Yeah, but yeah, I, I agree. And there is nuance that has to be had in a situation, but just because there's these two seemingly irreconcilable sides doesn't mean there's not a third piece of information that when you put that puzzle piece in, oh, that now that makes sense how these things connect together. Yeah, because they're both producing the spike, right? So I mean, one is on the coronavirus, that specific spike protein that we've talked about ad nauseum now, and the COVID and the mRNA technology is producing that same spike. And the, the nanolipid particle, I'm going to get into in a second here, going back to 2016, I'll probably get into it a little bit later. Um, Stefan Bonsell from Moderna talked about that's one of the problems they've been having is it tends to go to places they don't want it to go um, because of the nanolipid particle structure. It's like the carrier for the mRNA that produces the spike. So it's multiple vectors that causes problems in regards to these technologies. I mean, they knew it would go other places in the in the mice and rats, but they didn't think it would happen in the other mammals. That's all. Why do I do it in mice and rats? No. no, I don't know. <laughs> hey, the part that really got me when that father was talking about his son who had been the double vaccinated and then had those ER visits and didn't get early treatment. Yeah. He, he was under the impression that it was FDA approved. I know and that's I not, thought, and yeah, that's not true. And I can't help, but think where would that kid get such information except for the TV? And that's an example of a victim of misinformation right there from the mainstream. There you go. And, but they, from the they trusted establishment sources, but then they gas they kill people podcasts. by sending COVID patients to nursing homes and cover it up. And, you know, that's another thing after that guy. Yeah, that's another thing we were talking about with the Jen Psaki circling back and rewriting history sort of nonsense. You know, the fact that like, you know, some of those politicians are talking about all the, you're going to kill grandma. It's like, well, you guys literally did kill grandma in the nursing homes, but you know, because the democratic politicians said it, they can then gaslight the rest of the more uh, conservative libertarian freedom-minded individuals and act that way. And that's the same what's going on. But the myocarditis thing is interesting because the Josh steps ended up being wrong. If you look at what HACIP is saying, and there's these new data that's coming out in regards to, uh, what's going on with myocarditis and the fact that it's heavily underreported, the myocarditis induced from the vaccine is much greater, uh, seemingly at this, but at least the data, there's more data suggesting that than COVID-19, but COVID-19 itself as well can produce it or induce this sort of effect. But it seems to be much less than what the vaccine is doing, because especially with Moderna, particularly, which is a higher dose, that one really is troubling. That was one of the ones where Jimmy Dore exposed that that particular type, but Pfizer is having similar issues. If you look at the data, this is the data. I've been saying this for they a long can't time. rewrite history fast enough. That's actually good. Yeah, there, there's a singular, the singularity, the portal. Um, there's getting into a point where Peter Doshi from the British Medical Journal came out and said this, and I've been saying this for a while. We have friends that you know. Maybe Doshi's a listener. And then maybe who knows? But I give him a lot of credit because he said something to the effect of. We're not, we don't have access to the raw data. 
um, the UK has more access to their raw data than the United States. In the United States, we have no access to raw. So when you see these studies that have processed information, you skip the grammar stage, you skip the data collection stage, and then you're just processing. And, so you're and it's all over. meaningless, right? It's all meaningless. So when I see a you know a, a state one study from um, the HHS, which is actually a federal study, but like let's uh, Pennsylvania or, or Texas or Florida doing their own studies from their own health services that see a positive correlation with vaccine lower you know disease or death rate, like I can't trust that because I can't qualify the data. And what that's what Norman Fenton pointed out in the UK, they actually released their data, but they didn't parse the data correctly. So they just included, they had like zero to 59 or 69 in their whole data set in parse for age and attrition, all these other qualities that have to be assumed in understanding risk benefit. And it's just, that to me is really the most egregious thing in America. We are having very, that's why there's been uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I played another clip from Jeffrey Jackson. So many countries uh, especially like Ireland, I think it was Norway or the Dutch and a couple other ones came out with negative adverse effects. This is government published studies about how ineffective and how dangerous the vaccines are. Many of them have been scrubbed from their own websites, but they were able to preserve them. But the fact that other government, this is why we're getting such contradictory information between like Israel or, you know, places in Europe or Canada, even uh, to a certain extent, or the UK it sounds can like... in contrast to the America in America, which Dell says all the time, right? When it comes to America, it's like, we have the home of Apple, the home of Microsoft, which it's funny when he says that the home of like database processing, information collection, all this stuff. And yet we can't get the raw data or understand how they're doing all this data collection and then manipulation. Like these other countries are coming out. That's why there's so much contradictory information, so many contradictory studies compared to what we're getting in America or rather in contrast to what's happening overseas. So. Yeah, it sounds like they didn't have enough World Economic Forum young leaders go through that program and get disseminated <laughs> before they kicked off their great reset. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a fair point. Maybe. Anything they've made, the, the, you know, the WF young leaders, which we're going to get to in a little bit here, uh, they've become more conspicuously outed, like the Macrons and uh, some PMs, uh, obviously Trudeau, and uh, there's uh, congressmen in America as well as... Uh, you know, dignitaries up in, in other countries and European parliaments as well that are all part of this sort of trade. But the thing is like, they're all calling for the one thing they have in lockstep is more mandates, more control, more belligerent action when people resist, which belligerent just means more aggressive action, obnoxiously aggressive. And action. they have gained a lot by their actions. I mean, the, just the, yeah. the plunder of money and debt and trillions of dollars that they've printed in our names and attached to our future generations as yeah. you know, debt owed to somebody. Who do we owe it to? Uh, they also unexpectedly have gotten a lot more honks than they expected. <laughs> and they are just overflowing with honks right now. They're just honking. honking you know, honking. it's such a problem with honking that they had to legislate it. Make it illegal. Yeah. Right. I mean, unnecessary noise come on man <laughs> that's that's when they're weak that's like that's they're that's like apollo man. creed like trying to hold on to the ropes and not fall down as rocky's getting up and rocky won yeah that's right that's so, about who gives first or will the state when i saw the tractors blocking off the the bridge i was like oh it's getting interesting and when they're going to call in the military and they're going to say all those people are racist kkk nazis I'm like, game over, game over. Cause you have no cards to play after that other than straight up violence, which is an admission of intellectual bankruptcy, which is freedom wins. Yay. Got freedom. It. 
that's exactly right. That's well said. The only card they have left to play is this whole nonsensical race card, this whole sort of cultural Marxist card, which is going to backfire dramatically, especially with the solidarity you're seeing uh, in various nations around the world of different ethnicities coming together around the fact that they're sick of not being able to live their life as they were able to two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. People have been, happened. people have been traumatized by the one small thing, the, the Omicron and the COVID for two years. two years, the one small thing to worry about this, uh, this anxiety hanging over everyone's heads. And as they continue to change the rules every day, everyone's getting those shocks, like they're rats in a cage. And if you don't know any better, you're going to start, you know, being, uh, frustrated and that's going to lead to aggression, aggression, according to the, Yale Institute of Human Relations study from 1938, the frustration aggression studies. They know what they're doing. That's they they weren't interested in rats, everybody. The mice, the mice utopia, mouse utopia, they weren't really interested in mice. They're interested in taking that information and applying to human beings for purposes of behavior control, total control, track trace database, cybernetic technocracy, transhumanist control. It's a bunch of big words that don't include the words super and bowl. <laughs> I mean, really, you just saw the World Economic Forum. They had a big football game pageant because all the places that sponsor the Super Bowl or World Economic Forum, good, good buddies. There's That's a plan like, in strategic progress. partners. They call them strategic yeah. partners. So let's not forget about the jo John Calhoun study of mouse utopia, Rockefeller yeah. funded study up in what was it, Maine somewhere? They did there? two of them. They did one like in the 50s and one in the 70s. There's two of them. I think they had similar results. Um, and I went, I did a whole long intermission about that three weeks ago. So, to, but that's well, just, then you know. there's the beautiful ones experiment mm -hmm. where you have like that, that generation that just preens themselves into like the, the end of the Roman Empire. Yeah, yeah. Well, it also happened in the Keeping Rogan it Empire. and Tim Dillon talk about that. It <laughs> in happened also in, in Persia as well, ancient Persia towards the end. I mean, there's a lot of interesting information even before the the Roman Empire. We have more data about it, but same thing. And that um, uh, what's his name? The hardcore history guy. Oh God, good. He, he yeah, Dan really Carlin. Yeah, Dan he's Carlin. awesome. He did, yeah. He's amazing, at least for his ancient and medieval history. When he gets for what to he modern does, history, for yeah, the for limitations of his research, he does Correct. a really great job. Yeah, he really does. And he gets in, I encourage people to check out his series and they came in an empire. My only real qualm with him is the world war one, everything yeah, else. I'm good. World war with. two has some Genghis mistakes. Khan. Brilliant. He's awesome. Genghis Khan is really the Achaemen in empire. Dan Carlin, Dan Carlin's representation thing, not Genghis yeah. Khan, but, uh, <laughs> I, I got, I could have some Von Moltke, like he's here and the real infrastructure and interesting history. Dan is up here. I would be glad to point you toward the books. At least right. modern interpretation is, is like I said, yeah, when he talks about Genghis Khan or the Cumanid Empire, Roman Empire, various other, fantastic. And he yeah. quotes, he does deep dives into modern historians. He br brings up Will Durant, who I've referenced many times. He's a big fan of Will Durant's work as well from a more earlier perspective from the early 1920s, uh, 1920s, 30s, when he wrote that, I think. 30s, 40s, I think. Anyways, and then he brings up modern scholarship. So he juxtaposes all these various deep, you know, deep dives into modern scholarship, modern historian perspectives into a lot of these events in history. A great job until you get to the 20th century. World War One, World War Two. He gets a lot of things wrong, but I don't blame him there because there's so much. Even Gino Denning told me only listen. To it's the hard first. to find the right books that point out a non-contradictory understanding under which everything else fits. That's where you come in, and that's where what we do come in in general. That's right. Um, and real quick, uh, someone said, uh, shout out to, oh, wow. A lot of people talking on the chat, but, uh, Suzanne from 
France just uh, mentioned this, and I wanted to get this on the record. Warning from France, our convoy for liberty leaves Paris today. They're on their way to Brussels with the Dutch, Austrians, and Germans, although the Belgians have already closed their border. So uh, shout out. I hope that all continues forward. I know there's also a situation in Australia that's happening as well. And there's something in America. Of course, the DHS has labeled them and mis- misinformation, disinformation, ter- basically malinformation. They call mal- it malinformation. That's the <laughs> new word. Terrible. That's next week's title. Malinformation. <laughs> that's uh, Jen's new nickname. Miss Dismal. <laughs> Keep that in the pull that up. That's fantastic. The malinformation of Lauren Hill. And the indoctrination camp that follows next on not this podcast. It's something we were watching on YouTube. All right. So <laughs> going back to rats. We, we went, I was going to say, we went past Dan Carlin and uh, Von Molka and Genghis Khan all the way to the re-education of Lauren Hill pun. So let's follow Let's circle back. Let's sack you back. <laughs> and from here on out, the rewriting of history will be the zelicoing of history or the zelicowing of history. If you prefer that pronunciation, because he's a creator of public myths. I'll tell you a good public myth. This is a, this is an inadvertent tangent, but if I explain it to you and we can find it control room, some representation of this, you guys will learn a lot about the creation of public myths and why you might want to take that interesting thing about Zelikow and put it together with his 9-11 commission report and his forthcoming COVID report, right? It works something like this. The Rochester Institute of Technology had an exhibit. They have some people there, some very, very brilliant, smart people who love the art of MC Escher. And they did a, they did a fundraiser Hmm. and the fundraiser didn't get stolen. Like the truckers fundraiser, they actually got it. They might've raised $10,000. And what they built was a three-dimensional version of the Escherian steps. Okay. And there's video proof of this. So you can see people go up the steps and then they come out of the other part of the picture. And you can tell that they built this incredible thing in three-dimensional reality. And so if we could play uh, a clip, just type in RIT students, Asherian steps, and we can find a clip of that. And you're going to see this impossible thing that only through a GoFundMe type of mechanism and $10,000 could these physicists and, and scientists make a three-dimensional representation of this impossible staircase. And then I'm going to tell you how it connects to Philip Zelikow and the creation of public myths. Let's see if we can find it. It's like a a classic. I remember that from 10 years ago when we watched that together. That's an absolute classic. We didn't have Grand Theft World 10 years ago. So we got you and I. Yeah. I was just like, and your wife sitting in an office together just talking about all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Perfect. Perfect. One of the first structures put up when RIT made the move from downtown Rochester to suburban Henrietta. The stairwell, designed by Filipino architect Rafael Nelson of Uganda, was built in 1968 and has been wowing RIT students ever since. One of the coolest things is bringing people here and watching them experience it for the first time. Today we are here with Rosie. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Okay. And uh, you are a, a grad student in what program? Yeah, exactly. Uh, program? Yeah. Print media. Okay, so uh, have you been here to before to the stairwell? <laughs> this stairwell? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> have you heard about it? No. No. Never. Okay. Never. Okay. Never. But what I want you to do is just walk up the stairs and wait for me on the next floor. Just go up. Just go stairs. on up. There you go. That's it? That's it. 
Just keep walking. Get to the top. Rosie. So that you can see that each step is a flat surface parallel to the ground, and that you are actually ascending or descending the stairs, and that they are not somehow canted or tilted, try doing it with a glass of water in your hand. Hi, Rosie. Hi. Uh, my wife went to RIT here. Oh, really? Graduated in 2002. And uh, she mentioned it to us. I appreciate it. it's more of an art. Yeah. It's just an architectural twi trick, that's all. Uh, yeah. Insane. It's like, I don't know. Like, I, I just get really confused every time I do it, but it's kept asking where the class was, and I kept pointing them towards the staircase. I would tell them to you know, go up a couple flights and everything, come back out, and then you should be at your classroom. And I, they were freaked out. Like they, they, they got pretty upset with me, but then they, they realized how cool it was after. So. They're still my friends, I guess. <laughs> oh, the staircase thing! <laughs> like you can't ever. There you go. go. Oh. So you have heard of it. I have heard of it. You have heard of it. I've been there. You've been I've there. been there. Yeah. I'll race you to the top. That's what I would tell them. And we'll see. See the beautiful stars. It was fun. It was. Yeah. Once they got old enough and the kids could enjoy it, they, yeah. they've had a good time. Right. So hey, sir. What's your name? Hey, Wayne. Your family? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you from? Like it? Okay, no. <laughs> no. I like that. Okay. <laughs> you don't have a twin brother, do you? No. Okay. Just me. Okay. Well, I will see you downstairs then, alright? Now, before you guys go booking your trip to uh, upstate New York to find that staircase, let me ask the question. Do you think that that staircase, the Asharian Steps, really exists? Or might that have been experimentation on the public live in a, an experimental scenario to create public myth? And the secret might be you get to that location, you realize there's no such thing as the Asharian steps, but you don't want to tell your friends because you told them you're all excited to get there. So maybe you film it just like they do and you carry on the illusion and that those people aren't really reflecting uh, their experience. They're reflecting the public myth. So what do you think, Tony? Do you think that was really they built the three dimensional version of the Asharian steps or do you think that that was some sort of study at a public university, Rochester Institute of Technology? I think that's a publicly funded university up there. On experimentation on creation of public myth. What's your opinion? What's your insights? I'd find it to be experimentation at this point. Uh, you know, part of a sociological understanding of society and how people react. So we can go back to social science ideas and the funding from Ford Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, Carnegie Foundation ideas, you know. So it's like, how will this impact human perception? And can we create a narrative that seems so true, almost in a viral sense, 
That's right. Uh, that the a co-author of Philip Zelikow and the catastrophic terrorism document was Ashton Carter, who was Ford Foundation, Ford. Who, who was found by the Reese Committee in the 1950s, Ford Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, Carnegie Foundation, of committing <coughs> un-American activities supporting communism to change American attitudes, values, behaviors, and beliefs to be very much in line with the communists and that what they had they also do. funded. Right. According to Quigley and Tragedy and, what, and Hope 1966. And what did they do? They infiltrated the social sciences departments of the major universities around the country. And so it's not surprising that 70 years later, we have this sort of cultural Marxist revolution be so conspicuously uh, sort of. Uh, are there PhDs society. at these universities that are doing this, Tony? Yes, indeed. Is there anyone involved in what you just described that is not a doctorate in philosophy holder? Who? probably very oh, few man. very, very few there are, are i'm sure PhDs. there's some but that's a great question most of them are going to be phds and the phd program is an interesting where did that history. originate do yeah, you have a case. recollection of where the phd program might have originated and how what is the the epidemiology if you will of how it spread around america and go back to the prussian education system it's not even just that there's huh. also the issues with the if we remember correctly with the german arm well there were professional armies back then wasn't there an issue with mercenary uh, armies for the local royal correct. type royal class types, right. of elites before prior to napoleon's reorganization over there it wasn't just the phd Twice. system which created an artificial intellectual class and raised them above which is uh, this so the whole thing is completely contrived Doctor, but then on top of that the Doctor, medals when you Doctor. award people certain sort of prizes certain it's an ethos medals, thing it's an ethos thing. It's to build up artificial authority, which when in the logical terms, we call it ad vericundium, which is an appeal to authority uh, and, and putting that in place of evidence, which people do I all the time. I think the name you're looking CNN. for is Wilhelm Wundt. Wundt yes. And you might read about him in Anthony Sutton's How the Order Controls Education, Chapter 8, in an introduction to Skull and Bones. Got it. And that might be callback one, two, three. There's like four callbacks just in that reference. I don't know. Of, I always hope people hey, somewhere hey, out there take notes. And, there's a lot know, of recursion, going not just on. for prosecution. And recursion's know? a good thing, you know. It helps. Uh, might be the essence of meaning and pattern itself, which is Gertel Escher Bach from Douglas ah. mentioned Escher, and he gets into all the, the optical illusion. Also, wouldn't I really enjoyed his it? metamagical themas? Book, yeah, that one's the good. blue one. Yeah, that one's. But G E B, that's like essential reading for way back in the day. Yeah, it was for, for nerdy types that are into sort of what you the, reading for the ideas of patterns, met, meaning, metaphysics, yes, uh, symbolic logic. If you're interested in symbolic, how it all connects together with even ancient ideas in Buddhism and, and, uh, monistic. It's tradition. easier just to censor you than to figure that out, Tony. Indeed it is. Indeed Sounds like work. Is. I have a thinking. Of... Why did they make us think that thinking is work instead of like, yeah, isn't the there was they've got this thing on the the millennials talking about? Sounds that. like an indoctrination thing. And they're like, you know, who reads? That's what boomers do. Boomers, you got books. Look how old you are. They got VR technology <laughs> sponsored by Zucker, but really sponsored by DARPA. They literally <laughs> have people wearing Plato's cave on their face. <laughs> hey, everybody! Reality oh, is shit. that which goes on between uh, your face and the screen. That's that's reality layer. And the VR just takes that away like a big octopus. What's they call it a mediated reality now? It's a face sucking so. thing. Yeah. 
Well, soon they notice also that the eyes are the windows to the soul. So they're just like, attach this vacuum to the eyes and wear it and call it the VR. And it'll be the next thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a bunch of uh, advertisements, you know, talking about Saturn or having sort of Saturnalian symbolism or Saturn symbolism, God of time, God of controlling sort of like this, like dualistic reality and the portal of death. Now, nothing to say, or owls and other shit like that going on. It's also as a symbol of death, transformation, so forth. Minerva, it's wisdom. Minerva. <laughs> All right. So this next section is uh, well done. Mandates and lockdowns. It's like a set of Assyrian steps that you can't escape. Just keep going round and round. All right. So uh, let's break this open and select what clips we can air in tonight's festivities. It's an Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Good reference. Mm -hmm. I would say there's a positive and negative way to look at the Ouroboros. It's the uh, figure eight. Now, what's the one that's twisted, though? The loop that's twisted, and it goes around both sides. We'll remember it in a second. Uh, Mobius strip. Oh, the Mobius strip. Oh, but it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but the two-dimensional. And yeah. if you at home knew the phrase Mobius strip, uh, you should be a Grand Theft World member. And if you're a Grand Theft World member, I'm going to give you the same bonus i'm going to give to the folks at anarchapulco tomorrow so my pitch for anarchapulco which also in a week or so i'll give you guys the same resources if you're a grand theft world subscriber uh goes something like this i'm not able to be in mexico tomorrow even though there's plane travel i'm not doing that i'm doing a virtual presentation i had to film it a couple weeks ago before i left on vacation and it's going to air tomorrow at some point in the afternoon and during that I offer on Archipulco ticket holders, even if you're a virtual ticket holder, uh, a free course I put together. What is in the course? That's a good question. It's more interesting than what you might think. It's more of a freedom vault. And in there, it has evidence. It has some thinking tools. It has the ultimate history lesson. It's got links to my brain model. It's got the DARPA documents that we're going to deep dive later tonight. It's got uh, one month free subscription to Grand Theft World. Uh, but that doesn't matter because you guys are already subscribers. It's got a whole bunch of other stuff that comes along with it. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing who clicks because I'm always out there looking for the learners. I'm hoping that this isn't just like a passive entertainment activity for you listening to this podcast. I'm doing this for a multiplicity of reasons, but it's not just about providing this information and content to the future so they can have a clear and transparent view into the past. It's so that we can use this information to uh, alleviate ourselves of tyranny and live a lifestyle of freedom now, because we only have one life to live. I think being uh, cautious and submissive and like, let's wait and see, and let's give the benefit of the doubt for the past two years. That's been great, but I can't see giving up more freedom like this into the future. And I think a lot of the freedoms we've lost since 9-11 should be taken back and assumed because they're not going to be given. So by assuming and acting as if, that's how we take those freedoms. No back. one ever we should had start the right asking hard them. questions. No one ever had the right to take them away in the first place. People just need to wake up to the agency they have as individuals and realize with that comes a certain, uh, you can deduce a certain amount of freedoms that exist just by the fact that you exist as an individual on this planet we, in, a, in a reality, in a universe. Yeah, if you enjoy taking off your shoes at the airport, that's good. But I have questions about why we have to take our shoes off when the shoe bomber can't light it. Like the whole story was cockamamie. Yeah. You can't light C4 with a Bic lighter. 
It's not how it works. So it was a story for people smart enough to, to know that's a bullshit story. And it was there to fool everyone else and do, let's take our shoes off at the airport, honey. It's just for our freedom. Okay. And that's, that's done. That's over with no more of that. People are now like Russell brands out there doing, teaching the 5 million people about the new world order and world economic forum. I feel like, Oh, we're done. Like people are finding out about this, but who has the ability to point to the history and evolution of these ideas? Very few people. So I think we got to stick together, support each other and become unstoppable in the force of freedom in a voluntary, peaceful, intellectual way. Logic and reason should reign. And this irrationality by a small group of people, that's nice. We tolerate people with disabilities and mental illness all the time. It's part of our society. We're kind and loving and generous people. But when you want to take away the the freedom of future generations, I think the buck stops here. I think we're all set with that. So, yeah, that was well said. Yeah. Okay, let's get into the mandates and lockdowns. Because as Justin Trudeau said, You know, uh, if you don't get more, you know, don't like the mandates, he's got some more restrictions for you. It's like they're not synonyms to him, but they're synonyms to everyone he's talking to. So it's kind of mobilizing the army and legislating away. He does stand up comedy. (laughs) Castro Trudeau. Castro, yeah. A little bit of a likeness there, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's the understatement of the week. There you go. You know, we could talk about sort of the Platonic dialectic and Parmenides, his theories on it. We, I could talk all day about likeness, but man. Whew. All right. So the biggest clip under here is Chris Martinson did an episode the past week. It's not his first episode on this topic, but so many people wrote to him and said, hey, could you say it in like more kindergartenist terms for my friends and family? He did. And he broke it down simply enough that I think that even the most emotionally traumatized triple mask wearing seven vaccine boosted person can hear and recognize that they might be subject in that situation. And given notice that there is an external party stimulating this whole thing, call it the world economic foundation for uh, the world economic forum and all their little acolytes in that outer ring of power, right? Those are the groups sending the shocks and stimulus into our society that have been traumatizing over the past two years. So putting the science back together after their narrative (laughs) crumbled is very important. And I think Chris helps to make it very transparent. And uh, you can see clearly into the cage and not be one of those rats anymore. You can get away from the frustration and aggression that's helping people like do the civil war, you know, type thing out there. It's like, we cannot be a part of that. You can withdraw your energy from that only when you can observe it from the outside. So let's have Chris give you uh, the view in through the window to the cage of the rats. Don't be one of them. You and me, we're both just rats in a cage. Come on. Let's go find out what I'm talking about. All right, everybody. I got a lot of requests to do this one and redo this one and do it again in short form. So let's uh, let's go here and take a look. This is episode 46. By the way, this is video upload number 1000 in my career. So yay. Uh, rats in a cage update number one. Let's go take a look at what this means. So. It works like this. Look, if you put a rat in a cage, you just get a a lonely rat. That's what we have over there. It's just a lonely rat. Now, what happens if we give it no means of escape 
And suddenly we're shocking it. You know, we're evil researchers with like the Milgram experiments. We got the white coat. Hey, this is in the name of science, right? We don't care. No morals. Just going to shock this. Well, if you shock one rat, it gets very unhappy. It'll curl up in a ball, but nothing really happens to it, except it gets really unhappy. The problem in this story comes when we put two rats in that same cage. Again, it's a cage. There's no means of escape. The floor is electrified. Now they're getting shocked. But now each of these rats has somebody to blame for their pain and their misery. Each other. And this is where the trouble begins, because now these rats are going to begin fighting. And if you shock them long enough, they may even fight to the death. Sound extreme? Sound like a crazy experiment? Well, it is. And these experiments have been run for a very, very long time. These experiments go back 60 plus years at this point in time. We have uh, up top this one, Journal of Experimental Analysis of Behavior. From 1972, shock-induced aggression is a function of prior experience with avoidance, fighting, or unavoidable shock. Let's look at the next one. Persistence of shock-induced aggression. This comes to us from 1964. So this is a very well-studied phenomenon. In fact, um, it goes back a really long ways. Lots and lots of studies has been done in rats, dogs, monkeys, humans. And I'll tell you about that in just a second, because I think experiments are being run on us at this point in time. So this is the kind of diagram you find in one of these, you know, awesome things. They just show you how they put a couple of rats in a cage and they can't escape. There's a little schematic representation. But the problem, the, the situation is this. When an animal becomes stressed and it has no means of assessing what the stress is or where it's coming from, or more importantly, how to make it stop, it needs a displacement for that aggression, for the shock, for the rage, for, for whatever it's feeling. It needs a displacement for the behavior. So it turns out if you take a social creature and you make it very unhappy, it will fight with other members of its species, almost preferentially. I mean, if you take a dog and make it super unhappy and you put it in a room full of other animals, it'll probably fight the other dog in the room. You know, it's just kind of how we're all wired. All right. <clears throat> so, I mean, just uh, there's just a, a quick... Just it's a movie, but it's no, no sound. Let me just play this here. So this is just a, a quick search. You can see target behavior, traumatic stress, PDF punishment of shock-induced aggression, uh, facilitated shock-induced aggression, extinction-induced aggression in laboratory rats, on and on and on. Different types of compounds and their effect on this morphine target behaviors, uh, on and on. So there are just a lot of studies about this. Look, lithium, uh, effect of extremely low frequency magnetic fields, everything you can think of, this has been really well studied because there are people obviously in the military, in the CIA, in psychology, in um, human behaviorists, they're trying to understand, like if you could figure out why species or animals either become aggressive or not, and then secondarily, if they are gonna become aggressive, how to control that so that the aggression goes and flows in the direction you would want it to go. You can see how the military might be pretty exceptionally interested in that, among others. So, <clears throat> one interesting finding here. Um, let me move this over a tiny bit in case you can't see that there. Uh, move this down too. We'll just move all this down here. There, now we can see the whole thing. Uh, one interesting finding, the more helpless the victims, the more violent the attack this is a article that comes from 1976, the influence of victim of the victim on shock-induced aggression 
in rats. Uh, Michael T. Heinen did this particular study. Says here uh, in two studies, they did a lot of rats, hundreds of them. They were receiving different levels of shocks. Um, in yellow, quote, frequency of aggression was directly related to the level of aggressor shock intensity in experiment two. Also, attack by 0.8 milliamp aggressors against supine targets was inversely related to the level of target shock intensity. So the, the attack by these aggressors inversely related to the level of target shock intensity. The low level of attack against upright targets was interpreted in terms of threat display. So the so if if they they took these rats and they would have them pinned upwards so they looked threatening and large and then the other rats even though they were shocked and unhappy wanted to attack something. If they saw an upright rat they'd be like mm, maybe not. But as soon as they saw a helpless rat that was laid down and tied down now the attacks would really get going um, because guess what rats are a lot like humans given a choice between attacking a weak target or a stronger target they attack the weak target so that's kind of an interesting finding and then think about this one especially in terms of how we're raising our children today around video games going to elementary school via zoom etc another finding here is that the more socially isolated a rat would be the more violent it would be and so this is a study that came out in march 1980 the effects of social isolation on two shock induced aggressive responses in rats uh reading down there quote this experiment investigated the effects of social isolation during development and during adulthood on the topography of the shock induced aggressive behavior in rats of rats rats isolated during development from weaning to adulthood so let's call those teenagers. Rats isolated during development from weaning to adulthood. So young children to, but in rat terms, it's kind of like teenagers. Displayed more shock-induced biting than rats housed in groups during that period. So, so rats that were properly socialized, obviously, have better social skills. They tend to do a lot less fighting. But if you were a socially isolated rat, then you would become... Uh, a little bit more violent so that's kind of interesting and so the reason this is fascinating is because this is actually what we're doing to ourselves right now as, as a species we are shocking ourselves we are doing this and i would submit to you that some people are doing this consciously that this is being done by the nudge units that are out there operating in the united states in australia in the uk these are psychologists whose interests are to shock people or fear people to corral them into certain behaviors right so controlling behavior is obviously very important marketers love to control behavior corporations love to control behavior governments love to control behavior everybody thinks they want to control this thing called behavior rather than just i don't know talking to you like an adult and saying here's some information let's have a conversation let me persuade you not a lot of persuading going on these days a lot of nudging a lot of shocking and the shocking is designed to create a condition where the wrong people are fighting with each other the rats if they could suss it out who are in this cage being shocked would go i think it's that guy in the white coat over there not you but they don't have that context lacking the context shocked species will fight and that aggression is directly something that people who consciously are doing the shocking, knowing that would be the outcome, they are responsible for it, and they should have to answer for that. So uh, how is it that our professional educators are completely unaware of the impact 
of taking our young pups from weaning to adulthood and isolating them. Obviously, we've known since 1980 that social isolation is not a good thing. It leads to more violent outcomes and behaviors. Why are we doing this? What is this all about? Who would do this, particularly in the context of a disease that these children are almost completely unaffected by unless they have a comorbidity? If they do have a comorbidity, maybe something happens. But without a comorbidity, it's a zero, a big fat zero. But still, we put them through this level of torture. Why? Why? Somebody should have to answer for that, I do believe. And uh, our professional educators, you know, there are people in, uh, in middle schools and high schools and public schools all over the place that are professional paid people earning hundreds of thousands of dollar salaries as principal, assistant principal, assistant vice regional, blah, 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 superintendents. Shouldn't they spend like 10 minutes understanding the importance of isolation on the development of the people in their charge? You'd think so. You'd think so. Well, if it was my job, if I was paid big bucks, to think about that stuff, I'd think about it. At any rate, here are the elements of what we call mass formation, which we discussed in a recent interview with Matthias Tesmet. And uh, mass formation uh, refers to the formation of a mass of humans, a bunch of them. They're no longer thinking anymore. They're operating as a mass. We see a lot of that mass formation going on today. And here are the elements of it. First, number one, people suffer from isolation and poor social bonding. That creates a lot of stress in the human animal. They look for relief from that stress. Where do I find relief? I have to belong to something because I have nothing to ground myself in because of condition number two, the loss of reason and sense-making. Those are either short supply or completely missing. As we see currently today, it is completely missing. Why would you force children to wear masks in a school? There's no data to suggest that that's a good thing. A lot of common sense to suggest that's a bad thing. And yet we have to pretend as if that makes sense when it really doesn't. And so that loss of sense-making, really important component of the formation, the mass formation. Third, there's free-floating anxiety. Hey, you could die at any time. There's this disease running around. Could kill you. No, really, actually, it's very age-stratified and risk-stratified by morbidities. And actually, there's a bunch of people for whom this is really not... A top 10 concern, honestly, in terms of risks. Uh, but still, we have that free-floating anxiety. It's marketed to us on a daily basis. There's lots and lots of industries out there ranging from CNN to MSNBC to whatever's going on in your country, marketing that fear to you on a daily basis, right? Regardless of context, which would be age and morbidity status, where there's a clear relationship in this case. Also, don't forget the impact of early treatments, which takes all of those risks and dials them down by whole orders of magnitude, at least one. And then finally, there's this rage, this this rage that's directed against other the other humans. So that rage requires us to have an other because, you know, you can't really fight somebody who you know and love. The more you know somebody, the less likely you are to just become, you know, unhinged violent. But if you want to create a situation where you get people into this mass formation, one of the things you have to do is do this othering where you make the other out of this. There are these dirty, unwashed, unvaxxed people or whatever your your current context is for the times in which you live. All right, um, here's an example. This is a rat in a cage. Here's this uh, person, Zenny, blue check, a lot of followers on Twitter, uh, tweeted out just the other day on February 7th, I've learned, quote, I've learned, just learned Russell Brand is an anti-vaxxer. And so I would not like to now formally withdraw any nice thing I've ever said, thought, or tweeted, or thought about tweeting about Russell Brand. Um, he can shut the fuck up about AA, 
Now, thank you very much. Keep that fellowship out of your anti-vax mouth. Now, this othering is pretty strong. This person's pretty angry with Russell Brand. Probably doesn't know him all that well. Actually doesn't know him at all because he's not anti-vax. He's been very clear about this. He's anti-mandate. Big difference between anti-mandate and anti-vax. But anti-vax is the pejorative term that's used to other somebody. You just say, oh, conspiracy theorist, anti-vaxxer, you just throw those labels out, and then that immediately takes that other person and encases them in a bubble of other. <laughs> and off they go. Like, oh, I don't anti-vaxxer. So uh, Zenny here has just caught up. Rat in a cage uh, uh, has no context, doesn't really understand what she's up to in this particular story. Or how about this one? The Othering, to build the anger and the rage against the other, the star, the Toronto Star, wrote once recently, the unvaccinated cherish their freedom to harm others. How can we ever forgive them? Well, Heather Malik, that is a really ignorant title and an even more ignorant question that you've asked. In fact, I would submit you are just a rat in a cage. You could really serve with a little extra context here to understand that the shocks you're experiencing are very real. Your responses to them are very real, but they're misdirected. The first two conditions are real and appropriate, and you should be asking awesome questions about them. But how you displaced that anger, that rage, that free-floating anxiety, those shocks was completely misdirected. You put it against the other person in the cage. Time to find out what the cage is made of, Heather, and uh, why those shocks are coming and being administered. So this loss of social cohesion, like they're, they're all, there's this great, incredible, very, very peaceful, very large trucker, they're calling it a trucker convoy, but really it's a lot of Canadians. I see a lot of people who don't drive trucks also up there. They have bouncy castles. They're cooking food for each other. They're taking care of each other. They're being very, very respectful. I haven't seen any examples of violence from the crowd. I've seen examples of violence against the crowd, of course. We've seen a few examples of that where um, so-called Antifa or progressives have, have uh, driven cars into some of them, uh, very violent acts like that, but, but no violence from these people. But still, look at this. Seeker77 here on Twitter wrote, quote, though I support our right to peaceful assembly... But you can ignore everything, everything before the butt, right? I'm appalled by the actions of some. First and foremost, the tomb of the unknown soldier is sacred. No matter what side of the board or what side your political views may be, a protest is no excuse at all. On and on and on. This person fell for two or three media clips that were put out and put over and over and over again. There was one Confederate flag. And we don't know who the gentleman was who was carrying it. There was one Nazi flag by somebody who came out and quickly disappeared after a bunch of pictures were taken. And that's it. And the Tomb of the Soldier has been very, very well cared for. The, the, the statue of Terry Fox, very, very well cared for uh, by a very respectful group of people. But this person here has bought completely into the othering, that loss of social cohesion. They need to belong to this tribe of good people who would never deface the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier because they're a good person. These other people are bad. That's the loss of social cohesion that comes when you are a rat in a cage and you have failed to properly diagnose where the shocks are coming from here. How about that free floating anxiety? Uh, this was in response to, I, I, I put a, a video up on Twitter about this high school kid out in Washington state saying that they were going to no longer comply with the mask mandates was rallying and leading the other students in high school saying, let's be very respectful. Let's take our masks off. If we're asked to put one on, let's say, no, thank you. If they say we have to leave school, we leave school. It was a very peaceful way of going about it. Marie Gravel wrote in, as someone with MS, I'm glad I don't have to confront kids like this, as polite as he is. They just want to kill old people with chronic diseases like me. Woo, Marie. 
back that train up real quick. They just want to kill old people with chronic diseases like me. They just want to kill old people. You sure about that? That's pretty intense. I, I wrote in response, quote, so sorry you've bought into the fear so deeply that you fear healthy kids. Tragic. You might ask, who sold me this abject fear? Why did I buy it? End quote. So, I mean, but look at the, this person I think is, it represents, is very representative of that free-floating anxiety. This person is like just living in abject fear now that younger kids who aren't going to wear a mask, they're doing that because they want to kill her. That's pretty profound and disturbing. So I'm very sorry, Marie, that your life and sense of well-being has been stolen to the point that you fear healthy teenagers. Think about that. Think about the tragedy of that. You fear healthy teenagers who just want to walk around without a mask. And by the way, Marie, there's no data, no data whatsoever to support the idea that whether they wear a mask or not has anything to do with your health. And by the way, I'm very sorry about this. As somebody who has MS, you are responsible now for making sure that you do what you need to do to stay healthy. And by the way, you might look into the foods that your uh, food industry is serving you, or you might look into the other environmental toxins that are pressing in on you from corporations who actively, I think, you could make a stronger case that they maybe just want to kill old people with chronic diseases like you. Or maybe just keep you around longer so they can sell you more stuff. There are lots of things that are real risks in your life, Marie, but high school students in Washington State probably not anywhere on top of the list of things you should really be concerned about. But again, you have the concern and you have the fear. So there it is. Uh, as well, a Syrian girl wrote in about these uh, three women who were in their 50s protesting the protesters in Ottawa, uh, said, so two years of lockdowns, shortages, hyperinflation, joblessness, and apartheid for those refusing to inject a Pfizer product and adopt a digital ID, but just a few days of a truck blockade and suddenly... The normies can't take it. So, yeah, oh, my God, it's just it's absolutely totally intolerable when these people, how dare these people decide what they want for themselves? We prefer that the government tell us what's OK. So if the government shuts us down, that's OK. If people say that's we don't shut us down, that's not OK. If the government tells us we have to wear a mask over our, our faces and look at them wearing masks outside, that's OK. But if there's somebody's honking their horns and I don't like that, I can't possibly be bothered to put a put a earplug in. It's just on and on, right? So this is uh, fealty to the narrative is what this is called. These are people who are really invested in that narrative of fear and they're bought into it and they're trying to preserve it. But again, they're literally just rats in a cage in this particular story. And then finally, I'm not going to turn the sound on on this because it's a little disturbing. Um, but what we're going to see here is uh, this 80-year-old guy, he was honking in support. Police pull him over. As for his ID, apparently he said something the police didn't like. Next thing you know, they're taking this 80-year-old guy to the ground, wrestling his arms behind his back. He's explaining that his arms don't, shoulders don't work that way anymore. They don't care. The police are just going to arrest him. Now, the police are are rats in a cage in the story. The old guys are rat in a cage. This is all rats in a cage going on here. These two groups right here, that guy looking for freedom and those police, if they thought about it, if those police thought about it, they would actually be on the same side of the story. Now, one of the things that these people are against is the vaccine mandates. A lot of people in this trucker rally actually happen to be vaccinated, but they're against the mandates for that. The police are very vigorously enforcing the laws, which, by the way, change by the day. They make them up on the spot. 
No honking. Honking's now against the law. When did honking become against the law? Well, it is now, right? So um, that's what we're seeing going on there. And oh, by the way, just for context, just for fun, Ottawa police themselves are exempt from the vaccine mandates. So yeah, it's a bit of a hot mess there right now. Again, rats in a cage. Um, So let's talk about this. The shocks are coming from all over the place. The shocks, obviously, is shocking loss of freedom, shocking that our businesses were closed down, shocking that our political leaders weren't following the Constitution, shocking that everything that you might hold near and dear in terms of constitutional rule of law, fairness, justice, appropriate levels of things, watching the governor of California go to maskless to uh, the French Laundry, you know, very fine restaurant while insisting that everybody else go, you know, masked up to the park. Just crazy. One rule for them, different rules for you, all that. That's some of the shocks. But here's some more shocks. Ready? American students, they own $1.7 trillion in student loans. $1.7 trillion. And that, that's, up, that's up from $500 billion just in 2006. Here we are just like, what, 14 years later on this chart. And it's up another $1.2 trillion. It's just astonishing. Here's the really shocking part. In bankruptcy court, the only non-dischargeable debt that exists out there is student debt. I judge people by what they do, not by what they say. So if a major corporation can go belly up and shaft a bunch of pensioners and uh, other debt holders and other people who are on their creditor list, hey, that's okay. Capitalism. But you're young. You're young students. You're young. You're young. You make it a condition of entry to society that they go and get a college degree, and then they do, and they go into debt for that, and you say, yeah, you're, you, can't, you can't get out from under that debt. No way. If that was a bad investment, sorry. You have to pay that back. You, out of all the groups, when you stop and think about it, it's actually quite shocking. It's really unpleasantly shocking. Oh, insects. We're in the middle of an insect apocalypse. If you're my age, you know that your windshield, when you take long drives, used to get splattered with bugs, all different shapes and sizes. Now... No bugs, right? We're, we're facing an insect apocalypse. One does not simply wipe out the bottom of the food chain without consequences, but we're doing it. And we're not even having a reasonable conversation about it. In fact, the neonicotinoid pesticides are probably largely responsible for that. And we can't even have a possible conversation about that. Why? Because the makers of those neonicotinoids, Syngenta, Bayer, etc., they make a couple of billion dollars selling these things. So they make money at it. Screw the insects. Oh, man, this is going to bite us. This is going to bite us. This is shocking. If you're my age, the loss of life on this planet in my lifetime is shocking. So what do you do with that? Well, I'm not going to fight the police over it. Not their fault and not the right piece. How about this one? This is M1. Look at this. This is money. This is M1 is total money supply. That's all the currency bills and coins and it's everything in your checking accounts and it's everything in your savings accounts. That's it. M1. Look at it. Look what that did. Look. Look right from there. It went it went from here, right? To here. Here. See that? Look at this. This is insane. It's insane. The, by the way, to get to here was our country's entire history. Like this is the crisis over there, 2008, that that gray bar over there. Our country's entire history to get to 800 billion we grew the money supply by over 30% in a single year. Look at... <laughs> shocking. I'm telling you, it's shocking. Uh, and by the way, this, the inflation we're going to have, very shocking. 
one does not simply do this for um, no good reason, and we did it for no good reason, so whoops. Uh, how about this? The three wealthiest people in the United States now own more wealth than the bottom half of the country combined. That's pretty shocking. It's, uh, it's really destabilizing. You know, as Plutarch said, the oldest and most fatal ailment of all republics is a gap between the rich and the poor. It's, we shouldn't be doing this, but you know what happened? September 2019, the repo market was blowing up. The Fed starts pushing money into the market. They needed an excuse to push a lot of money into the market. Thankfully, this thing called coronavirus came along in early 2020, and then they did that. That's what they did there. That, that woo, they pushed money in, and they saved the repo market, which made the billionaires more billionaire That's how that works. And oh, by the way, even as we added a couple of trillion dollars of wealth to the billionaires' pockets... Nothing we can do about that student loan. Jeez, that would be ah, that's tricky. Biden, like, I don't know. I don't know if we can do anything about that. That's that's hard. Where would we find the money? We'll have to think about it. We might have to raise taxes. Maybe we could do ten thousand dollars. We don't know. It's like a very it's very complicated. Oh, do we need to send five hundred tons of armaments to Ukraine? That's done, right? So, by their actions, you shall know who they are. It's shocking how our country is behaving right now. It's shocking how the world is behaving in the face of all of these things going on. And so we see rats in a cage behaviors. But don't fall for it. Don't be the one who fights the police. You and the police are not on the opposite side of the story. You're both rats in a cage. We need to understand where the shocks are coming from. We need to properly diagnose the shocks. And if we do that, we have the chance to escape the cage, the mental cage that we're in. It's really important that we do this if only for our own mental sanity, if only the shocks can still be unpleasant, but at least we know where they're coming from, that diagnosis alone is worth its weight in gold. So it's important to understand and diagnose where these shocks are coming from so that, at a minimum, you don't accidentally take it out on the wrong people. Maybe the people in your household, maybe the, maybe your friends, maybe you know people who are taking it out on you, but they're just like being a rat in a cage. They're shocked. They're legit shocked, and they can't diagnose it. And for the people who can't diagnose it or and then won't in our insist on staying willfully ignorant right we got to let them go i divide people into thirds one third of the people are going to be subject to this mass formation the psychosis they're going to be crazy they're going to actually insist on their right to be a rat in a cage so i say let them you stay there you be you market fear and ignorance ingest it all you want think that healthy kids are out to kill you Go for it. Sounds like a miserable life to me, but we each get to choose. So that's on you. A third of the people already get it. They've shown up at the protests. A third of the people are just not subject to this mass formation. They're done. They've seen the story. They want to live their lives. They understand uh, that we want to, that they, we, I'm in this camp, that we want to get our lives back and we want to live meaning, lives of meaning and purpose. The middle third, these are the people we still need to talk to. They're wavering a little bit. They don't know which way to go yet. And so the way we attract them over as we just run a better model. As Buckminster Fuller said, you never uh, replace a system by tweaking it. You have to build a better model and people will come. So if this group over here is living in joy, like watching the truckers with their bouncy castles and dancing and doing all this crazy stuff, right? They're looking like they're having fun. So to the extent they're doing it right because they're saying, look, we're free and having fun. These people are like, well, kids are trying to kill me because they won't wear masks. And the people in the middle can go, this looks like more fun. That's how you win, uh, by living your life and living it well and living it with joy and meaning and purpose and love. That's how we win. 
So that's all I have for you today. By the way, um, I'm going to be talking with my tribe back over at Peak Prosperity about something that's really actually very, very important, and it's this thing called the remnant. Who are the remnant? Well, you might want to come and find out because we're going to have an, an awesome time over there discussing that. It's a really important topic. So that's what I have for you today. Thanks so much for listening. Um, don't be a rat in a cage and share this video widely with people you think might benefit from it. I think it's important framing. I wanted to cover it one more time with you. Glad to have done so. See you next time. The great clip by Chris Martinson. Uh, appreciate his perspective because he certainly had to come around as all, as many of us did early on in the pandemic, we didn't have enough information and it was too difficult to tell exactly what was going on. So I'm just glad to see an intellectual such as himself and many others like the Brett Weinstein types have come around and decided to understand that there's a larger narrative going on. I thought particularly what was powerful about that, uh, that, uh, clip you just did there was the ending talking about legitimate concerns in the environment, uh, legitimate concerns with money and legitimate concerns with debt. And that we're not talking about instead we're focused on fighting each other. A couple of weeks ago, it was like three weeks ago, I believe it was two or three weeks ago when I did the intermission piece, I showcased uh, a portion of all watched over by machines of loving grace part three. And the, it was interesting in part three, I think of the machine and the monkey and the monkey and the machine, something like, I think that's the subtitle, but they talk about the Belgians. So the Belgians told a story to about the Hutus and Tutsis, right? And they said, they told the Hutus when they moved out that you should rebel against your Tutsi overlords, even though they never saw themselves as being sort of segregated or being controlled by the Tutsis. And both had, uh, both groups had worked together in, uh, in politics for, for going back centuries. In fact, there is no tribal hatred in other words, between them, even if there were differences in stature, differences in biology, which even that might be somewhat contrived, to be honest. And another myth that was brought in by the Darwinists uh, in Germany and the Belgians. Anyways, they told a story, and that story ended up killing millions upon millions upon millions of people. I think four and a half million from 98 to 2004, something like that, died. Not, we're not even talking about the, the genocide that already started in the 60s. There was 300,000 so, children killed in uh, Rwanda, according to Lieutenant children. General Romeo Dallaire in his book, Shake Hands with the Devil. So. Is that the first? Because there was two sort of waves of it. One was in the 60s, and then one occurred, obviously, in the late 90s. Um, but that's his children. So how many was that? Okay, so he's talking about the Civil War in Rwanda that okay. the Western countries participated in. And uh, let me do it with book cam here. We'll do it classy style here. Instead of me just reading it, you guys can see it to split it right there. And the book is Shake Hands with the Devil, Lieutenant General Romeo Dallaire, he worked for the United Nations. He was the force commander of the UN assistance mission to Rwanda from 1993 okay, to 1994. Yeah. This is the winner of the 2004 Governor General's Literary Award for Nonfiction. I'm reading from the conclusion. When I think about the consequences of the Rwanda genocide, I think first of all those who died in agonizing death from machete wounds inside the hundreds of sweltering churches, chapels, and missions where they had gone to seek God's protection and ended instead in the arms of Lucifer. Put the book to your right a little bit. I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. I just want people to see this. Yep. 
Yeah, they're a little bit more. Perfect, perfect. Yep. I think of the more than 300,000 children who were killed and of those children who became killers in a perversion of any culture's idea of childhood. Then I think of the children who survived, orphaned by the genocide and the ongoing conflict in the region since 1994. They have been effectively abandoned by us, and we are abandoned as we are abandoned there as we I'm sorry, by us, as we abandoned their parents in the killing fields of Rwanda. So that's where I would get the, that number. So it's from. in the nineties. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just children. Now, uh, you know, talking about the, if you include the adults, it's millions that have died in a relatively short time frame. but it's the, it's the narrative that's crafted that the point I tried to make during that intermission that where I showed but Tony, this, but Tony, it's a narrative that Madeline people, Albright, not the, not the virus. This woman said when they talked about half a, half a million children done uh, dead over in the Iraq war, Mm-hmm. She said, we evaluated that and we thought the price was, you know, worth the cost. Yeah, I'm sure. That's yeah. just another friendly what, message from foreign affairs. Saddam Hussein again? Oh, he nationalized the oil industry and then the agreement was up. I forget what that agreement was. But Saddam Hussein worked for MI6 and CIA starting in the late 50s up through Donald Rumsfeld, giving him chemical weapons to use against the Iranians in the 1980s. I mean, there's so a that's history. Why he had, that's why he had access to those chemical weapons. But he also there's a there's an oil connection behind it. That's I mean, we actually got on the show many weeks. I'd have to find it. No well, there's oil. yeah. I mean, there's the Anglo-Persian oil company. But there was an which, agreement which like they had access to it, and then that agreement ran out. And then all of a sudden, we're in Iraq. Well, it's similar to the one that they have with Saudi Arabia. The Americans and British went there. The Saudis mm-hmm. wanted water. And the Americans yeah. and the British said, if we find oil, we get that. They have a 99-year lease, and that should be up by the end of this decade. Right. Do you yeah. see anyone trying to move off of oil and disconnect the dollar from oil? Like, you see all this M1 money supply. You know what that M1 money supply graph that Chris Martinson just showed us? You know what it reminds me of? It's that scene in Goodfellas. After mm-hmm. they get Polly to come in on the bar, and he runs up the tab, and they're moving everything out the back, and then they burn the place down and collect the insurance. That's what's going on right now. That's why this show's called Grand Theft World. It just happens in slow motion instead of like three minutes of a Scorsese film. Takes years. Also, yeah. And, and their plan didn't come out of nowhere. No. It's written down. Uh, I'll have to go back. I'm looking for it, but I'll find it eventually. It's actually, but anyways, yeah, that's well said. I mean, that's exactly right. And Scorsese, remember, he's only showing you sort of the political underbelly, or not political, I'm sorry, he's showing you sort of um, black market criminal organizations. These these criminal organizations. The, lower, the level to, right below government. Lo, lo, he shows he you got, the level right below got, government. You got it. Yeah. yeah, they show you what can be demonized, right? But then, It's like the first couple seasons of The Wire. Yeah, so that's you. until you get to season four and five, five in particular at the end, when you see how it's all connected with the lawyers and the judicial system. And you're like, oh... That's interesting. God damn, where did I put this? I know I have it. It's frustrating. Okay. Hey, while you're looking at that, looking for that, yeah, I'm gonna let, let's check out this next clip. It's Jimmy Dore, and he says something to the effect of, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to read it. The blue states drop COVID mandates and ignore the CDC. It, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like making my brain short circuit just trying to read the headline, given my sense of history and that I don't have a goldfish mentality of eight-second memory. So it's really putting my brain at odds. Can we watch it so I can kind of unfold that 
that truth that he's trying to purvey to me, this seed of knowledge he wishes to uh, have sprout up in our brains. I can't believe it. I can't believe that the, the blue states would go against the CDC. And I can't believe they would give up on the mandates when just a couple of weeks ago, they were talking like send everybody to camps. It just seems like such an about face, like a, like maybe the political science has changed. Let's check it out with Jimmy Dore. Hey, the message of Canada's trucker protests from the Wall Street Journal. The lesson for the COVID-19 police is that when you've lost even the Canadians, arguably the most law-abiding people on the planet, you've lost the political plot. And guess what's happening? So the truckers in Canada were protesting mandates. They're, they're dropping them coast to coast now. They're dropping mandates, vaccine passports, mask regulations. Here's, what, here's Gavin Newsom here in California. And I'll tell you the real reason why I think they're doing this in a second. Uh, new California's case rate has decreased by 65% since our Omicron peak. Our hospitalizations have stabilized across the state. Our statewide indoor mask requirement will, re will expire on February 15th. Unvaccinated people will still need to wear masks indoors. That's that, that which has got no science behind it. What is the science behind that? Well, again, we all, we know that vaccinated people can shed the virus. When they're infected, just like unvaccinated people can shed the virus when they're infected. So why only infected unvaccinated people? Why not infected vaccinated people? So this again, this is so this is my larger theme is they're pretending that the science has changed. They're pretending that things have changed. Things have not changed. We've been telling you since last summer that you and everybody, you know, is likely to get COVID. We've been telling you that since last summer. They're now just telling you that now. And they're pretending like everything changed. I'm shocked, by the way, the amount of things that I saw directly from your show that are now they're saying. Now they're <laughs> it's saying really something, man. Yes. <laughs> I mean, how we were months and months ahead of the establishment news. Yes, that is really something. So he says, get vaccinated, get boosted. Okay. So here's the New York Times. Several Democratic governors have announced plans to roll back mask mandates for schools and indoor public spaces, citing a drop in coronavirus infections and highlighting how officials are preparing to live permanently with the virus. So let's go. There's a little bit more. Governor Kathy Hochul will drop New York's stringent indoor mask mandate on Wednesday, ending a requirement that businesses ask customers for proof of full vaccination or require mask wearing at all times. Oh, she's going to bring the health workers back. Yeah, she, no kidding. She's going right? to bring back those 72,000 healthcare workers. She fired. I wonder why. Let's see. Uh, and marking a turning point in the state's coronavirus response, according to three people briefed on her decision. So they know that I'm just letting you know, there was some 65% of the country got double vaxxed. Uh, a half of those people got their booster. How many people do you think are going to get the fourth shot? Probably half of those. So now we're down to like 10% of the people. So that's what the, they know they can't, they can't keep doing that. So that's my theory. They know that it's over now because you can't keep telling people to, to get, get a shot every three or four months. They're not going to do it. Well, you know, people, I know people who've had three shots and had COVID twice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And so, like, they're not, like, on, you know, they're like, uh, this is crazy. They they're go along with the thing people. They're not, you know, yeah, <laughs> they yes. weren't skeptical. They're just like, wait a minute, I ha I've had this in my body five times now. Yeah. Uh, 
So let's go to the next slide. Shortly after the New Jersey announcement on Monday, the Democratic leaders in California, Connecticut, Delaware, and Oregon separately said they would also end some mask mandates. So these are all blue states, right? California, Connecticut, Delaware, Oregon. Connecticut will permit students and staff members to stop wearing masks in school by no later than February 28th. Delaware will end mask mandates in schools by March 31st. Oregon and California announced the end to mask mandates at indoor public spaces. Idaho, Louisiana, and Mississippi recommend indoor mask wearing, and Republican-led states like Texas and Florida have banned mandates. Whether to mandate mask wearing in schools is up to local officials in most states. The mask rollbacks announced on Monday appear to undercut messaging coming from federal officials. So now all these governors are going against the CDC. I would get kicked off of YouTube if I said something against the CDC recommendations. Uh, but, but, but the governors can run states against CDC recommendations. Uh, and by the way, just so you know, uh, Justin, Alberta is scrapping their vaccine passport programs at midnight tonight, said the Premier Jason Kenney. So in Canada, that's a whole province. They're getting rid of their vaccine passports. Isn't that something? Uh, there he is. Time to, uh, the time has come to lift COVID-19. That's the premier of Alberta. Uh, starting tonight, we will carefully lift health restrictions and begin living safely with the virus. Here's from the, the National Post in Canada. It says, first reading, everybody except Trudeau is abandoning COVID restrictions. And do we need, do we need a vaccine for Omicron? So this is the question. They're developing a new vaccine for Omicron. And do you need a vaccine for Omicron? Well, the, the old one, I guess, doesn't help against Omicron. So, well, that's what they're saying. Well, they're saying that's why everybody's going to get Omicron because the vaccine doesn't uh, stop you from contracting uh, Omicron, uh, and Omicron is way more contagious than Delta. So, everybody's going to get it, even if you're vaccinated, likely. And but but I'm supposed I have to say, or YouTube will take my channel down, that the vaccine does reduce you from contracting it, even though Fauci now says that you are everyone is likely to contract it anyway. So I have to well, give you all that so I don't get my channel taken down, just so you know. Go ahead. You know what's funny when I talk to people about, like a lot of people that, especially that are pro-mandate, they, they're not even watching Fauci. They're not even watching the people that you're supposed to watch to tell you how to feel about it. <laughs> this got turned into a flag salute where you prove your loyalty by getting yeah. boosted. Like, or you might be a January 6th if you didn't, if yes. you didn't just do the thing. Don't it? What do you got to read? I'm not a doctor. <laughs> you're not. Just do the thing so I know whose side you're on. That's what it is for a lot of people. It's really like creepy to take that and make it another goddamn flag salute. And let me, I hope I have this. Do I not have, here's what I really think happened. Here's what I think also is happening. Is there's Joe Biden's approval ratings. Do you see this shit that's happening? Disapprove is through the roof. Approval is going under the ground. And so what does the U.S. CD, what does the CDC say? Well, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention experts are developing guidance to help states ease COVID-19 rules for mask wearing, even as U.S. health officials said it's still premature to dispense of the measures as some governors are doing. So they're saying it's premature to do this. The governors are doing it anyway, and apparently you can do it. Uh, the CDC studies advice for easing mask rules as states drop them. 
Amid encouraging signs, Walensky, that's the head of the CDC, says we're not there yet. So just the CDC is. is going, what's that? Just England is there. Just, but just Right, just England is there. Just uh, half of Canada is there. The Netherlands, uh, Denmark, just all those other places are there. But now we're not there. So that's, so the governors that I just showed you, they're all going against the CDC. And do we need, let me go back to this. Do we need... Do we need an Omicron vaccine? Well, guess what? The answer just may surprise you. Pfizer and Moderna initiated clinical trials for an Omicron-based vaccine. And, and we understand that these trials are actually uh, started and going on now. Now, I really hope that this is not necessary because the whole point about this Omicron wave, why it's such a good thing, is it's giving us huge amounts of natural immunity. And I'm expecting the natural immunity to have a fair degree of longevity, where we know that the vaccine immunity so far has, has been waning. So let, let's hope that no new vaccines are required. That would really uh, concern me if that turns out to be the case, that new vaccines are required. Um, but I'm pretty confident um, that we're going to get natural immunity and we can't keep vaccinating ourselves every few months. Natural, we've got natural immunity to every other type of pathogen, apart from those we vaccinate for. So I really don't see why this should be any different. Um, but, but we just made all this new batch of vaccine. What are we going to do? Give it away for free to poor <laughs> countries? <laughs> so there you have it. Dr. John Campbell is, says that because everyone's going to get Omicron, or likely most people are going to get Omicron, then they will have natural immunity. And he's saying that the vaccine immunity wanes. They're, now we're going to, everybody's going to get Omicron. We're going to have natural immunity. And he just, you heard what he just said, exactly what I thought. It's like, they know they can't keep doing this. And so that's what I think is happening. Uh, I'm going to do another whole segment on this. Here's the, the doctor from uh, CNN saying that the science has changed. That's why she's changing her stance on mandates. But people are calling her out on it. Uh, she says... Uh, well, I'll, let's get to the next sec section. So we, we did this section. You understand it. Now I'm going to move on to people who are saying the science has changed when it really hasn't. <laughs> We're doing live stand-up comedy in Los Angeles on February. Yeah, Jimmy Dore's got his own studio, just like uh, Joe Rogan's building. It's good to nice. Uh, I do you want to correct him on one thing. Oh, what do you got to correct? And I don't think he's I'm, I'm not garage on. <laughs> well, he's usually actually very good, to be honest. He's lately. better than CNN or MSNBC or most yeah. of those. Same with Joe Rogan and yeah, so many of these other or Russell Brand. I mean, really? Yeah, but I mean, Russell and Jimmy and Joe and Stephen honest and correct themselves in a meaningful way when they're wrong and it's brought to their attention, as opposed to Sanjay Gupta going back to CNN and playing with Don Lamont, like, oh, that didn't just happen. And let's just pretend it didn't happen. And the the horse maggot medicine that we said, you know, because what's the purpose of them maligning Joe Rogan? It's to get people to think that taking the horse maggot medicine, that's not good for you. And COVID's better for you. Get the gene therapy. Get the gene therapy. Yeah, it's all marching in lockstep for one universal solution. When we know for a rushed solution uh, for a whole new different type of medical technology we've never used before in history. This is not your traditional vaccine. Whereas uh, ivermectin has been um, uh, prescribed to billions of people. Yeah, it's been over a billion times. Um, and, off, and many of those times, by the way, have been off-label. So not specifically for the parasite infection, but for many other reasons. That's, That's most the, drugs in the market. 
That's actually true. Yeah. Um, the, so there's actually studies out there talking about the that current batch of vaccine and negative efficacy in regards to uh, Omicron, meaning you are more likely to catch it. This comes from, I think it was a Canada study. It was either Canadian or Dutch. It wasn't Dutch. It was a European nation and it was Canada. There's two studies. One showed up after seven or eight days at a 35% or less effectiveness, which means it's only going to wane even worse against Omicron. Another one showed negative efficacy, meaning that you're more likely to catch it if uh, you've been vaccinated. Omicron, that is, this variant. Um, it's run, like if you look at the numbers, the wave has run through the United States. Um, what I ended up getting a couple of weeks ago, now friends in the West Coast, I I uh, know just ended up getting it. And so it just like ran across the United States as to be expected. People have robust natural immunity now, um, unless they continue to vaccinate and create more immune escape for different variants, which could continue to happen. But I mean, I'm not correcting Jimmy because Jimmy decided to keep his channel on YouTube. And I think Jimmy probably knows about this, but Jimmy had to say in order to keep my channel on YouTube, let me just say it'll lessen your symptoms or lessen your chance of getting it, which is not true. It's just simply not true. In fact, you're more like there are studies showing that there's a chance you're more likely to get it. He's like a comedian during Nazi Germany doing jokes about the Nazis, but he's on a Nazi stage. You got it. So in order to really communicate with the the help, the masked up help that are there servicing the Nazis and helping them out, he has to say it in in coded language. You know, he might might say something like, I'm not saying this, but other people out there are saying this, which is reasonable. I think we say that. Because we're not saying these things. Other people out there are saying these things. We're just pointing you toward things that exist as opposed right. to the mainstream media or legacy media, the dinosaur media. They point you toward things that don't exist. Uh, case example, Russia hoax. Russia yeah. brought Trump to power. Russia, Russia, Russia. But there's still more of that coming out even this week. I have on the show card about how much Look they up. lied about that. I have that. I have to go to the show. Card. Biden and Obama spoke at Moscow University in Russia. Like they're the ones with ties to Ukraine and Russia, not the orange man bad. Correct. That's a hundred percent correct. Yeah, exactly. Let me bring So up. that's a tactic of their side to accuse the other side of what they're actually doing. And Gaslighting. If you start reading their, if you start reading their accusations of these are things they're actually doing and they're accusing the other side, you can see a lot more clearly in the political landscape. That's just, that's a free offering. Try it on. It's a good lens. Yeah. And see, Clinton allies spied on Trump White House internet traffic. Durham confirms um, Trump responds to bombshell Clinton, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, they were active spying on top of the steel dossier. Clinton's are just fronts for the Anglo-American establishment. Correct. He's a Rhodes Scholar. He inherited the drug-running MENA operation type Winthrop Rockefeller, former governor of Arkansas, left him. He's an illegitimate son of who? Who was, you know, he was governor of Arkansas, who was a former governor, Winthrop Rockefeller. Who, who was yeah, Bill Clinton's mom? Right, what I was she up to? Like, who is Bill Clinton? Why did he become a Rhodes Scholar? Why did he get tutored by like, Carol, Quigley, Carol Quigley, who was also yeah. himself mentored by Rhodes Scholar Crane Brinton? Right. So there's a legacy of Anglo-American establishment power that if you add it back to the picture, all of a sudden it makes sense. It's like the transparency layer you put on top to connect all the dots. You know, I've been thinking about that too, Rich, in history. Um but like some people have asked me that have joined the community. And so I'll get these messages on discord. Like, why do you focus on the Anglo-American establishment angle? Not that they disagree with it, but they say like you could, you could point to all these other pieces in history. And I'm like, well, the Anglo-American, the way I answer that is say the Anglo-American establishment 
is the most recent manifestation of the attempt of creating a world government that has been done actually since ancient times. There's been attempts to even, so it's like, a, you could think of it as a recapitulation yeah, of, Alexander of the, Great, the Holy the Roman Empire the or the Roman Empire, or Alexander the Great or the Persian, I'm sorry, go ahead. But that's, or, or the, or the Venet or the Venetian conspiracy. I mean, there's different, like, and if you look at the philosophies of the people in power at these various stages, they're talking very similarly. If you can parse through like the difference in lexicon, they're very similar talking about the need to control things from a sort of like a, a central point. I mean, this goes back to Isocrates back in ancient Greece now. And he set up one of the, the first school actually before the Academy and the Lyceum. Socrates set up a school on rhetoric and he talked about the panegyrius, this idea of like combining the, the Greek nation states into one unified whole. It never happened, but he had ideals and ideas and he was a sophist of making of, of like a sort of world government that then can work with the Persians, resist the Persians and or conquer the Persians. And they create what then would be known as the a world government of, of the then known territory, let's say. So it's like these aspirations haven't stopped. The need for power hasn't stopped. This is, this is the most recent manifestation of it in a modern setting is the Anglo-American establishment version of it. That is by far. And like that's where we can feel the most evidence, the most artifactual evidence. And it also relates to our level of technology we have. Romans didn't have these cybernetic systems and data feedback systems and databases and all this technology that we have today, for example, or the Persians or the Holy Roman Empire and Charlemagne. Or the or the or the the the, the papacy, Habsburgs. Habsburgs, papacy, the Jesuits, like they all or you know, Venetians, they all didn't have this type of technology. So that, but the the Anglo-American establishment was born in sort of the Enlightenment sort of idea, not born, but like they sort of because when the Romans invaded Great Britain, they were an extremely what's the word, not impoverished, but uh, the irony is they had no meaningful infrastructure the Anglo-Saxon territory, let's say. The Romans came in and built aqueducts and had building plans and had grid systems and all this sort of stuff. Like they were very, um, it's the word I'm looking for, but simple. And uh, they weren't very sophisticated. So there was a time when the, you know, the British Isles weren't a very sophisticated type of people and they didn't have very sophisticated types of technology until the Romans came in. And then they seemed to appropriate Roman ideas later on that really permeated through Europe. So as you can see, like a chain of transmission is the point I try to make historically to people of the idea of the justification, the rationalization, which is a contradiction of people trying to st state the fact that they want to control other people. That's all it is. And then they come up with wild philosophies and wild different sort of political theories and using uh, might makes right in order to try to, uh, you know, and get on top of psychological warfare in order to, to get what they want. And so it's like, it's nothing really new in history. I also forgot about Chinggis Khan. He's another one. Um, anyways, that's, yeah, my I, point. that's I would just, why I focus on the angle. I would posit it as uh, they are the group responsible for about 300 million people dying during the 20th century. And they still yes. very much have influence and power right now. And there's a continuity and ominous continuity over the past 120 years since 1902 and Cecil Rhodes' Cecil last will and testament, and the political machinations of the British Empire creating the third British Empire, as uh, laid out by Lionel Curtis in his Columbia speeches, Columbia in New York, King's College University is now Columbia University in New York. And he said, we want to create a third British Empire. We're going to do that by 
calling ourselves a commonwealth and we can get into this special relationship with America and bring the colonies back into the British Empire in order to take over the world. There's a reason that like 40 plus commonwealths of Britain all have individual votes in the United Nations, but United States has one vote. Yeah. So it's a rigged game. When you look at who created these institutions, Gatto says, investigate the history and evolution of the institutions that are in power and influence in this, in this place. And the World Economic Forum is one heck of an interesting starting place. But you see, that's just a working group in the plan of Cecil Rhodes to create a secret society for the purposes of bringing America back into the British Empire, for the purposes of then the ruling powers of the money elite in the British monarchy, who combined in 1917 officially, according yeah. to the Balfour Declaration, for them to have a global government, to have a global union, if you will, much like the European Union, only a global union. And it would be superseding the United Nations. Yeah. And that's, you know, I was going to do a deep dive a week or two ago into parts of like origins of the UN and NATO in regards to the Ukraine and Russia thing. But I decided not to because it just got too big. But I looked up various passages in the Anglo American establishment and tragedy and hope. And it was, it was just interesting to see how, first of all, how much the group had sort of reorganized their ideals, but they never lost the ideal of unity. They wanted a central unity of the English speaking nations. So like right now, if you were to take the, and, and the, the other one ideal that's not talked about the Anglo-American establishment that runs as an ominous chain, a sort of, uh, what would this, this would not great chain of being great chain of being. You can kind of call it that, but is the eugenics. So emergence with this, this, unification or reunification of Anglo or English speaking nations is also concomitant or contemporaneous would be a better word with the eugenics movement, which is born out of Darwinism. So the new emerging scientism combined with the, 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 the aspirations of control by a power elite banking families and old King kingships from that are now hiding behind nation states. And all of a sudden you get this unholy Alliance. And so like one of the things is some of the ideas, some of the philosophies is it, quickly points out in the Anglo-American establishment have changed, but those are the two lines that have been continuous. And the reason why we focus again, so much on the Anglo-American establishment now is because you can, you can draw a direct line with that, those specific philosophies, individuals up to today. So when it first started back in the 19th century, actually even before that, but we'll just say 19th century leading up literally to right now, you know, where uh, we can go back in history and show how they took ideas from like the Holy Roman empire, from the papacy or from the Venetians and, you know, from the Ro Roman empire for that matter, at least from the continuity of philosoph from philosophy and justifying their ideas. But as far as harding the, or fielding the most hard and uh, artifactual evidence for it, um, of its current manifestations of the philosophy of power and control over individuals. It happens with the Anglo-American establishment. And that's why now, you focus on it. That's why we yeah, to further satiate. That's a good question. So I, I have some evidence. I'll read it because it also is going to tie into when you ask who is the, who are the people benefiting from this DARPA document where they wanted to create an aerosolized ACE2 receptor binding coronavirus gain of function thing. And the, these, these DARPA preempt documents we're going to cover. These are the people who set that all up. Correct. This is the infrastructure for what's going on today. So uh, hang on to your hats. This is, oh, wait, hold on. 
just got my mic to work in my headphones. My pedal was a little stuck. Can you hear me all right now? Yeah, now you're fine. So yeah, good. You're all right, flip. cool. Yeah, good. Oh, like a nod from the gods right there. I feel like yeah. Tin Cup. All right. This is the Anglo-American Establishment tin by Carol Quigley. <laughs> what a reference. A little gust Published gods, posthumously April. in 1981. He wrote it in 1948. He was afraid to publish it during his life for fear of retribution by the people who are in here. So this creates, uh, this talks about the Anglo-American Establishment, a group of Americans and British who uh, are not about freedom. They're about subjugation of the planet. They're about rule by cybernetics, technocracy, eugenics, population control, these sort of ideas, Malthusian, out of Huxlerian, Julian Huxlerian ideas, right. H.G. Wellian ideas. They're all members yeah. of the round table and it's inner and outer circles. So let's go to chapter three. Oh, look, the secret society of Cecil Rhodes. There's a footnote there. Is there an end note? We'll, we'll see as we get through. Let's see. I'll find that, that. with the new emerging. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, with the, if you want to find that, yeah, with the new emerging. So I mean, you have, you have what, um, Galton, right? Who's Darwin's cousin. And I think T, so Tom, Thomas Huxley, T.H. Huxley, I think mentors H.G. Wells. Yes. H.G. Wells mentions the Huxley brothers, Julian and, um, the other one I'm forgetting right now. H.G. Wells writes The Open Conspiracy, which Here, I got you. of the Huxley boys. And Julian Cretunas. So this is Senna gave me a timeline. We were talking about this the other day. T.H. Like, Huxley. Got... Thank you. Okay. If you go. got on. Yeah. So T.H. Huxley <clears throat> uh, was part of the Huxley family. He's into eugenics, population control. And he's Darwin's he, bulldog. He's the he one who taught me. Yeah. yeah he, he defended Darwin's ideas. And, and it happens he, at the Royal Institute, right? Well, you know, he the, gave the, birth. So he mentored H.G. Wells. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah. He, uh, his son was Leonard Huxley. Leonard Huxley had two boys, Aldous and Sir Julian Huxley. That's Sir it. Julian Huxley was in charge Aldous, of UNESCO, uh, United Nations yeah. uh, organization, but also the World, uh, World Eugenics Foundation. Uh, he was into the Homosexual Law Reform Society. He was a Planned Parenthood proponent. Uh, World Wildlife Federation, along with like later Prince Charles. Yeah, real quick, the homosexual characters. law reform. I wonder if that connects into Kinsey's work. That's interesting because that was a lot of those in the 50s, 60s when he was doing that illegitimate. He was a sexual psychopath. Anyway, so just, he was part of the so. Congress of Cultural for C Cultural Freedom, codenamed QK Opera. You should check out QK Opera. Might lead you to some interesting places. Uh, oh, well, let's just click it. Let's just click it. Because I was looking to see, oh, Irving Crystal. Irving Crystal is the father of William Crystal, who uh, Scott Horton just debated him not too long ago. Interesting that some of these people have lineage, like Irving Crystal, you know, his uh, Bernard Lewis. Didn't we just see Bernard Lewis in that, mm -hmm. that foreign affairs earlier tonight? Yeah. Look at this synchronicity of the neocon. So this is like the upstream of neoconism. This is like pre-Likud party, Leo Straussian type of go, preemptive go Julian, doctrine like, like they would use for COVID. Like if they wanted to head off a, a pandemic, Tony, according to their preemptive strategies, might not, might they not have a controlled pandemic? Like they had a controlled 9-11 type of proxy yeah. force situation that they built the whole bioterrorism threat they talk about in the foreign affairs magazine now becomes a threat of global contagion 
a global contagion. And so they just transmute. it's like a transmutation, if you will, an alchemical transmutation that's taken place well, as they continue to create history. And yeah. So we got distracted because we started out with go, go back with T.H. Huxley. Yeah. Okay. There's Sir Julian right there. Somewhere in there, there should be eugenics and population control. Yeah. George Orwell. Cause then they have an influence on Orwell. Uh, Aldous, Aldous Huxley right here. There was also Andrew Huxley. Maybe Aldous, maybe it was Aldous. Aldous mentor. Yeah, there it is. George Orwell. Orwell. Yeah. And he's of right. course we got, yeah, you got it. Yeah. And shout out to Senna. Cause he helped me figure Like I, we were talking about this in depth and I was getting, I was preparing for a deep dive. That connected. So, like, one of the interesting things in tragedy and hope is didn't all didn't Aldous Huxley's final revolution talk about uh, pharmaceutical mind control type of total control the you'll love your servitude type of thing? Yeah, and he passed yeah. away on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, which is for some reason another anyway. Oh, okay. So, Senna says Aldous was a teacher at Eton. And that's where Eric Blair was the student, which is Orwell. Yeah, Eric Arthur that's, Blair. Yeah, that's how. So you, that was because Aldous was teaching at Eden. Oh, that's the connection. Thank you, Senna. Interesting. Go All on. right. So I was just uh, showing the veracity of the Secret Society of Cecil Rhodes, as, uh, as according to Professor Carol Quigley of the Georgetown School of Foreign Service, the Edmund A. Walsh School of Foreign Service. Uh, the Secret Society of Cecil Rhodes is mentioned in the first five of his seven wills. In the fifth, it was supplemented by the idea of an educational institution with scholarships, today known as the Rhodes Scholarship, whose alumni would be bound together by common ideals. Now we see that at all with the Rhodes, Rhodes ideals. So like Rachel Maddow and Bill Clinton yeah. and George Stephanopoulos and Pete Buttigieg and all these other yeah, Rhodes Buttigieg. scholars who went to Oxford, England to get the common ideals of the British Empire and bring them back and anglify American society. Those are Rhodes's ideals. In the and sixth that, and seventh sorry. wills, the secret society was not mentioned and the scholarships monopolized the estate. But Rhodes still had the same ideals and still believed that they could be carried out uh, best by a secret society of men devoted by a common cause. Now, in his earlier wills, he straight up said the beneficiary was Lord Rothschild, who had funded his uh, South Africa De Beers uh, right. excursions. But then they did, I and think, did Lord Rosebury, who was Rothschild's son-in-law with a different last name. So like, that's a good last name. Right. So, but Rhodes still had the same ideals. The scholarships were merely a facade to conceal the secret society, or more accurately, they were to be one of the instruments by which the members of the secret society would carry out his purpose. Other ones would be Royal Institute of International Affairs, the Pilgrim yep. Society, Council on Foreign Relations, Bilderberg Group, Trilateral Commission, World Economic Forum, and several others. And then the Royal Institute is... American version CFR. Um, the uh, oh, there's a, the heads. So let me just hit this say. quote on uh, this is this purpose of Rhodes expressed in the first will 1877 was quote. Yeah, he gets all into the Jesuits here. I was going to say, is there the Jesuit? Because he said it was going to be modeled off the Jesuits, but is that I was going to ask you a question before we read that? Yeah, quote. it's right here. Is it? Look, right oh, okay. Well, that's page. Page. Was that which? Do you know Jesuits. which will that was? Oh, there it is. He has the whole thing on it. Yeah. And then Lord Rothschild, see, yep. I've read the book before. I'm familiar with the, con but there's a couple more Jesuit uh, references. I was just more curious because I know right he, down he talks about it, but I was wondering like, if he talks about like if that was removed from one of the wills, 
as like later the sixth and seventh will like what in which wills were the jesuits mentioned i wonder probably, probably maybe one through five or something like that but we can get jesuitry yeah lord rothschild uh here on what let me zoom out now it's interesting. Why would they Page want to model off the Jesuits? A Jesuit-like secret society for the promotion of the empire. They're just saying the Jesuits had a good structure they had and they a good would just structure. replace That's Roman point, Catholicism yeah. with the British Empire. That's literally what they say like three or four times throughout this book. Yeah, Let's Jesuits see. a church of the extension of the British Empire. It's in that quote. It's right. in that quote. Yeah. This yeah, to be so, the kind of religious brotherhood like go back, go back, go back. Oh, so sorry. Okay. It says, uh, this is to be kind of a religious brotherhood like the Jesuits, quote, a church for the extension of the British. Right. And there's a reason why we focus on the, the soul Americans. The sole trustee with Lord, with, in the third will, 1888, Pickering having died, the sole trustee was Lord Rothschild. So they used his name, not in the first or second. It's like, I was keeping on the down low. Then in the third, mm-hmm. right? In the third will, they use his name. And then they go back to, I think. Which Rothschild would have that been? That would have been late 19th century. I have it in the model here, which yeah. well, I think it was there. maybe a early Victor Rothschild, okay. not the one from the fifties, but the one from the 1880s okay. or actually, I think it was Lionel. It's the one, really? the, it it's the one oh, riding on the tortoise. Yeah. Lionel yeah. Victor he did tell me about that. Yeah. Rothschild. Maybe you have to go with the three names. Cause there's so many generations. It's I easy know. to get, but, but so, I mean, Rhodes's will exist. The people who, were in his uh, his his coterie, the acolytes of his will that wanted to see it promoted. They brought about World War One. I. I mean, this is the genesis. This the people in this book are the people that Corbett points to on World War One conspiracy. When he did research, he found different sources. This like this is not the primary source for his movie, but the things that are pointed out by the whistleblower Alfred Zimmern. To Quigley in 1948. Quigley then spent 20 years studying this story. He wrote this other book, the big book, Tragedy and Hope, 1966. So after studying this story, to be like, is Zimmerman really telling the truth? He wrote this story and he had access to the, the Council on Foreign Relations archives for 20 years. This is the official textbook, history book. If you want to be an ambassador for the United States, you need to know the real history. If you want to work at, you know, some intelligence agency and, and be in management, they would want you to have this knowledge. This is not what they're going to tell you in the universities, but it's the history of the people who shape the current state in the world as you know it right now. So I think it's more useful than and, you know, watching a football game. Let's so you talked about, you know, <laughs> which I'll watch the replay of that later. But so here is tragedy and hope PDF version. His conferences were surrounded with preliminary and subsequent negotiations about the UN and gave rise to the basic international organizations of the post-war period. Among these were the Food and Agricultural Organization, now stationed in Rome, the United Nations Relief and, uh, Relief and Rehabilitation Administration, the International Monetary Fund, the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development, World Bank, now in Washington, the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. That was Julian Huxley's organization. Yeah, you got right. it. So that's, I hope well, you can go see back that to on the history This is page here. 796. I think it's of the first edition, which is scanned Sir in by Julian. someone. Oh, look at this UNESCO, there Educational, Scientific, and Cultural. So the guy from eugenics, right? He's in charge of UNESCO too. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's just an interesting. I'm sure it doesn't mean anything though, Tony. These are well meaning people. 
very respectful. So they look at this. The arguments and conflicts who comprises and resolutions provided these post-war organizations of quote one world ideal end quote idealism will be discussed later. During the war itself, they were largely lost into the din din of world conflict. But the fact that this the, the talks he least foreshadows a one world idealism. Later on, he actually gets into a really interesting argument for quickly that is about um, how how it became how the UN the Security Council became very much like the feudal system in medieval Europe, which was filled with different kingships and duchies and all these different things. But it was there's a couple power structures they always referred back to to enforce when in case of an emergency. And I was like, oh, it's just like the feudal system he alluded to that the bankers wanted to roll in. How convenient. I think if someone took a screenshot of just this one one thought in the history blueprint and you did the basic grammar mm-hmm. the who who is maury strong yeah. who is the british empire or what is the british empire who is cecil rhodes who was hg wells who was eric trist who was julian huxley do the who of everyone in just this one snapshot and you'd have a better understanding of the world and what's going on than any of those people getting millions of dollars telling you uh just take the seventh booster sponsored <laughs> by pfizer pfizer but remember, Pfizer doesn't really advertise much. Wink, wink. No, they don't. To, according no. to Albert Morla on Lex Friedman's podcast, <laughs> they advertise with the three companies that own all the other companies. That's what, <laughs> that's what he's saying, man. Right. You know. Right. But your point is very well taken here. I mean, if you were to just research the general grammar, just build up a who, what, when, where, you'd get a whole, a very much more comprehensive history of the late nineteenth century all of the 20th century and into the 21st century up to the present day which is why we focus on the anglo-american establishment it's a recapitulation of philosophies and attempt at power and control in a modern context of modern technology i'm just saying scientism knowing about this dude right here this is like the rosetta stone to understanding foreign policy statecraft the things that are going on today that are Mm -hmm. in the news have roots in history and that history should be better acquainted right that if yeah. you have if you have a spouse that might have a diamond or you have a diamond on your finger know that that comes from cecil Rhodes and the subjugation of people in south africa and that those clear stones were worthless and they ran complex marketing campaigns to get it done oh do i have a reference the on beer that? diamond cartel <laughs> oh boy i would say uh, peace revolution episode 29 uh diamonds the jewel of denial Mm-hmm. And here's the the beers diamond company here to tell you more about it. Remember, all this is financed by Rothschild. Diamonds are forever. Possibly Lionel Rothschild. That. So remember, he's the one who financed the operation that then became Rhodesia after he committed genocide in and uh, the southern part of Africa. Cecil Rhodes, N. M. Rothschild and Sons. My mic drop is done. Yeah. So that's why we focus on it. Just saying. Uh, this real quick, so we don't get too late. Um, we don't have, so this again, this came from. So I just wanted to go over that Saddam Hussein thing we were talking about, so I don't just lose everyone with it. Uh, I'll just give a quick overview. Um, in 1927, the TPC, which is Turkish Petroleum Company, drills hit some other load in Kirkuk in a town called Baba Gugur. Naturally, a restructuring was in order, more equipment, more soldiers, blah, blah, blah. The new organization was now to include the old crew as well, and the American interests represented by the Near East Development Corporation 
Rockefeller owned by Rock, uh, a venture owned by Rockefeller and Standard Oil. The consortium will manage to re- obtain the rights to explore and drill anywhere in the Middle East from the Suez Canal all the way to Iran and Iraq, except Kuwait until the year 2000. Talk about long-term planning. Iraq would turn out to be the most petroleum-rich nation in the region. Uh, so for 45 years, Iraq would suffer under the foreign hydra that would drill and suck its natural resources to benefit a handful of ultra-powerful elite. Then in 72, Saddam Hussein emerges, vice president of Iraq and extreme national ideals, uh, kicks the foreign entity out in 15 minute and threat of warfare requests, blah, blah, blah. At the time, there's an estimated 115 billion barrels underground. The consortium would begrudgingly leave, but the story would not end there. The general would go on to become the longest reigning president of Iraq, nationalized and socialized petroleum of his land and uh, make his country a quote unquote utopia. I, I questioned her on that word. She's like, it was not to put him in a good light. It was to, because utopia is really has negative connotations for those who understand it, but for his own people with modern reforms and farming tech, blah, blah, blah. He would implement reverse taxation. Then there's other countries that did this like Venezuela. Yeah, as well. The United States was in Iraq, not because of the oil, mm-hmm. but because the British had been in Iraq for a couple centuries and yeah. America is now the custodian caretaker for that Anglo-American establishment. Yeah. It has to do. Yeah. I also wanted to point out that De Beers is now owned by Anglo-American PLC, a British-based multinational mining company with headquarters in London, England. It's the world's largest producer of platinum with around 40% of world output, as well as being a major producer of diamonds, copper, nickel, iron ore, and metallurgical and thermal. It gets cut off there. But, you know, right there, if you know how to read, check it out. Rothschild, JP Morgan, price fixing, De Beers, Cecil Rhodes, Monopoly. These are words you might want to check out. Cause it's going on in the great reset. Oh, I see. You see the Iraqi petroleum company was, I see. Never mind. It was part of the TPC it. 1927. It was yeah. part of the agreement. And so when Saddam Hussein came and we trained him CIA right here, I have it. In the and, but then, then he kicks him out and tries to nationalize the resources. And so he becomes the Iraq petroleum around. company yeah. right, is right next to Saudi Aramco, which is yes. the Saudi Arabian American oil company, which it, is right. right next to Anglo-American oil company. That's the Anglo-Persian oil company. That's MI6. That's, uh, that becomes and BP later that's, on. Right. That's British Petroleum. Yeah, that's that Rothschild. Be. So I'm looking at Anglo-Saxon oil or Dutch Shell. It was previously Burma this. oil mm-hmm. and Redline Agreement plays into Sidney Riley, who was the British spy upon which Ian Fleming based 007. He was one of the yeah. real spies. Sinjin Philby, who helped create Muslim Brotherhood and made the Saudi family into a royal family on behalf of the British intelligence and the monarchy. Right. So right. that's all Anglo-Persian. That's how they did it with spies. Yeah. It becomes British Petroleum in 1909, the present. Before they over uh, or after that, they had to overthrow uh, Mossadegh because it started yeah. getting out of control. And uh, people who who were in, instrumental in it also participated in BCCI, Bilderberg, Operation Zapata, Operation Ajax, a whole bunch of nasty. They, in, they innovated the uh, double cross system. Philby Brothers, one of them, the family. I thought uh, Kim Philby was around at the time. Well, his dad started it. His dad groomed the Arab Nazis that was sold to John, uh, John and uh, Alan Dulles, which became the uh, Mujahideen that the CIA funded, which became the Osama bin Laden Al Qaeda that attacked America on nine 11, allegedly, according to the people who did it. So if you believe their story, that's their story. Sullivan and Cromwell. 
Dallas. Yeah. Anyway, history is not connected. You shouldn't pay any attention to it. Don't look at the fact that Miles Copeland's son, Stuart Copeland, was in a band called The Police and that Sting just sold his entire catalog for $300 million. Not to mention that uh, Spotify's own. We're going to get into that a little bit later. It's all part of the great game. Mm-hmm. Or the new great game now that America got taken Moderna and Spotify. What was it earlier? Armpit. Moderna owns it. I'll get it to it later. I'll bring it up here. I'm going to have to go look. I'll have to find it. All right, let's go to more clips. Yeah. Uh, I would say at this point, just because I know we have to, get, we have a bunch more to get on. Well, there's trucker protests. We got to play a couple from the trucker protests mm-hmm. and make sure it's in a time capsule here for the future. Quarantine camps and lack of appeal. Let me tell you what's going on in Canada. They're stealing their tires. They're stealing their gas. They're trying to make it very, very hard. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, the truckers are creative on their own. They can take the tires off their trucks. They can make the trucks so that they can't be towed. The tow truck drivers can call out sick with COVID. There's an interesting, you know, back and forth. Uh, the government's now threatening the children of the people that are at the protest. It's a veiled threat, but, you know, you know, there's a iron fist in that velvet threat. And uh, what there's the fire think? hooks. There's that yeah. whole fire hooks that Christy Lee talked about. Then not, Jimmy Dore talked about the Nazi flag and the Confederate flag with a bunch of Photos yeah, but after disappears. they say they're Nazis and right wing or whatever, and that doesn't work, what do they have left? They don't have anything except except violence. That's the only thing left is pure belligerent uh, wanton action. So I would say play the first two because that'll give an overview of what's going on. The John That's Donnie how Gregory's, Gandhi beat the British Empire and, back in the day, at least for his part in India. Right? They had to make yeah. their they had to make the, the violence of the oppressor visible to the public, and Gandhi's right. people did that starting to resist by sewing their own clothing and not taking the British textiles that was all based on the subjugation and slavery of the planet for hundreds of years. They started making their own clothes. That wasn't enough. And then they said, Hey, let's go out and get beaten by these guys in public. And the photographers show that to the world. And they're like, Oh, the British are really savages in how they're managing the people of India. Maybe they shouldn't do that. And there was worldwide uprising. That's what the trucker protest represents in a different way. It's people resisting in a peaceful way. And they are risking their livelihoods, their property. Those trucks cost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. the, the farm machinery and the fact that all these places are going without work, going without labor, the farms are going without machinery, the truckers are going without getting paid. They got a lot of risk. They got a lot of skin in the game. And I think it's that part in Gulag Archipelago where they went from giving all the, the, the prisoners 10-year sentences and started handing out 25-year sentences. And all of a sudden, you don't want to risk your life for 10 years. But if it's a 25-year sentence, you're pretty willing to risk your life and go over the wall. And that's the point I think they've broken through that barrier in this COVID mandate situation where people are like, oh, you're trying to handle When an irrational force is left, when all the sort of gaslighting, when all the mind control, with all the psychological warfare operations fail, when all the propaganda fails, they only have one tool left. They're not very creative. This is something you pointed out, actually, and what you've been missing these people aren't that creative. They're just controlling. They're really increasing. That's they're decreasing your ability to think and increasing your their, or the stimulus response. So you're acting as an automaton rather than a thinking volitional individual. And that's the problem. That's the problem. That's, where, that's that what video, Chris Martinson is talking about. Go ahead. In that video 11 years ago, I showed people pigeons 
who apparently yeah. could read. It said peck and they would peck and it would say turn and they would turn. But that was just the stimulus response of the Skinner box. You got that it. Made Skinner. it appear like the pigeons were actually intelligent. I think we have that going on today. People pecking, That's... not because they can read the word peck and turning, not because they can read the word turn, but because of the stimulus and response. And like, let's just real, I mean, we won't have to do a deep dive on this, but Rockefeller funded a lot of these behavioral studies. They found that Rockefeller Foundation yeah. studied a lot of this. Like he, they're fascinated by human behavior. Same with, you know, the Rothschilds in a different way are fascinated by sort of, uh, I wouldn't say anthropology, but they, you know, just the natural world, biology, zoological. anthropology, zoological, that's what yes. I'm looking for. So yeah. there's just well, I know this Rothschild weird obsession. that we talked about with the uh, Cecil Rhodes uh, beneficiary. He was a great zoologist and mm -hmm. he's the guy that rode the tortoise at the insane asylum. A lot of the animals, the species and family and the genus and family, like they, a lot of the taxonomic organization terminology associated with it comes from the Rothschilds, believe it or not. And for certain animals. Yeah. The Rothschild um, giraffe. Giraffes. Yeah. I think and there's a couple other ones that they have. It's, it's not just probably giraffes, hundreds of species. If you yeah. look it up, look up Miriam Rothschild and her father, I think was Lionel Rothschild. It's very interesting. And, they're so uh, focused on the animal world. Like they're paying attention on what makes things tick. Biological Tring, creatures. They tick. have a zoo, I think at Tring, which was one of the Rothschild palaces. There very interesting history. But anyways, I would say play the first two. We'll come back for a little commentary. Then we'll play the, the Tucker clip about the lawmakers. Cause that'll lead us into the, the um, yeah, we still have a lot of money shots left yeah. for this. Episode, oh, what's the, so we got to get to it. The Fidel Castro. Or is that the Castro Asian? There you go. So we'll play those two come back and then we'll get into Tucker. You can play those two back to back by the way, LD. Sorry. It'll give a general overview of what's going on. Sedition, insurrection, a threat to democracy. This city is under siege. They are now calling calling it an occupation. Alarming situation there in Ottawa. The police chief is calling it a nationwide insurrection driven by madness. I think it's part of the globalization of Trumpism. Canadians know where I stand. There hasn't been as much violence as some had perhaps projected, but that does not necessarily mean that it has been peaceful. Residents say they feel like hostages. Some protesters harassed a soup kitchen. These anti-vaxxers actually took food from the mouths of uh, the homeless. I'm hungry, yeah. Because they were, they're, they're, they're so put upon. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing. Many of them are holding Confederate flags. I've heard there's QAnon supporters in the crowd. We've seen swastikas. We've seen the Confederate flag. This is a story of a country that got through this pandemic by being united and a few people shouting and waving swastikas does not define who Canadians are. It's a cult. <laughs> yes, it is. The big issue here uh, is that the truckers and their horns are, ladies and gentlemen, the sound of freedom. You hear that eerie sound? It's, it's not when they find the obelisk on the moon in 2001 Space Odyssey. It is the very eerie sound of tens of thousands of trucks and cars honking their horns 24 hours a day in the capital of the seized nation under globalist control, Canada. 
It's a beautiful example of nonviolent resistance and solidarity. And so that's why they're calling him terrorist. This is a rally for truckers, but it's also a rally for the 60% of Canadians who say they worry they can't afford food. It's for the 60-year-old small businessman who spent his entire adult life building up an enterprise and watching him wiped out. It's for the depressed 14-year-old who's been locked out of school. It's for the families that can't take it anymore. It's for the people who want to stand up and speak for their freedoms. Government and our media have insulted and left behind. This is treason. This is way bigger. This is a group of well polished professional people that are trying to overthrow the 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 government of democratically elected government of this country. This is not. It's not a target on the city of Ottawa. It's much bigger than that. It's really an insurrection. It's a. It's an attack on our democracy. It's an attack on our federal government. It has a lot of international elements to it. The money is flowing from the U.S. Right. Um, this is right out of the Trump playbook. These globalists trick us with people like Trump, and I'm not saying Trump's overall bad, but by bringing him in, making the left hate him, to get the left to do things as a general public they would never go along with. And then now we get so mad at the left, when the right wing gets in power, it will then do things to stop them. And in the end of the day, all of our liberties are gone. All of our freedoms are gone and wars of global domination take place because make no mistake, they're not setting up censorship systems and AI control grids and kill switches everywhere because they want to take Alex Jones off the air, Joe Rogan off the air. They want to take everybody off the air. You will only get prescribed communications in the system that's coming. You're not going to get the open free internet anymore under the nuclear war plan, under the biological weapon plan. And, and those are just two of the plans. Then they've also got the giant cyber attack they're going to blame on Russia or, or, or patriot groups that are already pre-planning and, 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 and preparing uh, the mines uh, out there with that information. It's more likely we're going to end up, as we, well, if we end up in a war, a real shooting war with a major power, it's going to be as a consequence of a cyber breach of great consequence. So I love my family and, 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 I, and I love all of you. And I just need to tell you that you need to get ready for absolute hell on earth. Our government has been in close contact with the mayor of Ottawa and municipal and provincial officials. So far, the RCMP has mobilized nearly 300 officers to support the Ottawa Police Services and is ready to do more. Rather than face the Canadian people, Justin Trudeau is sicking his police on them. Governments have been hiring globalist players and thugs for years. Meet Peter Slowly, known for being woke. Seven years ago, as deputy police chief, Peter slowly said that being black made him a suitable candidate for Toronto's next police chief and claimed a more important factor was his experience as a United Nations peacekeeper, an international police force known for raping and pillaging communities under the flag of peace. It was reported that there was much animosity when slowly was not chosen to be Toronto's first black police chief. And a year later, he resigned. During his resignation speech, he bragged about tempting offers, 
coming from the international private sector and went on immediately to join the company Deloitte, whose CEO sits on the board of directors at Pfizer and who was awarded over $40 million by the CDC to build a vaccine management system. A couple months before the COVID-19 scandemic, Peter Slowly was made chief of the Ottawa police. While the world celebrates the inspiring human spirit coming from the people of Canada, their own police steal their gasoline to freeze them out. Families and children. And the foundations of an incoming false flag are now being identified. Meet Peter Downing, a former cop for the RCMP who was given full pay and a clean record after a criminal conviction. Downing is the head of Wexit, an Alberta separatist movement seeking to overrule Canadian law with decrees set by the United Nations and funded by a woman who sits on the board of the Atlantic Council. The Atlantic Council founded CrowdStrike, which ties them to Hillary Clinton. They are funded by George Soros and the Ukraine's Burisma. They are considered a threat to constitutional order by the Russian government, and they fund Peter Downing's Wexit. Wexit has made itself a part of the Ottawa protests, and their connections to George Soros and the RCMP should be cause for alarm. People need to be on the lookout for state-sponsored shenanigans. We've been told that one of the triggers or indicators where we know that they're going to physically move against us and start arresting us is when our media goes down. When all of our telecommunications devices do go down, when we go fully black, the next phase of this will be the public order units will move in on us and start kettling. This is it. If there's a media blackout of everybody that you're connected to with this freedom convoy, that's your trigger that you know something is up and I would encourage you to make arrangements and immediately start heading to Ottawa. Trudeau's liberals are now scurrying to pass their new anti-hate laws straight out of communist China, where a Canadian can be fined $70,000 and thrown in jail for up to four years for the crime of posting anything on the internet that the government deems inappropriate. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. The serious concern that we talked about in some of the roundtable discussions I had the past couple of weeks um, is whether or not, one, this is a holistic movement, a sort of organic movement, sort of to use that sort of terminology, and whether or not, and assuming that it is, how easy this might be over time to manipulate that organic movement and create a false flag situation out of it. It's about controlling the narrative. It doesn't seem like the Canadian government, the Australian government, um, various state governments in America are not really backing down from these trucker convoys. And obviously the most conspicuous manifestation of this is happening in Canada right now as we speak. To their point, yeah, there's a communications blackout. They're going to move swiftly against this, and that would be a well-coordinated effort. There's obviously a counter-narrative being displayed as well. Um, and on the show card, I had there are these anti-protest protesters let me see if I can find that because that was sort of a fast. It's an article. Oh boy, this this section is so fucking big. Well, didn't uh, he mention Burisma? You mentioned Burisma, yeah, Burisma. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nothing to see there. The kid with the crack Hunter, pipe, Hunter Biden. That dude. 
whose dad now gives out crack pipes to the Americans. Who, talked, who, who bragged about taking out Dushenko or whatever at the Council on Foreign Relations, And right? Joe Biden also said anyone who does crack should be in prison, and yet his son did the crack and left the gun well, outside the school in the dumpster and had the laptop incident. Nothing happened. Laptop, Man, and no one talks about a diary incident as well recently, too. I mean, that whole... But the Biden family is so corrupt, it's uh, beyond beyond sort of conceptualization but let me see if i can find this no i wish i should show people how big this section is didn't the bidens have something going on in that place that's going on with russia now the ukraine ukraine didn't CFR. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, that he was, told the story was, on this on the stage on the of CFR Cecil Rhodes' his, legacy yeah. CFR foreign affairs. He said, "Son of a bitch, you know, he got fired, and I, before I got on the plane, that's the clip, right? Yeah, there's the continuity. That's the Anglo-American establishment in a nutshell. Can we have that clip of Joe Biden the- someplace?" Yeah, let's bring that up, Locks. I want to find this other clip. LT, if you can find that while Tony's looking for his thing, I'm covering. <clears throat> no, come up in a second. I mean, if you understand who is Council on Foreign Relations, who is Cecil Rhodes, what is foreign affairs, who is Joe Biden, and he says that about Ukraine, and you compare that to what's going on today with Russia and Ukraine and the stance of our government, it makes total sense. The absence of that context and knowing who those people I just mentioned are would make people confused and they're like i don't know what to do i better listen to the smart people on the tv but you know, readings That's for everybody interesting. i just found this on freedoms for everybody who Tom can learn Trump, pfizer ceo albert borla admitted that his company manufactured sars cov 2 in their labs for the development of mr okay whatever um well i have it somewhere it's just <laughs> It's, I've got yeah, a Borla made video from too. the uh, Wall Street Journal, just like a one-minute video mentioning the the Council on Foreign Relations discussion. The son of a bitch one. Go ahead, let's try. I it. think yeah. Let's, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, oh, there's no audio. I'll read it. During a Council on Foreign Relations discussion on January 23rd, 2018, former Bri- former former Vice President. I remember going over convincing our team, our others. I remember going over convincing <laughs> our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, for, I guess the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and uh, and I was going supposed to announce that there was another billion dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a (laughs) got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid at the time. Okay. Yeah. So that prosecutor was investigating his son in Burisma. That's correct. Yeah. That that was the connection. He was investigating. He was going to actually file charges and he was the state prosecutor for Ukraine. It'd be like the sort of attorney general in a way. 
Yeah, because the Council on Foreign Relations is a British East India Company opium monopoly installation in the 20th century into controlling American thoughts, foreign policy, strategy. And Biden's one of their go-to guys, which is why a not-so-sharp Joe Biden is in the White House right now. Not, not Joey B that you saw in that clip. He's not the guy that Kyle Dunnigan's making impressions of every day. It's a different it, dude. Yeah, right. That's a good point. Come it's on, awesome. man. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Come on, agree. Man. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Anyways, I can't find it, but it's there. There's a bunch of anti, there's like an anti lockdown or anti protest protest going on. Kind of that. I wonder. All right, let's go that. to the, uh, the Tucker Carlson clip on the, uh, so there's two of them. The one the I think you're referring to came. It's the second one. Let me go up here. The honking. This is the lawmakers. The second one there. Oh. And I believe that's the one where he refers to uh, Castro Trudeau. That's the one they had in your timeline. So I'm going to see that's the correct one. And apparently uh, the left listened to Tucker Carlson. And then now. underneath that, I have the clip you wanted me to extricate the Jordan Peterson. Um, Interview by Patrick Bet David talking, but this is where he gets into the conspiracy. It's only five minutes. We'll get into it right after that. So talking about the uncanny resemblance. <laughs> Castronova? You'll know it when you see it. Is he a Castronova? <laughs> Hang on. Uh, my audio cut out for a second, so I, I might have missed something. Uh, uh, you got a little crackle now, but we can hear you. But did you I mean you couldn't hear us? That's <clears throat> no, because all yeah, the traffic to the Super Bowl. That's yeah, just going this I'll see over. They uh, hang on, my uh, my this headset failed me again. China said, "Gross." That's what I'm hearing. Are you still hearing crackling? China. Yeah, <laughs> as long as you can hear us, though. Here, yeah, sorry. Cool. Snap crackling. All right, it shouldn't be any crackling. Just, no. just like those crack pops and or crack pipes, crack pops. Oh yeah, hey. No Biden care kits. It's theirs. You still got a bad crackle, but the, he didn't send us early treatment for COVID, right. but they sent people crack pipes. That's our country today. By the way, this is this is all the uh, Super Bowl coverage you need. All these uh, celebrities, no mask, at the uh, billionaires Super Bowl. with no mask. I'm so surprised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so inside so, the Coliseum, I think it's is that the you know, at LA? I don't know. Very Roman of them. No, it's their new SoFi. That's their SoFi new one. Stadium. SoFi. Yeah. 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 Um, the Coliseum seal where they used to play the Rose Bowl back in the day. I, think, right? I thought you were talking Gladiators Coliseum. Well, it's funny that they modeled off them. Bread and trying to draw, I'm trying to draw allusions, allusions, you know, the, as God would say. Go ahead and hold the I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, where were we? Which clip were you? Oh, that's the what Tucker I Carl- Oh, yeah, the Tucker Carlson. <laughs> it's the 11 minute one. It says lawmakers yes. are panicking over this. We'll do that. Correct. And then we'll go into the one underneath of it with Patrick Beth David. Okay, here we go. Yeah, we'll get into Trudeau's illegitimacy in some shape or form, I'm sure. Castronova. Not us saying it. Other people saying it. We're just observing it. It exists in reality. Let's play the clip. Let's do it. So we've been covering this truck strike in Canada all week. And at the end of the week, there are a couple of different images that kind of float around your head. Picture the cops stealing the fuel from the freezing truckers. You picture the smiling truckers talking about love and waving Canadian flags, totally non-threatening. But above all, you remember the hysteria 
of the people in charge as they look out on this sea of working class people who are really sick of being pushed around, told what to inject into their bodies. The people in charge are extremely upset about this, hysterical. And it's hilarious. You can just picture our transportation secretary, little Pete Buttigieg, jumping up and down, shaking his little hands, screaming at the truck drivers, get off my bridge, you guys! Get off right now! (laughs) And it's not just Mayor Pete. You remember those angry tweets from that CNN contributor, the lady who suggested we should slash their tires, siphon their diesel fuel, throw them in prison. They're all Torquemada now. They're talking like they're scary. But keep in mind, these are not displays of power. These, this is not how confident people talk. These are squeaks of impotence. Our leaders are furious at the truckers because they know there's not a lot they can do about the truckers. They don't know anything about trucks, for one thing. How do you get a truck off a bridge, especially when it has no fuel or tires? They have no idea. You just order someone to do it. It's kind of like Uber Eats. Some guy trots out and removes the truck. The problem is that the people who drive the trucks don't feel like following orders anymore. They're ignoring Pete Buttigieg. If you actually want to move a big rig, you need tow truck operators. And those tow truck operators know truckers. They know truckers aren't racist, they're not Nazis, no matter how many times Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau claim they are. So some of them aren't inclined to help. David Allen, for example, is the president of Gary's Towing in Thunder Bay, Ontario. He told Canadian media, quote, we have all the capabilities on our tow trucks to do it, but I don't think anyone would want to. Another tow truck operator called Randy Wan said that even if tow truck operators wanted to help carry out Pete Buttigieg's orders, it would be very hard, quote, In the end, the trucker's going to say whether you're taking that truck away or not. Now, there are technical reasons for this, which apparently don't teach at McKinsey. It turns out that trucks are heavy. They have air brakes and steel-belted tires. Some of the truckers remove their tires completely. So what now? Now is when you start to panic, and they definitely are. This afternoon, the Prime Minister of Canada, who clearly is Fidel Castro's illegitimate son, came out from hiding to threaten the protesters directly. Watch this. If you joined the protests because you're tired of COVID, you now need to understand that you are breaking laws. The consequences are becoming more and more severe. You don't end up losing your license, end up with a criminal record, which will impact your job, your livelihood, even your ability to travel internationally, including to the U.S. You could be breaking laws. That was the funniest part. These are people who literally don't care about the law at all. They believe they make the law. This is the prime minister who ordered the cops to steal people's fuel. There's no law that says you can't have fuel in Ottawa. He just made that up. Now he's lecturing them about the law. And Joe Biden, who is violating federal law on the grand scale every day by importing two million people illegally without your consent, He's upset about the law. Justin Trudeau is so upset, he's threatening the trucker's children. Quote, it's time to go home, especially if you have your kids with you, Trudeau said. Wouldn't want something to happen to them. Trudeau also attacked the protesters for closing the border. Only Justin Trudeau is allowed to do that, which he has done for more than a year. So what are we watching here? It's more than hypocrisy. What we're watching is panic. Justin Trudeau knows that nobody joined the protest because they're, quote, tired of COVID. They're tired of tyranny. They're tired of being told to inject something into their bodies they don't want, whose long-term effects cannot be known. 
sold by companies that are protected, that have immunity from public recourse. We also know that what they told us to do didn't work. The lockdowns didn't work. Johns Hopkins came out and said it the other day, pretty conclusive. That's what people are mad about. They want their freedom back. They're not tired of the virus. They're tired of the leaders who use the virus to give themselves more power. And they're still doing it. Here's Ontario's premier, Doug Ford. He announced today that instead of lifting his province's useless mandates, he's going to steal the truckers' money, fine them, and then send them to jail. There will be consequences for these actions, and they will be severe. We've already started by going after the money funding the illegal occupation. Yesterday, an Ontario court granted our request to freeze the funds from Give, Send, Go for the convoy. Fines for non-compliance will be severe, with a maximum penalty of $100,000 and up to a year imprisonment. We will also provide additional authority to consider taking away the personal and commercial licenses of anyone who doesn't comply with these orders. When you start making threats like that, you've already lost. What you're showing is that you're impotent and that's why you're unreasonable. That's why you're hysterical. That's why you're waving your arms around telling people they're going to prison. When you start stealing things from people outside the law, speaking of the law, Everybody knows you're weak. So keep in mind that truckers raised $10 million on GoFundMe. That's a California had that effort shut down. Then Give, Send, Go, which is a Delaware company, raised almost the same amount, and Canadian politicians went after that money too. The Attorney General of Ontario successfully got a court order to freeze access to the $8.4 million raised on Give, Send, Go. Those funds were going to an adopt-a-trucker fundraising campaign. It was paying for, quote, housing, water, food, accommodations, and shuttle services for truck drivers in Ottawa. But all of that money has just been stolen by the Canadian government. It's been seized. All of this is pushing people away from government-issued currencies because they're in control of lunatics like the guy you just saw, and they're moving toward cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Just like 18-wheelers on bridges, blockchain is pretty tough for the authorities to control. Therefore, here's how you know it's a threat. The crypto guys must be white supremacists. And lo and behold, that's exactly what they're now telling us. It's an avenue um, not just to make a lot of money or lose a lot of money, but it's also an avenue for money laundering. And it's also a, a place where white supremacists apparently are taking options. I mean, it's problematic at best in so many ways. It's problematic at best. How do people like that get on television? There should be an IQ requirement. But by putting dumb people in the anchor chair, they're perfectly compliant to the people in charge. Crypto is white supremacy. But the hysteria gives them away. As a trucker called Danielle Sersel explained in Ottawa last night, these people are terrified. They're afraid of losing control. The blockade of the Windsor Bridge panicked them. They blocked uh, the Ambassador Bridge. Yeah, that's the busiest, that's the busiest, busiest border crossing in, uh, in between Canada and, and USA. The most trade goes to that, that port. So it's, it's hitting them good, you know. So the downside of all of this is it's turning Canada into a legitimate police state, for real. Here's one of Doug Ford's police officers harassing a woman at her home because of something she wrote on Facebook in support of the truckers. It's one of the creepiest clips you're going to see today. Watch. 
This is just some information about peaceful protests. That's all it is. Okay, so you saw something on my Facebook? No, on the Facebook group. <clears throat> so the Ontario Provincial Police are watching what people are doing on Facebook in different groups, whether or not they're commenting, participating, liking, and you guys are now doing service calls to give people information about peaceful protests. Yeah, it's just a proactive measure to make sure you understand your rights about peaceful protesting. <laughs> it's so great! In 2020, the Stasi are chirpy. We're here as a proactive measure to inform you of your rights, not because we've been spying on your social media. So to recap, donating to the truckers is criminal. Saying anything positive about the truckers gets the police to show up at your house. That's why truckers are the new QAnon, Russia, white supremacist extremist threat. Our leaders in this country agree. In Michigan, dopey old Gretchen Whitmer is plotting to attack them with bulldozers. Watch. Do police need to begin arresting people in the blockade? You know, I'd, I, I, I'm not going to weigh into what the, how they proceed. I'm going to tell you right now, though, they have to get it done. And using whatever tool it takes to safely and swiftly end this is, is what we're calling on them to do. Trucker-inspired protests in the U.S., potentially in your state, would you forcibly clear people? Brianna, if people are breaking the law, uh, obviously we'll, we'll assess it at the time, but we are working very closely with our federal partners and the state police. The fact of the matter is we're gonna do everything we can to prevent that from happening in the first place. Working closer with our federal partners, says the human mask lady. Keep in mind, they're not talking about ISIS. These are truck drivers, the people who bring you food. They're unarmed, they're waving Canadian flags and talking about love. A lot of them brought their kids. Should CNN's national security contributors and the neoliberal politicians who are attacking them really weigh into this fight? No, because they can't win it. One side is too sympathetic and the other is too loathsome. But they can't help themselves. They are so threatened by disobedience, they rush forward with swords drawn. They know if Canadian truckers can get away with this, the game is over. So they must crush anyone who questions the high priests of neoliberalism. And that category includes plenty of people on the right, obviously, but tellingly, it includes plenty of people who aren't on the right, but just feel like thinking for themselves. It includes anyone who invests in Bitcoin, as we said. It includes Sikh truck drivers in Ottawa, who now work for Putin, and Joe Rogan, who's now a racist, and David Portnoy, who's now a sex offender, and Tavis Smiley, who's now a serial harasser. Those aren't right-wingers, they're just people who dared to say what they think. That slander hasn't worked. And it won't work here. You can't cancel a bridge full of 18-wheelers and shame them into driving away. They're going to try it tomorrow. There's going to be a showdown in Windsor, Ontario. We'll see what happens. But the rest of the world has already learned the lesson, which is if you resist, if you say, I've had enough peacefully, cheerfully, with love, they have to pay attention. The only thing they pay attention to. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey. Uh, no sound. Oh, sorry. How about now? You're good. Am I good now? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So uh, when I was switching from my phone over to the computer here, <clears throat> I had I, I, like the audio cut out. So could you help me understand why Caitlyn Jenner was on screen talking to the other lady on? <laughs> like I missed it. Yeah, I, the I one was, with like, the Fauci throw pillows. It was, it was and... Canadian truckers, and all of a sudden, I saw Caitlyn Jenner on the right side of the screen. I was like, "What?" But I couldn't get the audio plugged in soon enough, so I missed the gist. What For as ugly there? as Caitlyn Jenner is, 
Um, there's an even worse variation of it out there named Whitmer. So oh, uh, that was Gretchen Whitmer. All right, Gretchen, yeah, and that's uh, yeah, governor of Michigan. I get the yeah, the one up. that did the the one that Stephen Crowder uh has rightfully indicted against um, what she did with the nursing homes. It wasn't just New York, by the way, or Pennsylvania. It was also Michigan and the, the order to. Yeah. It's not COVID. fair to get them mixed up because, you know, She's, Caitlin Jenner just killed people with her car. That's, that's where it's Whitmer. And Getting a little cutty. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, uh, you know, she's the one with the Fauci throw pillows. Try as the Fauci candle where he's like, you know, like the church candle looking thing. I don't know. She's got a lot of Fauci paraphernalia around. I know she's a big fan of, of the Fauci, the Fauchster. Hey, now that, now that Christmas is over, is it still cut now? Uh, I bet there's a lot of those Fauci throw pillows and candles uh, that are available for cheap now, you know, overstock. Overstock. <laughs> you know, the ones all made in China alongside the virus. Well, let's try that a little better. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's good. I think. Mm, maybe not. Clip of Patrick, Brett, David and Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Let's go ahead. Yeah. Let's uh, go yeah. while we let's fight the tech gremlins over here in my mute pedal that usually uh, yeah, let's go helps. Me. I, I did pick out the correct timestamp. That'll be luckily. Not like the other one, which I apologize for. All right. Trudeau's, you know, related to Castro because years ago, like, is this, is this a, show the other picture where this other guy posted it. So apparently this is, uh, uh, go to the picture of uh, Fidel, the wife, and the father. So this is a picture of them three. That's his mother. That's him. That's the father. But then you put Justin right next to Castro. Can you go back to the other picture on Twitter? Yeah, that one right there. It looks it, eerily similar. Yeah. Is there any, is this even a conversation in Canada? Has anybody been telling? Because this is written about many, many different places to the point where they tweeted about it and said, no, Castro is not Justin Trudeau's no, father. No, it's a, it's a nasty, it's a nasty bit of innuendo. And I think it's, 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 it's resentment-fueled, fundamentally. Like, in some sense, it's a satirical joke, you know, and mm-hmm. fair enough. But it's, it's not helpful. Look, one of the things that happens if you're a political leader is you're, you're exposed to criticism of all sorts. And, and part of that's to stop your power from degenerating to something approximating mm-hmm. a tyranny. So you, you kind of have to put up with it. This, I would say, is I, w- I wouldn't propagate the idea. Okay. Um, first of all, just it's speculation, clearly. It's mean-spirited speculation uh, on the part in relationship to the behavior of Trudeau's mother. Even if it was true, then, well, what's your point? He's born a communist. That's your point. That's a stupid point. You know, or what he knows that Castro is his father. And so now he's tilting hard towards the left to please him. Well, that's that's not helpful and clueless. Now, Castro died. the Trudeau's in some sense set themselves up for something like this because Trudeau played the senior played footsie with Castro 
in a way that was rather unique in the Western world, and I think that was ill. That was not a good decision. He was less stringent in drawing a line between the left and the radical communist left than he might have been. And so those chickens have come home to roost, in some sense, in terms of this assault on his son. And Justin himself doesn't do a very good job of drawing a distinction between his views and the views of the radical left. And so all of that's mangled around in this satirical attack. But I don't think it's the most effective. Mm-hmm. It's It's got an element of real gossipy innuendo and mean-spiritedness about it that I think overwhelms whatever humorous satire it might also contain. So I mean, they did this with Obama's, uh, you know, when Trump came out and said, $5 million, prove to me your birth certificate, you're born mm-hmm. here. These types of stories yeah. tend to do well, and they tend to go viral. But, you know, th- this is just, when you look at this, it, it's... it's uh, it, it looks a little too uh, too real to, you know, that's why people are giving the credibility. Anyways, we are at the end of the podcast. Jordan, I appreciate you coming out. A couple things. Gank, if you're in Florida, he's performing. He's speaking tonight. Looks a little too real. A little too real. Uncanny resemblance. I mean, there are a lot of people that look like other people in the world, so it is what it is. Uh, yeah, you know. just a little too real. <clears throat> nope. <laughs> what are you gonna do what are you gonna do the guy looks like castro his mom took pictures with castro his dad played footsies with castro but he's yeah, fine so... just justin trudeau <laughs> son of globalist pierre trudeau yeah former prime minister and rothschild buddy is he an oil magnate of some type i mean <clears throat> Trudeau? Uh, no, I don't father, know. But he worked father. with Maurice I'm pretty Strong, sure who was some... the oil magnate for Edmund de Rothschild. Let me bring it up. I thought there was some Headed oil, Agenda 21 connection. for the United Nations uh, so they shoot. can create a global union once and for all. Let's see if I can find that. Yeah, it's I mean, not going to have liberty and justice for all. Yeah, I guess his father is connected to the NEP, the National Energy Program, or something like that, which is a state-owned oil and gas company. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to know more... That was from Reuters Law. Father's energy legacy haunts Canada's Trudeau as he seeks to heal rift with angry Alberta. <laughs> yeah, Look, so, yeah. I got some history blueprint for you. Here's Justin Trudeau. Here's Pierre Trudeau. You could just watch this video. Maurice Strong is dead. And you can learn all about the Trudeaus. Oh, look, look, it's banned from YouTube. James Corbett's Maurice Strong is Dead is no longer on YouTube. But if you were to have, find that video on maybe Odyssey or CorbettReport.com or BitChute, Maurice Strong is Dead, you'd learn about the United Nations and the Earth Charter and Edmund the Rothschild and George Hunt and Justin Trudeau and Maurice Strong and Nelson Rockefeller, Pierre Trudeau and population control and the Rio conference and a whole bunch of stuff. Standard oil, Rockefeller, Clark Rockefeller, UNESCO unsaid. This is all we we had that. We had a, this is all just in a Corbett report video, not just a Corbett report video. I'm just saying he does this all the time. Look at the treasure trove of wisdom that is relevant to the great reset and the Canadian trucking honk honk. You got to know what's going on behind the scenes to understand who is someone like Justin Trudeau and how does he become 
leader of such a, a prominent country at such a young age. Well, he was born into it. He was groomed for it like royalty. They still got royalty on the money up there in Canada? Not to mention uh, World Economic Forum global leaders, young global. But we'll yes, get to that. Is. We'll get to we'll that. Get to that. <clears throat> so, we'll I think to um, it's to expedite it, the... I think we covered the main issue of the mandates. Let me see if there's anything worthwhile in the vaccine section. Oh, there is the HIV. We gotta have to get into this. Cause I know we have to get to that intermission. The intermission is not very long though, which is good. So we can, you having trouble with the thingy. I'm just trying going? to get that switch to work. <clears throat> I'm thinking maybe it got cold and froze along the trip at some point and that the computer chip is like barely making a connection in it whatever however it works there's some wiring techno gremlin in there i will suss it out but i found if i hold my foot on it at this precise angle it seems to work that's a connection i'd have a little guitar equipment you can just open it up and probably yeah. fix the i mean it's not all i'm gonna do that <laughs> right away <laughs> yeah, i can do it right now no i'm just kidding all right so uh freedom it's... convoy still going on they're breaking it up they're taking totalitarian measures to get those trucks. I don't know what they want to do. They want electric trucks. They want driverless trucks. I thought if anything, they, this could be a false truck drivers are pesky, just trucks, like yeah. just like nurses and doctors and teachers. All these other things are pesky for these globalists. So they want automatons and robots to be the layer between Bezos billionaires and the bottom poor people. It's like Elysium. Like those people were like, oh, this is really the idea. And Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and these other, you know, like they, uh, Chris Martinson showed in that video, three billionaires now have more money than like the bottom half of America. Mm -hmm. Income wise. Three American billionaires, I think, to even qualify. Probably. I'm talking about international Probably. billionaires. Not just even international. It was like yeah, one was exactly. Bezos and one was Gates, I think. And I don't know what the third one was, but Yeah. So All right. that doesn't so, put it in context. Trudeau's uh, uh, tyranno tyrannical uh, totalitarianism continues to escalate. We'll see who wins that standoff, how it shakes out. Uh, I think it's like a, a one-time thing though. Like if they don't make it work right now, the government on that side is going to prevent trucks from ever taking over those bridges again. And farm equipment won't be, it'll have limited transit. Like D John Deere will be like, you can't take your tractor that far. Sorry. Dave, you can't do that because it's all or how do they just bring in the digital ID thing where you're not allowed to be get a license for driving a truck unless you've been vaccinated and also can prove you've been vaccinated and also complied with various other recommendations. All those things associated them with, with any right were the things they lost for not getting the vaccine anyway. <laughs> you know, you can't go to America. Guess what? That was the thing with the man. Like, so all those things, like it was so impotent. That whole Trudeauism. I mean, you know, Tucker is right as far as they're losing, but it's going to be interesting. We're sort of like, I think the crescendo, the climax is hit. Now I'm sort of interesting in the denouement, like what's going to, what's going to be the ending or conclusion to this, to this play, this theatrical Freedom! play. I hope so. Hopefully not or getting pulled apart of... like Braveheart though, because that's not the freedom <laughs> we're talking about. The freedom to be pulled apart on the rack by the empire is not what we're talking about here. Talking about freedom from slavery and torture and ruthless interrogations and surveillance by the state, those types of things. Things that America originally was against. And if America didn't have something good going on, the British Empire wouldn't have had to come back in here and corrupt it over a series of 150 plus years. 
starting in the 1800s. Yeah, it started in the, the Battle century. of New Orleans. Well, it yeah. started at 1814 as soon as they had to yep. scurry out of there. Right. <clears throat> and then they went and practiced and the opium the, wars on China for a while. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly And then they right. came back exactly. with economic Oh, well, they wanted to, yeah, there was the economic thing. They wanted to yeah. reinstill, reinstate the British banking system. I mean, there was no real inflation in America until beginning of the 20th century. I wonder what happened there. A lot of competing currencies, you know. Well, you know, the Federal Reserve fixed everything, Tony. <laughs> yeah, that sure. Federal did. Reserve fixed everything. We're, we're good. I fix we're you good. mean just destroyed. keep printing money, keep printing like you know. You see that graph that you pointed like. Yeah, I did. And I understand that graph too. Oh so yeah, yeah. I'm in the group of people who understands that graph and understands. It's like seeing the water go out before a tidal wave comes in. I know to go that way. But there's all screaming about this. They're for... running toward the ocean, chasing it. I'm like, Even <laughs> with Trump. The quantitative easing was absolutely out of control. Even back oh, ever in 2019 since, with the housing market. I mean, well, the, ever they, since the 2008, that's when. Well, 2008 is you know, when it was the progenitor, but even before that, I mean, they, 1972, Bretton Woods yeah, taking us off the, off the gold, gold standard, standard and tying yeah. us to the petrodollar of the Saudis, who later attacked us on 9 11. It also takes us away the from the intelligence who groomed them in the first place. That's correct. What also takes away from Cecil Rhodes' will back in motion because yeah. it was slowed up after the Cold War. It was. That's a good point. It was very much so. Yeah, so that's they about talk the same about time it the that we're government. starting. The Club of Rome is starting their narrative about the climate as well. There's a lot of different thousand points of light. Uh, various that's a George H.W. Bush reference from his September 11th, mm -hmm. 1991 New World Order speech, which he takes right. from H.G. Wells's Wells, yeah. thousand points of light. And there's other nefarious connotations for that. Yes, there are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually a sort of symbolic that goes back to the mystery schools, brotherhood well. of darkness type stuff. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Anyway, the occult no. beliefs of our rulers shouldn't be interesting. We should just go watch the Super Bowl. Last week, show. I was. Do you remember a dude by the name of Andrea Pruherich? We don't have to go into him. Yeah, I got his uh, book. He's a doctor. He worked for Army Intelligence, MK Ultra. He his wrote a book called JFK the, the Magic really Mushroom: weird. Secret to Eternity. Mm -hmm. Something like that. But that yeah. I think I got from Mitch Horowitz, which is the uh, the, um, the called America, whatever it was. Anyways, they're coming to America. All right. So under I'm mixing this, Neil Diamond with uh, James Brown there for those of you playing at home, in case you needed to. Everything's a remix. Together. Indoctrination. Students hold Pfizer Moderna signs while performing safety dance parody. You can dance. That's uh, men without hats, as opposed to men with hats. Uh, do we want to play this clip? This is uh, InfoWars. In. Yeah, LD's got it. Um, I don't know what's. I'm still in uh, that section. Oh, you're in the, the mandates the and lockdowns. I was going to say we I was at the bottom the of that section. before these yeah, other four sections. We're never going to get to. I don't even know if there's a video here. Oh, they see there's a video there. If not, you at least know what happened. There's vaccine oh. and vaccine injuries. Oh, section. this is bad. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is oh. just. Yeah, you want to see video. rats in a cage brainwashing yeah. these these are the people who think they're good so be obedient follow authority and give up your your mind to the board okay. students uh, oh and okay. clip at the bottom of that page i don't think it is actually that one no that's 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 it's the one it's the twitter for some reason you have the same issue i do um it's probably a, it's a block you have a blocker that's why yeah you have to click on the twitter Click on the Twitter. Now I'll take you to the clip. 
I'm just seeing a. Oh, there was not a clip. I, there was a clip earlier. Yeah. Uh, well, there was a clip associated with this. That's All right. Well, but you know, points made. You can go listen to they're, men they're dancing hats, around, talking about five, sing safety yeah. dance. Yeah. <laughs> and imagine uh, the comedy on your own. Uh, let's get down to. <laughs> Uh, there's therapeutic section, COVID-19 section. So masks here's what, because I know we, we have to get to the intermission, but I would we say. We have to get to Joe Rogan breaks the internet. Uh, that one we can kind of skip. I was thinking this week. It's the same. We, we had a long, I mean, we can talk about it. If you want to play a video or two from it. There's the wow. HIV, Pfizer vaccine, vaccine injury. I don't know if we want to get to And also Robert Malone talking about the, who owns Spotify, which is Moderna. I would like the, to hear that. Yeah, so there's. I don't need to hear Chomsky's disappointing stance on Rogan because it sounds like he's squatting. The therapeutics, we should at least get on 15 or 10 minutes of the Pierre Corey, which I'll, the timestamp I have is bigger than that, but I'll make a smaller one. Millions fall for deceptively edited Joe Rogan video. Yep, I saw that one. That's all right, but it's not, doesn't necessarily need to be here. I put a big section for people who are interested because last week we did a whole round table talking just about this whole Rogan issue, which is just, this is just a continual fallout of that. So, yeah, Rumble uh, offered Rogan $100 million. Yeah. John Stewart supports Rogan. It's sort of the uh, standard stuff. What was the get, incendiary? Why do I have Pearson Sharp here? That's a, there was a place to there put was a, Pearson Sharp. Oops. A Russell Brand clip, I think, from earlier today on Bill Gates. And he's he's starting to tie it together a little bit. Yeah, Just a little bit. I don't know talk, what he's reading or what kind of podcasts he listens to, but it's starting to make a little sense in a big picture type of way. I don't know. Is that yeah. something we want to? Yeah, we play that too. I mean, that's is he serious? Is the name of the clip? I don't. I have to put it in. Let me put it in. Is he serious? Or do you want to tie that into the intermission portion? Um, so you talk about the W's. Well, the the vaccine, the beginning of the vaccine section, it's only the first four clips equate to seven minutes. So if we get those on the record, we can move on to whatever. Then the maybe the Pierre Corey for ten minutes, and that's really that. Anything you want after that, I'm totally game for. I would just say for getting on the time capsule. Let's do it on some of this. So I would say LD for the vaccine vaccine injury section play the first three clips and we'll come back and then we'll go to Robert Malone right after that. And the Robert Malone clips a minute, but we'll be rich now with Verizon commentary. But it's an essential minute. It is an essential minute. I sent out the thank you. She just got me the whole episode, but I'll have to go through that later this week. Anyways, so yeah, play the first three and we'll come back. Oops. The Great Reset is all about destabilizing the world and crashing economies. And one of the best ways to protect yourself is... So the cause of death is officially the COVID-19 vaccine-related myocarditis. Myocarditis is how I ruled it. And then the manner of death was ruled as natural. So the vaccine caused that, caused the heart to go into failure, caused um, an infection in the heart. So... It makes it means that it's just of a natural cause. But if it wasn't for the vaccine, he wouldn't have, you know, he wouldn't more than likely wouldn't be passed away right now. Pfizer quietly released an email to their shareholders warning them of bad clinical trial news coming out that they believe is going to hurt the forced injection program. 
Now, we already knew they suppressed the bad clinical data, which is a huge felony crime. We have the whistleblowers, the documents. We already know that the British Medical Journal four months ago came out and said, this is one of the greatest crimes ever. You will discredit vaccines for generations. You need to pull it. But did you ever see that on the news? You try to share that on Instagram or Twitter, your ass is banned. Think of the people that work at Twitter and Facebook committing those crimes to black that out. That's why you see all these folks abandoning ship over there at Facebook, and they should be. Because if you stay part of this now, folks, you are definitely guilty. Maybe you didn't know before if you were an executive at Facebook or Twitter. You do now. People over at Google, and they're just doubling down with the cover-ups, but not Pfizer. Because in their corporate religion of evil, they've got to tell the owners what's really happening. So they just made their 90-plus billion dollars the last year of uh, nightmare-forced medical tyranny, and now... They release, you can read the whole thing on Infowars.com, that's hard news, directly to their shareholders saying, quote, Pfizer quietly adds language warning that unfavorable preclinical or clinical or safety data may impact business. Oh, you mean because for the last year you've been trying to suppress since day one the clinical data in the UK going back 18 months ago and the clinical data here going back 13 months ago, and there's all these hundreds of lawsuits in two different federal courts, and then the appellate court have ordered them to release the documents, and they said no. And the court said release 500 pages. The 500 pages were the first couple weeks in the U.S. alone. A couple thousand deaths directly confirmed, not in VAERS, by the doctors, by Pfizer. Tens of thousands of miscarriages, tens of thousands of heart attacks. So the CDC knew in October of 2020, months before anybody got injected in the U.S., that it's going to cause blood clots, heart attacks, myocarditis, because the top virologist and the top epidemiologist and the top vaccine experts in the world said, we've tried the spike protein before in rat studies and guinea pig studies and mice studies and primate studies, and it kills the majority of them with blood clots and heart attacks and cancer very quickly. Now, humans are tough. We can take on a lot more poison than most animals. That's a little secret about us is we're pretty badass. But we are being hit and hit incredibly hard, ladies and gentlemen. And they all think it's funny. These psycho death cult murderers. I mean, there's a reason the New Zealand prime minister looks like a psychotic vampire. She's a Davos graduate and literally wants human depopulation, she admits publicly. So she wants you to die, but she wants you to live, take this shot. Well, when someone like Bill Gates tells you he wants to depopulate the planet, and when she says she wants to depopulate the planet and attends those events, and now she wants to lock you down and put something in your body, folks, it ain't two plus two, it just is. ...that holds it together and it allows it to stay 100% in that structure that's present on the surface of the virus. The shape of the coronavirus spike protein before the virus meets our cells is what triggers the most protective antibody response. So Keith must make the spike protein in the lab, locking it into exactly the same shape by adding another protein that acts a bit like a clamp. And that protein is a tiny fragment of HIV. ...that holds it together and... Glad that's not the thing that causes AIDS. Let's take a little 
stroll down memory lane, shall we? The year was 2020, and the human race was just shy of a year into a deadly pandemic. The despair that overcame families as they canceled their holiday festivities was balanced by a fresh feeling of hope as the miracle of science had just introduced the world's first coronavirus vaccine. But even miracles come with their own little bugs to work out. And the COVID vaccine came with a very specific bug of its own. The kind of bug that causes AIDS. Just weeks before Christmas, the Australian government made the decision to trash 51 million doses of the COVID vaccine after trial participants returned false positive HIV test results. They stated that the reason for this decision had nothing to do with safety and everything to do with upholding the public's confidence in the new treatment. You see, much of the world in their selective state of amnesia have forgotten these small details of the early pandemic and vaccine rollout, but I haven't. I remember October 2020 when researchers expressed concern that the COVID vaccine could increase the risk of HIV infection, ultimately leading to an increase in infections as vaccines rolled out to vulnerable populations across the world. And I remember all the way back in April 2020 when Luc Montagnier, world-renowned virologist and winner of a 2008 Nobel Prize for his discovery of HIV, warned the world that the novel coronavirus was not of natural origin and that it was manipulated to include sequences from the HIV virus. Now fast forward three years to present day 2022. Billions of vaccines have been administered across the globe. That feeling of hope is thick in the air once again. And on a completely unrelated note, everyone has AIDS. read that for the first time in over a decade, HIV now infects more heterosexuals than homosexuals, a highly virulent variant of HIV is circulating Europe, and even Prince Harry Gingerballs of England is urging everyone to know their status and get tested for HIV. Now I'm not claiming that any of these events are linked, because if the pandemic has taught me anything, it's that confirmation bias is real, and correlation does not equal causation. So there's definitely no connection between any of this and the fact that just two weeks ago, Moderna launched their clinical trial for an HIV vaccine that uses mRNA technology. And it's definitely just a coincidence that Luc Montagnier, that highly regarded virologist who warned about the dangers of an HIV spliced novel coronavirus, died on Tuesday. Thanks so much. <laughs> It's also coincidence that this paper was withdrawn because in January of 2020, uncanny similarity of unique inserts in 2019 NCOV spike protein to HIV-1. And it's published by Cold Spring Harbor Labs. These are the, br the bringers of eugenics to Hitler for World War II to happen. Cold Spring Harbor, Rockefellers, you know, all the old time eugenics population control people, they sponsor research into genetics and such things. This paper was printed. It's still out there. Talks about the ACE2 receptor. <clears throat> There's four unique inserts. These were the claims. It was with, withdrawn, of course, right? Too early in the pandemic. Look at that. That would prevent so much horror later throughout 2020. If information like this were not suppressed, Luke Montagnier's comments were not suppressed. 
But Oxychloroquine uh, was not suppressed. I mean, we could go on and on. And yeah. On. Gary yeah. Mollis, his issues with the PCR test at high cycle thresholds, not suppressed. Right. Well, and we are going to go on and on because I'm about to do this deep dive. We talked a couple weeks ago about the Project Veritas leak from Major uh, Joseph Murphy from the U.S. Marine Corps. He's the DARPA fellow. He's uh, an intellectual working at DARPA with uh, access to many resources. And we had kind of gone over his letter and I found his letter to have some interesting language. So I made a note for later to go ahead and read the source material that he used before he formulated his opinion and wrote it down in this letter to the inspector general regarding the Wuhan Institute of Virology Eco Health Alliance and the origins of the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic and the spike protein and the investigations therein. So what I did was I went back to the August 2021 dump of documents uh, from what was it? Uh, Project Drastic. Mm-hmm. Got these DARPA documents. This is a Eco Health some sort of alliance. like research, some nebulous research group on Twitter and other forums. Yeah. This, so this is a uh, DARPA has a project called preempt. So the defense advanced research projects agency preempt project. This is to keep pandemics from breaking out. And uh, this lead organization, eco health Alliance, they uh, make this project diffuse. This is their application for grant under DARPA's preempt saying they want to do these things. EcoHealth is saying, we want to come play with you. And this involves Duke University, University of North Carolina, Ralph Barrick, Wuhan Institute of Virology, uh, Dr. Shi Zhengli or Zhengli Shi, uh, U.S. Wildlife, World Wildlife Foundation friends there, and a couple other groups. And here you clearly see Peter Daszak, EcoHealth Alliance on the cover page. This is from 2018, kids. All right. This is before. The thing happened. And what happens in this document uh, takes a long time. We're going to have to do like a whole video breakdown, but this is a real piece of evidence. And if you analyze this evidence page by page, as I have done, you can read through. And I don't have time right now in this episode at 2.30 in the morning to go through all 70 pages with you. But what I can do is say I did cover the beginning of it, but I didn't see the later sections that you highlighted. Like this, this we covered, but I didn't go. Yeah. So what I can say is all these source documents we have organized into a folder that Mm -hmm. even if you're not a Grand Theft World listener, you can access the links and the notes for this episode and download these documents, read them for yourselves. What I found were at least four smoking guns in here that lead back to NIH, CIA, MI6, EcoHealth Alliance, Ralph Barrick, Xi Zhengli, uh, Tony Fauci, and a whole bunch of other people who wanted to do gain-of-function, spike protein, chimeras, to get it to attach to human ACE2 receptors, which heretofore bat coronaviruses wouldn't do before they did gain-of-function. And what I'd like to do is be able to scan in this entire document with my notes and highlighting and make that uh, a download as well. But I know that savvy people could just screen capture as I'm flipping through and talking right now. And you'd at least have an idea 
of why you might want to look at the nanoparticles and the aerosolization and the batified mice and the vampire bats, okay? mRNA gene therapy discussions, you know, it's all right there for people who want to read it. <clears throat> like I said, we should do a deep dive video on its own. That's and fascinating. Do this I'm looking at some of you. Right. I only covered the beginning of it to prove the point that DARPA was interested in this type of project. Yes. They, they did. They, that, the, the main point I made three weeks they ago. They asked for it. Yeah. They asked for it and said it's they selectable. It. The key language there, they said it is selectable, but they have some concerns. P3CO. They those... Remember Fauci saying, oh, it's not gain of function. It's P3CO. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. This is the origin of that claim. They're creating a chimeric novel coronavirus. Right the recombination, here. which means they're using H2. multiple different inserts of various other viruses. I mean, and they're letting it go. This through. isn't even a foreign language. It's it's imperfect English. You can understand a chimeric virus that attaches to the human ACE2 receptor because they can't that, get these bats that bat virus because it, it doesn't happen in nature, Tony. Right. That's, That's why right. they got to use seventy six pages to describe how they can use. Uh, their lab to do this. There's the bat. There's the people. They even put it in pictures. So if you're like a fan of Schoolhouse Rock, you could get this. Let's not forget about the Moderna patent patent that the NIH had access to. Um, oh. That ran out in 2019. They needed a pandemic to come forward, and they and Moderna needed a miracle, uh, hail Mary, according to Whitney Webb, if I remember correctly. They Welcome. got Barrick here. We will use novel chimeric polyvalent recombinant proteins in microparticle yeah. encapsulated gels for oral delivery and or virus adjuvenated immune boosting strategies where chimeric recombinant SARS-CoV-S are expressed by raccoon pox virus mm -hmm. at our so, test cave in Yunnan. So it's any sort of respiratory virus, any sort of coronavirus that causes... This was the page, by the way, it talks about the, reducing the spillover risk. Because they're really good at that. Yeah. They also talk about um uh making because they knew they knew um antibodies, uh the monoclonal, monoclonal antibodies. antibodies. Yeah. So they worked on um negating its effects in this concoction that they did, right? They come up with novel nanoparticle delivery systems, aerosol release, chimeric immunogens. More nanoparticles, aerodynamic encapsulated into our aerodynamic MP MPs and nanoparticles. Viral infection models were built. That was in Duke University where they nanoparticles, nanoparticles through the skin, right? That's transdermal, where they enhance the immune response in mice to SARS-CoV spike proteins, and it's transcutaneous. That's the nanoparticles through the skin. That's where I'm getting that from. That's what transcutaneous means. Uh, more aerosol delivery on page 21. And by the time you get to page 22, aerosol, aerosol spray delivery. And then they had this glycerin gel, gel transfer. <laughs> now, this is interesting because they on said the, the bats, they put the stuff in the gel and, the, and through grooming activity from preliminary data, initial trials uh, uh, led to them understanding that through their grooming, the bats would spread it amongst themselves. Well, what's hand sanitizer? Doesn't it have glycerin in it? You got mm -hmm. all these human beings. So if you replace bats in this plan with human beings, you pretty much have what they did. Yep. Well, it also sort of portends to what would come with the mRNA vaccine, the lipid nanoparticle. It's the, it's the delivery for the RNA itself. 
which I'll get into right after you finish because there's an interesting stat news article going back. There's Dazak subcontract USAID. That to me means CIA and MI6. Correct. Right. Correct. Three types of BSL labs: Wuhan Institute of Virology. They had a, a Wuhan Institute of Virology includes BSL two, BSL three, and BSL four laboratories, animal feeding rooms, and other supporting facilities. And if you go to the page before this, it has like a who's who of the suspects. Dazak, Barrick, Zhengli Shi, right? Yep. These are the people who investigated and said there's nothing to see here. It's uh, It came from a wet market, everybody. Here's uh, Dazak with NAIAID. This is Fauci working with Dazak. More Dazak USAID grants. So they were showing their uh, bona fides to get this grant. Here's smoking gun number four. Let me just get into, uh, so you get that on the screen. They wanted to do experimental assays of the SARS-CoV-2 for the jump potential, conduct in vitro testing of chimeric viruses against host cell lines, assess in vivo pathogenesis in ACE2 transgenic mice, Validate results for chimeric viruses with full genome at UNC. Test synthetic modifications. That's just gain of function. To viral spike proteins. Protolytic cleavage. <laughs> Including RBD deletions or something. Cleavage body. sites. Isn't that how they like attach yeah. the HIV to it? Yeah. These are really... I mean, and then when you get to this one, they got the batified mice. You see that? The bat mice model. They call it earlier in this document, it's humanized mice, and they also have batified mice, right? That's they were trying to make a vaccine for the bats. virus is... vectored immune boosting. Hold on, chimeric SARS-CoV-2 spike for immunogens uh, and pox virus vectored immune boosting molecules available for use. Proof of Here's... concept for targeted immune boosting, which is, that would probably be on an, on an adenovirus, which is Dude. what the J&J and AstraZeneca vaccines ultimately end up And what does deliverables mean? That's what they turn in at the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. A chimeric SARS-CoV-S immunogens and pox virus vectored immune-boosting molecules available for use. Yeah. Proof of concept for targeted immune-boosting approach in humanized mice and captive bats. Which, because of Sherry Marks' work, we know delivery. there's video of the mice and the bats in the Wuhan Institute laboratory at the moratorium in 2017 being lifted in 2017, I should say. Task three, develop and assess delivery systems to deploy immune boosting molecules, right? They got all these uh, transcutaneous and nano delivery aerosols. Yep. Aerosolization mechanism. Here we go. DARPA, DARPA, DARPA. This is just page 30. So it goes on for another. What's, you what's know, disturbing is if, if you can think about it like this, what's disturbing about the aerosolization is if you can create a nanoparticle, it's surrounded by a lipid that can survive even for a couple of I mean, minutes. Could you use a uh, peg or tag polyethylene glycol or triethylene glycol and make some sort of lipid nanoparticle like envelope to hold the thing, Tony, could you do that? And if so, what type of toxicity might peg or tag have the, on the immune system of people who take that in well, without food, informed consent? There's cons- there's like commercial grade used in like textile industry and paints and stuff like that. And then there's food grade um, that's used. So you have to dis- you know distinguish between the two. Sure. At low volumes, it wouldn't necessarily have a problem, but it could. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Like it all depends. I mean, one of the big problems with, and let me just read this 
because that actually is a perfect segue here to the little. When you said it all depends. I thought maybe this is the Joe Biden show, and that was the sponsor. Here's a, and again, shout the Senate. She provided me for this because I did not find this. Ego, ambition, and turmoil inside one of biotech's most secretive startups. This is uh, Stefan Bonsell, who recently this week nuked his Twitter account and sold off $10 million worth of shares that he had uh, associated with Moderna. Now, he's been selling off millions of dollars worth of shares over the past couple of years, from my understanding. Now, Moderna is the one that has the mRNA universal vaccine for HIV in the works, right? Correct. And there are the ones that also... I mean, mode RNA, they were one. It used to be a cancer oh. therapy, but then, mm-hmm. then they turned into the COVID thing. Correct. And that's where I do. I mRNA comes in, here. gene therapy. Yeah. So this also, if you want to, people are interested in the history of this, a leap towards humanity, humanity's destruction is the name of the article by Whitney Webb. This was published on June 25th, 2021. She gets into the welcome trust and welcome leap. Yep. Uh, there's Regina Dugan. Uh, very interesting history. And so she, she gets into- Regina. Regina. I know she says Regina, but there's, come on. So she talks about Moderna. Let's see, is this the one with the Hail Mary? Uh, maybe that's another article, but she talks about Moderna needs a Hail Mary. So she has a couple of articles in regards to Moderna and their involvement. And this one wasn't that one, but it still has a lot of good information in it. Nonetheless, oops, we go back here. I type in nano. Okay. This is back in 2016. This is what they're saying here. The choice to prioritize vaccines, let me just take away this, came as a disappointment to many in the company, according to a former manager. The plan had been to radically disrupt the biotech industry, the manager said. So, quote, why would you start with a clinical program that has very limited upsides and lots of competition, end quote? The answer could be the challenge of ensuring drug safety, outsiders said. Delivery, and this goes to what you're just saying, Rich. Delivery, actually getting RNA into cells has long been bedeviled or has long bedeviled the whole field. On their own, RNA molecules have a hard time reaching their targets. They work better if they're wrapped in a delivery mechanism, such as nanoparticles made of lipids. But those nanoparticles can lead to dangerous side effects, especially if a patient has to take repeated doses over months or years. Novartis abandoned the the related realm of RNA interference over concerns about toxicity, as did Merck and Roche. Now, here's the problem with that. One of the big things that Malone has been talking about is the nanolipid particle structure with the luciferase enzyme. Uh, when they witnessed it inside mice, it would go to the ovaries, it'd go to the heart. The ovaries are the big one, the reproductive, the ovaries and the gonads, essentially the reproductive organ, organs of the mice. It would go there and it would cause a whole sort of, a whole host of potential interactions. So when he's he's been talking about the lipid nanoparticle structure, it's not just the spike. People focus too much on the spike, which is a serious problem. That alone is probably what's causing the heart inflammation situations. But the nanolipid particles, when where it ends up in the body, circulating in the body, is also by itself a very, very problematic situation and causing a lot of... So it's not just the spike, it's the nanolipid particles. There's also the fact that... Um, yeah, anyone that might be skeptical of that, just go to NCBI, you type yeah. in mRNA nanoparticle aerosol, and you can read all about it. There's 2,000 results, y'all. Now, actually, going back to this article, interestingly, quote, now as we're going to human trials, it's pretty clear no one else is going to catch us, end quote. This was Kenneth Chine, scientist who are keen scientist who works with Moderna. Moderna's most advanced competitors, CureVac and BioNTech, which is the division that uh, Pfizer markets and creates the vaccine. That's why it's called uh, 
BioNTech. It's like the relationship Comernity. between Rockefeller and IG Farben. Yeah, that's great. That's a great analogy. Pfizer and BioNTech. That's yes. The Nazis. So they have acknowledged the same challenge as mRNA. This goes back to 2016. Each is principally focused on vaccines for infectious disease and cancer, which the companies believe can be attacked with just a few doses of mRNA. And each has already tested its technology on hundreds of patients. So supposedly they already tested this stuff going back to 2016. It acknowledged that these problems exist. Uh, let's see, quote, I would say that mRNA is better suited for diseases where treatment is short duration is sufficiently curative. So the toxicities caused by delivery materials are less likely to occur. So the point here, from, this the is from bio and mRNA. I know, right? Or one of the, yeah. <laughs> And one of yeah, the it, patent it was, holders of the technology. And there were a couple of individuals part of the Ron Johnson roundtable that also highlighted the fact that there are human genetic sequences beyond the HIV, which they also brought up. There's human genetic sequences also part of the mRNA technology that's not being acknowledged by Pfizer or Moderna. So there's the nanolipid particle structure that's essentially the payload or in housing the, or encasing the payload, which would be the RNA the sequence. Yeah. The envelope. It's like the Trojan and then on top of that, you have the the genetic, these genetic sequences that are getting into the cells ribosomes. Now, what happens in the cells ribosomes is that where viruses, that is where viruses replicate in the ribosomes. Very strange. Like all this whole thing is just, well, it's a it's a COVID's been a very educational experience for everybody. Nightmare. So and this goes back to 2016. They recognize these issues. Now going back to 2012, we have the some of those animal models and ADE, but we don't have to talk about that. People well, again, well if I found a rusted out Ford pickup in the woods, I would assume it came from a Ford manufacturer and not the squirrels and beavers and indigenous wildlife and zoological origins of the woods. That's it. <laughs> this is a highly refined mechanized off the shelf BSL four creation of a multinational supranational organization that exists and is slurping up everybody's everything for the past two years. Correct. Correct. And uh, just looking at some of the, some of the chat. Yeah. I mean, one of the issues with synthetic DNA is that the reverse transcriptase can actually then permanently rewrite your cells DNA. Once it goes through the reversing process and turns itself into DNA. And that's another concern that was brought up during the roundtable Ron Johnson had with a bunch of different doctors, virologists, epidemiologists, so forth and so on. So there's a lot of serious concern and we're just in the beginning of, of this, the even fringe, if the mandates, the fringe epidemiologist of Oxford, Harvard, and Stanford. Yeah. Jay Bhattacharya and the other two, I always forget, but yes, that's correct. <laughs> fringe. That's fringe just Francis Collins ease for, ah, the guy's smart enough to catch us. <laughs> that's right call them fringe call them racist call them white supremacists uh what's the other one they like to use i mean institutionalized racism yeah british empire systemic Next racism. question systemic racism i think that's still british empire uh what was the other one they like to throw around guess what the origin is going to be not the people have been blamed for it like there are these things going on out there but it's not um, it's not people who are following the constitutional law of America, working hard, tilling their own land, not stealing from others, helping their neighbors. You know, it's not right. it's not that ideal that is shaping the world. It's the ideal of Cecil Rhodes and uh, other pragmatic people who think that truth and justice is what strong people say it is, instead of yeah. you know that being which is uncontradictory with reality. Yep, all well said. 
And whether whether it talks in or vice, you, you know, always get these comments. The the point is, you don't need the type of bioweapon that's going to kill millions of people. You just have to get people to march in lockstep to one solution. That solution, there is one universal solution. They don't. They didn't need the bioweapon to kill millions of millions. It actually could disrupt uh, the elites in a in a way that they they, they wouldn't want to be sort of uh, put out. Let's, let's so to speak. Yeah, I mean, um, you guys, you guys can this argue is actually viruses and toxins all you want, but the people you're playing with have things on the shelf like Ebola, Reston. You know that movie Outbreak where they almost had to nuke a town, like firebomb a town. Mm-hmm. That's based on the Ebola Reston virus. It's not Ebola Marburg. It's not naturally occurring. These are off the shelf Fort Detrick, yeah. you know, porting down type of creations, right. and they are real horrific weapons of war the likes of which the united like the united states has not seen since mustard gas and chemical weapons of world war one trench warfare also created by the same coterie of people whose legacy people in future generations it's multi-generational game they're playing are commandeering today it's the right. same right. continuity no, so, you need to release something. That's the point I'm trying to, like, they're trying to say there's no, no, they they didn't create I've, these things to create peace. Yeah, Let me correct. And they don't spend billions, arguably trillions. If you look at the totality of this, these investments and all these BSL four laboratories, not to produce they make something. VX gas and you other call things it a that like melt people. Something like, and I think Richard Fleming had the best, this might have been the most perfect bioweapon because it was just deadly enough to scare people, especially the Delta wave, but it wasn't bad enough to cause a sort of a complete breakdown of society and the logistics of society. So what it did was it got people to march in lockstep. Let's remember the Milken Institute in 2019. Patents run up. There's a Vaccine Modernization Act. They need to get this technology out there. Whitney Webb is talking about the Hail Mary that Moderna needs because they're going to go under. And BioNTech, by the way, was their division for mRNA research was also going under. So it wasn't yeah. just Moderna, it was also BioNTech. And there's a couple other companies that were researching this. They needed the miracle to happen. And well, sure it was also as hell, the they Trump got one. Executive order September 2019 on vaccines right. that That's put right. in that tax task force, you know. And he he's not someone I think who is informed on that. He just, you know, scribbles right. what he does so he can go play golf or whatever. And even but if you say the people Fleming's- around him were cunning enough to, you know, get that through. So that's, that's, that's wrong. It's been isolated many times. And one of the problems is there's narratives. If Fleming's work is incorrect, you could also say the people arguing against the isolation is incorrect. That's a very mis, it's would, a unfortunate misunderstanding. It, it was of made gen- on the computer in the first place. Well, the bigger the issue is people don't understand genetic science and bioinformatics. And there's an unfortunate narrative that's been promoted out there. Um, and there's systematic debunkings that it's hard to find these because you're not finding them from the mainstream, but there's actual other virologists, geneticists that don't have a wide variety to get a large audience to get the information out there. But, uh, unfortunately not only has it been isolated, uh, microbiologists have been able to observe it. And on top of that, we have unique genetic structure on top of understanding all genetic structure of biological organisms, part of the phylogenetic tree. And it's just, it's distinguished from other viruses. So, I mean, well, there's systematic debunking, debunking when they of... did this document. This is CRISPR, right? This is, this is the end of That's January recombinant, I think, rather than CRISPR. CRISPR is a little different. Well, that might have been CRISPR, actually. You're right. I'm sorry. That's the HIV one. Right. Here's the like, actual. the problem is, like, what happens is science has become so complex 
that it takes specialists to understand how these things work. But the way genetics works is like information. And so the way we do information transfer through computers is actually very similar to the way genetics works. So you only need a very specific small code of DNA that is truly unique to all the other biological organisms that exist. And I can get into the details of that maybe on the town hall. Now, Thomas Cowan, Kaufman are not good examples of this. They repeat the same tired bromines and they're very much incorrect about bioinformatics and genetics. So I'm sort of, I've gone into this in detail in the past and I've actually done podcasts on this. So I'm not going down that road. You know, it's interesting not. in this paper here, because it says these proteins are critical for viruses to identify and latch onto their host cells. So it seems like this HIV insert was necessary for them to get uh, ACE2 receptor binding areas. going. Anyway, it's withdrawn. I shouldn't look at it at all because I'm sure there's nothing fortuitous in a paper like this that uh, is a snapshot of what was known very early in the pandemic before millions of people died without early treatment for two years. Right. And then recent inserts of HIV being recognized. Sure, there's nothing. There's a reason, you know, we have to stop acting like these sciences aren't very well established and aren't sophisticated. I talked about the the miracles of genetic science in regards when we show what was that video, um, that movie, uh, Gattaca. You know, when we talked about um, the individual that had essentially a engineered baby in order to save this other child's life. Like these technologies are very sophisticated and so is genetic science. We should stop acting like it's not. So not like Gore Vidal. And there's uh, a reason why they spend with honors, million, billions he plays of dollars history in teacher. this BSL for laboratories. Let me put it that way. And Gattaca where he's like, uh, let me just portray Julian Huxley's wet dream of how the future works as a way of breaking that narrative before it formulates. Unfortunately, a lot of people saw Gattaca and were like, yeah, that's what we want. I'm like, oh man. Uh, let's start the intermission with the uh, Tim Dillon interview with Joe Rogan talking about the, the people running the show, talking at a high level about the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, and the coterie of a thousand billion dollar companies planning your life for collectivism in the future. Did that give you enough time, LD, to get to that clip? Uh, it's in the intermission, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. should be like the second we have left. Just uh, roll that. Roll it up. Let's see what they're smoking over there. It's, um, it's awesome. definitely complex, and it's moving in the wrong direction. Right. You know, I've been paying attention to uh, these companies that are buying up affordable housing. Yeah. Have you like BlackRock and Zillow. Yeah, that's scary. It is scary. That's scary because if they can move the entire country into renting, like that's no, right, nobody can own anything. Well, that's what they want to do. Right, that's what I'm saying. They if don't want get, anyone to own anything. If you get a, a giant majority of the population that are just renters that don't ever own property, they never have their own real, real home. Yeah, and then you make sure that you control their wage because you have massive corporations, whether it's Target or right. Amazon or whatever, and they limit the amount of possible growth you have within a company. Yeah, and there was that article. You own nothing and be happy yes, in 2030. That. that is wild. And this is, you know, kind of, you know, when you look at a lot of these think tanks and, you know, groups of very powerful interests, when you look at the kind of world they want, they would like to get rid of things like car ownership. Yes, I've been seeing that too. They want to get rid of home ownership. Yeah. They want people to all be on the grid in a major way. They want 
surveillance, you know, cradle to grave, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Social credit systems. Yeah, and the only thing it's left to do seems to be to, to get in with them. (laughs) <laughs> so that when they're doing this to everyone, you're with them. Yeah, you're on the right side of the place it, of glass. Because here's the problem. People are marching into this willingly. Yeah. They're like marching into it. It's like my aunt or the other aunt. Like People, as long as their team wins, they don't really care what rights they lose and what things end up looking like. Yeah, they don't. There's a lot of people that don't. They And they're so tribal that if... The right-wing people want something, they want the opposite of that, even if it kills them. And so I think that there's a lot of exaggerated positions by people that take up these really, like, amplified right-wing positions, and it's probably, like, Russian trolls right. or, or Chinese trolls or something right. like that. And they take up these positions which force the people on the left to get even more crazy yeah. with their Marxist ideas and right. leftist ideas. They and turn it up. They're being played. They turn it up. And very few people are autonomous. Right. Very few people have their own like well, we're also a silly country now so we have kids in the suburbs calling themselves Maoists yeah unironically unironically in these leafy green suburbs <laughs> and then we have the alt-right and it's the same kids and they want a, re- a return to the Holy Roman Empire <laughs> and these are children running around the suburbs yeah. that are online all day yep. venerating these genocidal dictators and going this is a good idea yeah it's it's a silly country, and there's a lot of problems. And you know, one of the first indications that I saw that this was coming was when comics stopped doing colleges. Interesting, yeah. Because as soon as comics, you lose the younger yeah. people, yeah, the comics are like, dude, they're too fucking politically correct. It's right, too, it's too annoying. I don't want to do this. They don't have any world experience, and their 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 ideas right. are preposterous, and you know they don't want. Any, they, they they're like the first to say no one should own property. They're right. the first to say that absolutely, you know, that we need a redistribution of wealth, right? And we need which a little bit of is good, but well, that you like don't want all of it income because equality. then why make money? Income equality is a crazy statement, of course. Because should people make more money? Yes, yes, they definitely should. Sure. If you look at a corporation that's making fucking untold billions of yeah. dollars, and then you go down to the bottom of the chain, and people are in dire poverty, that yeah. are Working for that company, and that company is benefiting substantially it's more crazy. than that person's. The getting. balance is yeah. way the off. The ba- balance is way off, and those people have no leverage. Yes, that's where unions come into play. Right. That's why it's important. It's like, to but organize. that's why Jeff Bezos recently with Amazon, like he's taking the photos with the girl. Yeah, he, he's enjoying it. At least the Amazon employees, even though they don't have food or healthcare, can look at him and go, "He's having fun." Do you, do you know what him. I mean? Yeah. Whereas a Warren Buffett, he's just in Omaha having sex with kids quietly and worshiping Satan. Is that what he's doing? Uh, come on, who, who lives in Omaha? But he has a billion a, dollars. He drinks a lot of Coca-Cola. He's got $100 billion. He lives in Omaha. Why? Because he likes... He like, lives in a small house. He says he likes Dairy Queen. Let's cut it out. But <laughs> Bezos, at least, he's on a raft with these whores <laughs> in the middle of the ocean. At least that inspires I think people. It's his girlfriend. I think it's actually his girlfriend. Yeah. She's really pretty. She's pretty in an interesting way. Kind what of, does that mean? There's a, a shapeliness to her that's she seems threatening. Like an animal. She looks like an agent. Ah. Kind of like somebody that would play an agent in a in a in a movie, which is interesting because she, she probably is an agent in real life. Well, she's a Mossad agent or something. Dated a lot of other people. She's had yeah. children. I think she's American. Well, God bless her. And she's making good choices. <laughs> I always tell women, if you can, marry a, a billionaire, right? Marry it's a good a, move. 
marry a wealthy dude. Hang in there for a couple of years. The and it's best way better life than working at is to marry someone who will, who they make money by destroying themselves while you enjoy it, mm. which is many relationships that I know. A woman will enjoy the fruits of a man's labor. He will destroy himself. And she will kind of enjoy the money, right? But Bill Bezos, I believe, is retired. <coughs> well, in, he stepped down as a CEO, but it's right? kind of like Putin, right? Where they oh, never really stepped down. Interesting. But my my thing is like, when you have a country that's this silly, yeah, where comedy specials are people coming out making serious points, you have late night uh, hosts crying, you have you know the girl. Who threatened her mother on Dr. Phil is a legitimate star, right? Bad baby. Remember right. that woman? Oh, yeah. She threatened to kill her mother on TV. She's a star now. She has massive Instagram following. Massive, massive. Where does this go, right? Pictures of apes are selling for the cost of a Lamborghini. <laughs> Our last president was the guy who hosted The Apprentice, and on his last day of office, a mob of lunatics ran into the Capitol to take selfies with fucking wigs on. <laughs> it looked like a sketch I would do. Like, it really is. We're we're in like a fucking weird movie. Do you remember when you were a kid yeah. and you would hear about the last days of the Roman Empire? Yes. Where they were just like eating till they couldn't take anymore <laughs> yeah. and then shoving a feather in their mouth and yes. throwing up and yeah. fucking everybody. Yes. That's us. And it's... This when it's that playing like it. that, it sounds good. It it's doesn't sound that bad. But it is. it is... Funny as a comedian, when you when you step back and you go like, this is really, really crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff, and the problem is I don't see a good ending. Because if no. we fall in... The, the, the other problem is we have to compete with China. And right. China has this amazing ability to control their population through propaganda and intimidation and... You know, total censorship, which we're like moving in that kind of general direction, right. which is really scary because the the one way we may be able to compete with China is to become more like China. Because otherwise, like they're so they're so integrated, <clears throat> their um, their government and their business is inexorable. They're connected. You cannot have a corporation where the government's not involved. Right. So the government makes decisions with the corporations that benefit the government and benefit the Chinese Communist Party, benefit the country in right. general. And we're on that path too. Yeah. It with seems military like it. industrial contractors, yeah. pharma companies that kind of killed the Obama health care bill. They went in and rewrote that and they were mm -hmm. like, We don't want this. All their lobbyists had a lot of influence on that. It I mean, it's strange to to really conceive of it as a reality, as opposed to just a joke or a, um, you know, kind of a cynical aside, it actually does seem that we're in a stage of decline yeah. that's somewhat irreversible. Yeah, and it does. It's, it's, it's hard not to be depressed. Have you... Hey, Tony, we're going to play the, the New World next week. Is that it? Yes, please. Yeah, just go, yeah, just go down in order there, whatever's there. Or just go, whatever. Let's see here. Yeah, yeah, play that. Then the, you can play the Jason Burns stuff. .com. We want to obtain information that will help us decide 
what equipment and procedures will be needed. We've got that story. Plus, Fauci, you're still killing us. But first, World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders revealed this from technocracy.news. Through its Young Global Leaders program, the World Economic Forum has been instrumental in shaping world order that undermines all democratic principles. For several decades, the program has nurtured compliant leaders acting as WEF agents in governments around the world. Those consequences are far-reaching and devastating for humanity. And I have to say, um, when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau, and I know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of uh, half of this cabinet, are for our actually young global leaders of the world. Economy. Right. In 1992. Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum launched a program initially called Global Leaders of Tomorrow. In 2004, this program was turned into the Forum for Young Global Leaders, which Patrick Wood covers in his book, The Global Coup d'Etat. It's a five-year program of indoctrination into WEF principles and goals. The aim was and is to find suitable future leaders for the emerging globalist society. The program has since in its inception included politicians, business leaders, royalty, journalists, performers, and other cultural influencers who have excelled in their fields but have not yet turned 40 years of age, originally 43, in order to include New World Order Merkel. It has since grown into an extensive global network of dedicated leaders with enormous resources and influence, all working to implement the technocratic plans of the World Economic Forum in their respective nations and fields. The network creates a force for worldwide influence through the combination of the individual skills and resources of its members, aka nepotism, trust funds, those sorts of things. As Klaus Schwab said in the introductory quote, it's become very successful. Already in its first year, 1992, a number of highly influential candidates were elected. Among 200 selected were global profiles such as the aforementioned Angela Merkel, Tony Blyer, Nicholas Sarkozy, Dr. Bill Gates, U2's Bono, Richard Branson of Virgin, Yorma Alia from Shell Oil, and Barroso, of course, president of the European Commission. The more recent examples of influential young global leaders, it's basically round up the usual suspects, James. There's a little bit of me that was like, oh, I'm excited to see who all these names are. I, I recognize all these names. They're already scumbags on the world stage. The cowering Kiwi, Jacinda Arden from, Prime, from, from New Zealand, uh, groomed by his teacher and then married her, Emmanuel Macron, president of France, Ida Aachen, MP and former minister of environment for Denmark, course, author of the infamous article, Welcome to 2030, I Own Nothing, Have No Privacy, and Life Has Never Been Better. We charity scamster, Christia Freeland, Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance for Canada. And of course, family friend to the Huxleys, Leonardo DiCaprio, actor and climate activist. You guys wait till he starts making movies based on Huxley's instruction manuals. They've been playing around with it for a decade. 
Then, of course, Jack Ma, Alibaba, Larry Page from Google, David DeRothschild. He's an adventurer, James, and an environmentalist. Jimmy Whale of Wikipedia, Nicholas Zinstrom of Skype, and, of course, Zuckerberg of Fedbook. They are surely to be trusted since, for example, David Roy Thompson, chairman of the Thompson Reuters Corporation, is an alumni of Global Leaders of Tomorrow, class of 1993. James? You know what, James? I think there. Uh, th- this is sort of a line in the sand. So I get that people have a difficult time understanding the idea of a global conspiracy. How does that work? What is that? You're crazy. I get that that is really mind-blowing for people, certainly the first time they encounter it. But let's let's put this line in the sand. If you know about the World Economic Forum Global Young, Young Global Leaders Program and the people that have been involved in it and what it's done and what it's accomplished and all of these spokes that go off of the World Economic Forum hub. If you know about that and you still say, oh, conspiracy theory, uh, then I I don't even want to waste breath talking to you at this point. Um, This is, this is undoubtedly in it, it, just there. You don't even have to scratch the surface of it. This is the transnational clique of would-be elitists, and this is how this type of thing functions. Is it some sort of top-down, here's the person sitting at the table giving everyone their marching orders? No, but so many of these people who get into positions of power and influence in all different parts of the globe have all gone through this same program, and they all know each other. They're all, it's almost like, it's a big club and you ain't in it. This is it, in a nutshell. So, we do not have to go out on limbs to understand this global conspiracy. How could something like this possibly function? This is it. And so, uh, anyway, I know we're preaching to the choir with our audience, but... You can find more of that fine work at CorbettReport.com and MediaMonarchy.com. And uh, LD, if you just cut back to me for a minute, I got a message here for Pilato. I got a hat tip here to James Pilato because I recognize that t-shirt. I'm part of the control group. I too have that t-shirt. It's upstairs. I just brought it back from vacation. I unpacked it. It's on a shelf upstairs. Uh, LD, do you have a picture of where people can get that? Uh, I'm part of the control group t-shirt. And I also, while you're finding that. I do. One of yes. the, also he mentioned David de Rothschild. I have here a rare artifact the Live Earth Global Warming Survival Handbook by David de Rothschild. Yes, uh, he's related to the same Rothschilds we've been talking about for the past five hours. Nothing to see there, folks. Don't don't read into it. Climate Jesus. Eh? Climate Jesus. Yes. Uh, that fine T-shirt that James wore so well is at freedomunitedrevolt.com. And uh, he gave me a nice, a nice thank you, a nice shout-out at the end of that video. And pointed out the fact that he wore the women's shirt the week before. And uh, I I don't know how that got confused, but I sent one for Cassie and one for him. But, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it's a subtle message, uh, just like most of those shirts that you have on the site. Uh, The shirt I'm wearing tonight, it says something like, since 1776. It's like, there's a number. There you go. It's not from that store. It's from a different store. But uh, I, I like the idea of T-shirt activism. Uh, as you guys know, Luke Radowski, he's got a T-shirt store, too. 
I think that's an essential part of the the freedom movement is just getting the truth out there as people read, you know, it's a, you're walking billboard. Why be a billboard for Nike or Reebok or some other slave factory out there when you can represent uh, with some Liberty threads, whether it's from, uh, you know, the LD uh, GTW store or bestpoliticalshirts.com or mediamonarchy.com. Corbett needs uh, t-shirts. I think he'd have a thriving t-shirt business. Maybe we should talk to him. Uh, they, they, uh, uh, James and Cassie handle that at newworldnextweek.com. All right. Actually. So I'm going to have to go over there and get some swag. Yeah, they're uh, yeah. sold out at the moment, but uh, they'll be back at some point. I think they're, yeah, they're having an, a, an issue with the printer. But yeah. Can you also get the Danny Casalero? Do they have that over there? The they octopus? Do. The octopus, octopus radio play is uh, available there, and uh, some of the Corbett DVDs, 9-11 Trillions, Who is Bill Gates, How and Why Big Oil Conquered the World, and Century of Enslavement, newworldnextweek.com. I didn't know uh, Corbett had DVDs. So now I got uh, stuff I can buy over there. I want those for my library because as you guys know, things on the interwebs, they've been getting censored, deep sixed, all sorts of things. So you might want to have hard copies. Uh, good for him for getting DVDs out because that's a way to proliferate this information into the future, future, future. All right. So the last clip in this uh, intermission, let's go to the Jason Burmis transhumanism. Because I think it helps to uh, tie it all together. You agree, Tony? Yeah, yeah, that's good. And then afterwards, talking about we'll see how far we get. Dennis Bushnell. Yeah, yeah, Dennis Bushnell. <laughs> Thank God Which for Burmis. Like you know, you can't Dennis you Bushnell. can't drive in this stake into the heart of the vampire with just one you know strike. So he that just was, says, Dennis Bushnell, Bushnell, DARPA. Here it is, early two thousand. You know, it's twenty year old presentation. He actually shows like a clips of a clip of him talking in another context. So even more oh, cool. Dennis Bushnell. Yeah, it's interesting. Hey, if you took Bushnell and you can like uh compare it and compatible like uh synergize it with uh stuart umpleby's oh, second God. level cybernetics yeah you'd have the whole picture because it's like they Boy. wanted to do it and then bushnell's like here's how we're going to do it in the future so you connect the two together it's how also they that. destroy freedom with our tax dollars that's a good session yeah. All right, let's go to the Burmis clip. He's been doing a lot of fine work, a lot of good reporting. Uh, I also liked the one he did with John Fitch. That was really good, but we're going to play this one on transhumanism and Pompeo. Be right back. Hey, everybody, Jason Burmis here. And what I'm going to show you right now is a clip of my interview with Clay Clark, which has about another 20 minutes or so over at the Rockfin. And there are just certain things we can't talk about on this platform anymore. But to give what we start talking about a little context, we're talking transhumanism and really the fourth industrial revolution agenda and how it's been around for a while. And, you know, Clay is notoriously a conservative and has a lot of right wing people on his tour. But I look at this as an opportunity to reach people. And in talking about that, prior to the clip we're about to play, I discuss how Charlie Kirk actually discussed transhumanism in a very articulate manner recently. And so to give this clip context, I'm going to actually 
put the Charlie clip, uh, the uh, Charlie Kirk clip in there, and then let you decide where we go from there. And I want to thank Clay so much for where this goes. So, folks, without further ado, here's the video. I believe, and this is to go a level deeper, but you guys are smart, you'll get it. The transgender movement actually matters even more than biomedical fascism, and they actually are together. Because the transgender movement is an introductory phase to get you to strip yourself of your humanity to mesh with machines. It's called transhumanism. They want you to say, okay, well, I can choose any gender. Why can't I just have like an exoskeleton of some sort of machine around me? This is what meta is about, the metaverse, kids staring at screens all day long. This is documented, this is proven, this is where Silicon Valley is going. This is why they're so insistent on this transgender thing, because if you stop being a man, then maybe you can stop being a human being. Maybe you can kind of just plug into some sort of machine. This is where their control, their profit motive is coming down the stream. There's a ton of literature about this. I'm, by, I'm far from the first person to comment on it, but I'm just kind of connecting the dots for all of you. Like, what is the agenda here? Well, the agenda is kind of like Ready Player One meets Inception, where you kind of just hook up to a machine all day long and you're controlled by five companies that control your thoughts and your feelings, and the real world actually ends up being the not real world, where everyone just kind of wears goggles all day long. That's the deeper significance of the transgender movement that no one wants to talk about, David. Well, I want to—I just want to—I want to point out something about your show that's very interesting. Okay, yes. is Charlie Kirk, who I've met mm -hmm. uh, in person now. What happens is—is is Charlie Kirk uh, is very good at explaining the United States Constitution in a succinct way and educating young people about the importance of getting involved. Right? Sure. So what happens sure. is—is is that uh, pools of dollars, pools of revenue, gets thrown at some of these people. And when money gets thrown at these people, um, and I can't speak to Charlie's situation. I'm just telling you what happens. This is, this is how it happens, okay? Somebody who has some talent, some skill, some momentum, whatever, pools of dollars get thrown at them, and they say, we love what you're saying. We just don't want you to talk about this. Uh, and you that's why, listen, this, you can't take the golden this. handcuffs, brother. Listen, I think what? you're, again, what you've been able to do is you actually do let a wide array of voices um, you know, there were a wide array of voices, some that I agreed with, some that I did not, but I was very happy to see a multitude of presentations. I was so happy to see Ian, the gym owner there, and it, it's it, it opens people up. And the thing is that I, I don't think this is about left or right. It's about being human beings, right? You want to reach out to your neighbor. You want to say, look, I have more in common with you than these other people that are promoting this very real agenda. Look it up, up in Canada, a nation of 38 million people right now are rising up and finally saying enough is enough with these mandates. I'm hoping that's what we're going towards is towards humanity. But you have these bureaucrats that nobody knows about that have yep. um, this unlimited uh, budget over decades to utilize this technology. And right now we're seeing it become a reality. And for instance, let me let me let me challenge you here, Clay. <laughs> I, love, I love you. This is awesome. One of the one of the um, big saviors right now that I see in a lot of I guess right wing type of media. And look, I I, ho I hosted the fourth hour of the Alex Jones show yesterday. I'm hosting his show on Sunday. You know, yep. it's not like I, I'm opposed to conservative ideals. In fact, you know, I'm very much about the family unit and accountability and financial yep. stability and all those things and, and true capitalism. But for instance, Elon Musk, you know, they're like the, the next kind of not real smear on Musk is going to be that he subjugated monkeys to extreme suffering for Neuralink, right? And for those that don't know what Neuralink in is, it's really 50-year-old DARPA tech, okay? Dude, it's, it's some frightening stuff. Frightening. It, all right, so Bushnell, in that speech, tells you in 2011, they've already put 
10,000 brain chips in people. 10,000. Oh, come on. Uh, let's play it because we because because we're going to have to play it. Um, let's go to man. There's just so much of it, but let's start it at 404 for you. Okay. Cause this will tell you where he tells you basically all of employment is going to be taken over by the robots in 2020 to 2030. And there's nothing they can't do. And we don't know what humans are going to do. So thank you, Bushnell. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So let's see, let's get there. He's, he's a very, and he's still in, he still has this position. It would take 120 years to terraform wire ourselves up. Uh, in terms of employment, just as an example, uh, we are in a jobless economic recovery. There's about 7 million jobs missing. Some of them were globalized and offshore, about a third. The rest of them are gone. Uh, the code word is productivity improvement, which is a code word for ever better automation and robotization. Uh, if you look at the way the robots are going, uh, human-level machine intelligence from the IBM Brain Project is now about 10 to 15 years out. Via biomimetics, where they've nanosectioned the neocortex and they're replicating in silicon, okay? And they're, they're having great success at all of this. So this is not soft computing, this is via biomimetics. Uh, we have looked 20, 30 years out with the way robotics and automation and machine intelligence is going at, at what jobs the machines cannot do. The answer is none. Uh, we thought we need human touch labor in nursing homes for a while, but the Japanese two years ago put robots in nursing homes and patients like them much better than the humans. <laughs> uh, now think about that uncomfortable la laughter right there. And, th and the uh -huh, truth uh -huh. is, yeah that they're actually using now crypto. I went over this on Alex Jones yesterday. Cardano is being used with Grace the robot, which is the cousin of Sophia, the other AI robot that's the citizen of Saudi Arabia. And they already instituted uh, through, I believe, Australia and China, Grace the robot uh, in this COVID-1984 nightmare to keep them away from humans. So these robots are already in play across the world. It gets better. Again, this is 2011, 10 years after the document. Come on, you're sick. The, 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 the machines are creating wealth within the structures of the ecosystem uh, capability. The machines are reducing costs, okay, producing wealth, but uh, the humans increasingly can't compete. Uh, I have a friend, Steve Thaler, who has developed an imagination machine. Okay, which uh, is a neural net which he trains and deprives of all rational input, and this neural net sits there and dreams like people dream, producing new ideas 24 7, 365 on milliwatts. And he has a, a, a chronic neural net sitting in the weeds, recording all of these new ideas and checking them out for various problems and metrics. This thing has produced better toothpaste for Palm Island. It has produced better warheads for the Air Force. And it produces far more ideas, far faster and cheaper than buildings full of people. Okay? So uh, along with all of the other jobs which, which the machines are, and you know, I've got charts on this, okay? I, I have tracked which jobs, which have, have gone, which ones have, have come in. There's a magnificent book on this called Martin, by Martin Ford, it's called Lights in the Tunnel. Okay? And if you can sleep well after reading that book, okay, then you're not quite as sensitive as maybe I thought you were. <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, you know, what people will do all day is not clear. Uh, what we're doing 
with these, uh, this is only one of the seven, okay, is that the machines are taking the jobs and the humans increasingly can't compete. Uh, we're also becoming cyborgs, okay? We have uh, uh, copy implants, artificial retinas, artificial hearts, direct brain to prosthetic limb communication, brain chips. We put brain chips into about 10,000 people. It affects congenitally defective brains. Doctors working on brain chips or super soldiers. 15, 20 years out, if you don't have a latest chip in, you can't compete, particularly with the machines. Okay? So we are merging with the machines. Okay? That, that there's some really massive effects of the IT bio, nano, quantum energetics tech revolutions that are now on a double exponential. So again, that's is this guy just a psycho. What's his background? Is he just is he did he does he pray to Satan every morning? What's his what's his deal? He came up in the Apollo uh, years, um, and then he became the head of this. And what people don't understand is only about twenty percent of what NASA does is space exploration. Um, they're with NOAA. They uh, promote the climate change agenda in order to, again, in fact, in this same video, and I'll send you, this is just the clip. It's an, You should watch the whole hour, but it's, he talks about Malthus 101. They, he also talks about instituting population control that will change everything. And you notice he said that productivity and innovation was really a code word for automation and the robot takeover. I have a question, I have a question for you. I have a sure. question for you. So when a guy like Jim Bridenstine, you know, takes over as the administrator of NASA, you know, from Oklahoma, congressional from Tulsa's first congressional district, he gets appointed by Trump mm -hmm. to head up NASA in 2018. What is that person doing and how do they interact with a guy like Bushnell? He's a bureaucrat and Bushnell basically gives him updates on what the budgets of programs are and the baselines of what are happening. Not the reality of where these things have been born classified post-World War II. So another thing that Bushnell has done for many years is he heads up the Jason scientists. Now, oddly, the Jason scientist is not an acronym for anything, but basically they recruit uh, the best minds from academia that they can these guys all sign NDAs, and they go get to play with some wonderful toys that DARPA has developed and others, and um, they kind of have a powwow uh, once a year. And you can actually watch, there's, there's one video of uh, Bushnell interacting with the Jason scientists. I went as deep as I could on this guy, because this I was is just... Great. Yeah, I was I was just stunned at the admissions, and especially. Great, as in your research is great. Your research is great. This is not great, but your research is great. Well, again, this is the reality of things. So, you know, a lot of us, for instance, we see somebody uh, like Mike Pompeo, right? And Mike Pompeo, very much. It's not like I trust Mike Pompeo. He literally it was on television at one point, going, "We lied, we cheated, we stole. We had entire courses on it, right?" He's definitely somebody that's involved in that network. Is he really heading up intelligence? I, I look to somebody like Senior Bush. I've done documentaries. And that was a mover and shaker, man. <laughs> he was somebody who was very, very much involved. But really, when you think that he was just the head of the CIA out of nowhere, he had a, a generational relationship via his father and then himself with that organization that's often not discussed. So, you know, wow. these networks, are, I, I would say... They rely on hyper nepotism and as well as the compartmentalization that they kind of uh, perfected via World War II in the Manhattan Project. And then again, I, I can't recommend Annie Jacobson's work enough because it is so well researched and so well sourced. And it takes you along that post-World War II line where you realize, wow, 
ARPA, which became DARPA, the Advanced Research Projects Agency of the Pentagon, NASA, the CIA, um, and even Area 51 in these um, black buildings all come up post-World War II with the Nazis that we took when we found their underground bases. And there biochemical experiments. A lot of those experiments that were happening on people were actually vaccine experiments because they wanted to utilize their bio-warfare, but they didn't want to do so where they would jeopardize their own pop population, so they needed a vaccine. <laughs> Clay, let's listen. Let's what? talk about this thing you got coming up because we're going to broadcast it here. Um, yeah, no, this is the, the reason why we do these events. I'm telling you, I'm sitting there. I'll, I'll go and introduce the next speaker, and I'm taking notes the whole time. I mean, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm taking notes because I'm getting the whole purpose. Of what, what I feel like my role is in this is to bring together thousands of people. So we have 18 tickets left now for Ohio. That's February 18th and 19th. You can get your tickets by going to timetofreeamerica.com. You can name your price. Uh, March, we're just under 300 tickets left for sunny San Diego in March. Oregon in uh, April, we have seven tickets left. Seven tickets left. And then we're going to sunny South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina tickets will be going on sale there. South Carolina, you can you, you actually you actually request a ticket right now. Uh, but just by go to timetofreeamerica.com, and you can request tickets for South Carolina. We're going to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I encourage everybody right now, just request those tickets. It's going to be an incredible event in Myrtle Beach. And we're going to be bringing in a lot of sheriffs. So if you're listening to today's show and you know of a sheriff, Please invite your sheriff to these events uh, because Sheriff Mack and I are working together to bring in America's sheriffs to fight uh, against these unconstitutional uh, mandates and, and, and things that are being the federal government imposing upon um, our sovereign states. So, again, if you know a sheriff, please reach out to your sheriff and invite them to attend the Reawaken America Tour in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. It's May 13th and 14th. So I'm so glad you brought up Richard Mack. Because one of the things that made me uh, grin, literally ear to ear, is that while he was presenting, he presents the uh, video I did from 2012 in the airport with Stan Lenick, the sheriff. And my um, basically me and my girlfriend at the time had gone there to protest the body scanners, you know, and it just oh. shows that, you know, you can put that out there. And, I, you know, I haven't talked to Richard Mack in probably a decade. I used to have him on, uh, on my show. But he still yeah. airs that at something like your conference that's reaching people that obviously don't even know it's me. But it's Bro, we gotta, we got to have you present at one of these upcoming <laughs> events. Send me a text. If you're willing to do it, you text me. Okay. I'd love for you just to go a deep dive into NASA, show these clips. I would love to. Listen, I would love to dude, have your audiences here. Listen, you, you again, you put on an A-plus thing, man. And here's the thing. I love that we can bridge that gap because we are in a real information war. And I, and I would argue it's, it's Carolina? even Could you come to South Carolina, May 13, 14? Yeah, let's do it. I'll make it okay, happen. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on here, okay? And, okay. And this, this, is, this is how it works. This is the kind of urgency we have here. I'm going to put live. you down here um, to speak at 245. Okay. 245 on May 14th, 245. And we can talk offline. we got to get this done here. So I'm putting here Jason Burmas, he's speaking. Okay, you got to expose NASA. You have you, these these video clips have to be heard. People, I'm telling you, people in Oklahoma, they say, "Well, the head of NASA's from Oklahoma." You know, this guy, he's on our team, baby. Woo! And then you're showing video footage of what NASA's doing. I know people in Oklahoma going, "Well, I tell you what, NASA's in good hands right now. They, they ain't gonna do any of that transhumanism stuff on us. We got an Oklahoman up there, in NASA." And you're saying. 
Brodinis, Brosifs, Brochachos, everybody wake up. Brosif, wake up. I, I just, I cannot speak highly enough about your research. Everybody needs to see it. So there it is. May 14th, 245, Saturday, Myrtle Beach. It's going to be awesome. It's that's awesome that's awesome i'm glad to see uh Burmes get the recognition and he's going to get the stage and more people are going to find about find out about dennis bushnell and nasa he might even mention things like nasa came from operation paperclip and some nazis funded by the rockefeller foundation i'm surprised actually you know, because when you listen to Burmese's videos, he always plugs, uh, he's got his movies on his YouTube channel. You can watch them all for free. Like he Rock has, Fen, like they're on Rock uh, Oh, is it the Rock Fen? Yeah. Where it is now? They tell, I was going to yeah. say, because how could they be on YouTube still yeah, they're with on Rock all Fen. that unassailable anti-narrative stuff that he has in his movies? Hmm. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. so if you've seen like the general grammar, that's what's in his movies. He's got all the individual parts. He's got the history of the new world order. He's got cybernetics, transhumanism. He's done a really good job, you know, since starting with lose change, continuing out, getting into the research. It's good to see that at least Clay Clark got the grant. He like, he grasped that NASA thing. And now a whole lot of other people are going to dig into Jason's catalog after they see that they're going to be like, what else does he have? So that's awesome. And uh, yeah. Let's it was help. really good that he played Charlie Kirk to start out because it got Clay Clark to be like, well, hold on. See, Charlie Kirk like says a lot of true things, but he can't talk about a certain, you know, spectrum of ideas. And I was like, okay, now I got you. Let me show Bush now. And yeah. boom. And it was, it was a perfect yeah. segue. Cause he's curious. And like he's Jason he's aware that, that Charlie things... Kirk can't say like Charlie right. Kirk probably can't do this and say, that's definitely not, Justin Trudeau's dad. And that's definitely not a Rhodes scholar. And he definitely did not have sex with that woman, you know, cause those things can be like taken out of context or stuff like that. So you don't want to do stuff like that. <laughs> but the thing that Jason can do is he can be like, all right, look, let's do it like this. Klaus Schwab's a guy. He wrote some books, you know, let's, let's check out the fourth industrial revolution. Oh, let's pick that book up. Let's do something like this implantable technologies this is bushnell's plan all that stuff in that nasa thing from early 21st century that someday maybe they'd like to do klaus is like by 2025 this is going on right and then he wrote another book and then they got this this is what's going on the great reset implantable technologies are coming to you it's going to have your vaccine passport your access to society they're going to make it all logan's runnish it's all it's transhumanism good. It's more like Elysium than the Inception. <laughs> yeah, like, it is much. It's, it's much like, more like it's Elysium. like Elysium with yeah. Ready Player One. The Ready Player yeah. One. That's totally what they're fucking doing, like, yeah. for sure. But there's the Elysium aspect of the elite and uh, them creating their Atlantis, their utopia, their no place, no place on Earth. Yeah, utopia. Yeah, no place. <laughs> The etymology of utopia for anyone that's now where is now no nowhere is now here. That's their plan <laughs> coming to earth right now. Like All right. So there's a couple clips here under the Biden administration that I thought maybe we should touch on before we went mm -hmm. to uh toward wrapping the show. Mm -hmm. Now free speech is now considered terrorism by the Biden administration. It's Jimmy Dore. It's a short clip. We don't necessarily have to play it, but I just wanted to read a couple of these headlines, then we'll pick one. Feds say questioning them is literally terrorism. That's uh, 
Crystal and Sagar. Uh, Biden is lying about U.S. ISIS raid in Syria. Of course, yeah, that's not. Biden is giving out free crack pipes. Louder with Crowder. I have not seen this. I have looked at the evidence that you know, it's not just crack pipes; it's meth pipes too. I would like to see Crowder's <laughs> yeah, the hot, fact hot take on this. <laughs> because uh, you know, just because his kid, it's Dave know, Landau, so it was already but, like yeah. Hunter Biden smokes crack. Sorry, right? Talk to John Deutsch. Ashton Carter and the CIA people that were doing this. I'm right. sorry. That's guilt by association. Just because Ashton Carter wrote that article with Zelikow and John Deutsch doesn't mean he was sharing the crack cocaine, Rick Ross saga of, uh, you know, American drug war parts one and two. All right. So <laughs> Biden's kid Hunter likes crack and a couple other things <laughs> that appeared on his, on his laptop. He was arrested for it. Yeah. Biden had said in the nineties, anyone crack cocaine should go to jail. Biden's kid doesn't go to jail. Biden's kid had that gun left it in the dumpster outside the school. Doesn't go to jail. All sorts of other stuff. Biden's kid doesn't go to jail. He had Biden's legislation drafted for us now against crack. I mean, in the, it was either late 80s and he's handing 90s. out crack pipes. Yeah. So I'm just saying, if All you the guys are looking for changed, a place Rich. to like drive, draw the line, I think the line, the line is drawing itself. They're drawing the line for us. <laughs> They're handing out crack pipes. And uh, oh, the science has changed, you know, from back in the 80s and 90s when he drafted that legislation or his team drafted that legislation. Now it's like, you know, crack is apparently good, apparently, according to the they Biden They had overstock on crack and they need to get rid or of it. Or if it's not good, I mean, they might, the Biden administration is saying it's good, but, you know, if we give access to pipes look, and cleaner crack, look, CIA, it would be as bad or something like that. CIA and MI6 found that uh, what's the drug they use now? Fentanyl is like so much better for yeah, them, but they had a big stockpile of crack. So they got to get rid of it. And they're like, how do we get rid of all this? Probably crack? Mean like the vaccine and free Ray Rick Ross isn't available anymore. He's their standby in the past, get rid of it. So they figured it out. If Biden would just send out free crack pipes, the nature would, you know, take its course and crack would find the crack pipes. this this is funny um, which also couple... might help the election for them if all their people <laughs> get, people just get, them reg- get those the people that aren't going to vote registered so that they therefore they can vote on their behalf wink wink um some funny comments here uh Rolf said it'll take future worlds mad max for 400 so whether it was a Gattaca, is it Elysium, is it Future World, or is it Mad Max? Or how about Escape from New York or L.A.? Those two films in the 80s. We could throw those in there. We have uh, Rogan's Run from the 70s. So we got plenty Rogan's of... Rogan's Run. Logan. <laughs> Who's going to make a Rogan's Run shirt? <laughs> Instead of Logan's Run, it's Rogan, like, running, but he's chasing them. <laughs> he's like Rambo oh, chasing pipes. them. Yeah. With crack pipes. <laughs> with, no, and then crack someone is said what you Biden. have to smoke to sit next to Don Lamont with the uh, straight face and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, horse maggot. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. Oh, okay. the island's another one. I forgot about that one. It was with, uh, what's her name? Island is a 1963 that. novel by Aldous Huxley, uh, published right around the time he died. Interesting. It has to do with the moksha medicine. Oh, moksha. That's very fascinating. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. he also wrote Brave New World Revisited at some point, I believe. And then some Biden, there's another comment here. Biden won't legalize weed, but he gives out free crack pipes. I'm like, well, there's a reason why, you know. That it's, way, no one, see, if everyone has crack pipes, it'll be harder to find hunters. <laughs> right? Because there's so many on the beaches. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my goodness. A lot of questionable material on that laptop. Plus, you know, like when they find them, you know, 
in a situation, it won't, there'll be like 10 crack pipes and they'll be like, ah, you know, could have been anybody's. Could have been everybody got one in the mail. A hunter uh, proclaimed that he'd smoked crack with the DC mayor at the time. I forget. It wasn't obviously. Marion Barry? Uh, I have to look it up. Because I believe he was a DC mayor who smoked crack. If we were on Jeopardy right now and you said DC mayors who smoked crack for 100, I'd say Marion Barry. Let's look it up. That's yeah, I believe it's Marion Barry. Who is Marion Barry, Rich? Oh, uh, thank you. Damn. See? That's how I get it, 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> so you smoke crack with Marion Barry. I was like 98% there. <clears throat> All right. Crack. We don't look, we don't need to look up Marion Barry. I'm pretty sure that that is a self No, you're right. You're thing. right. It sits in. That's self-evident sure. thing. All right. Let's go to Crowder with crack pipes. So... <laughs> You guys know Joe Biden, former vice president? Oh, sure. Former vice president. Yeah. Uh, it's Landau. Oh, positive. Joseph Robinette. It's Landau, yeah. First off, you guys remember like six months ago when uh, there was all those crack, uh, crack pipes down in Texas? <laughs> crack right? pipes. <laughs> long. <laughs> yeah, well. Nice play on words. Biden, he, he was going to send, because, you know, he, presidential FEMA type thing, he was going to send Hunter down there. Right. And, uh, Obama told him, no, no, no. It's cracked pipes, Joe, not crack pipes. Now play the clip. Sounds now like let's go to the comedian, Dave Lando. Dave Lando. Biden. Is that That's his name? Robinette. Robinette. And you know in French, TTE is the feminine version of any name. Yeah. And I think they do it in, <laughs> in Spanish French, as well. Though. No? He's not French. But it would have been Joseph Robin Biden. Would have worked. Yeah. Robinette. You know, he spent a lot of time in lockers. Oh, you absolutely. Yeah. I, how in the world do I know? The Hurt Locker. That's his middle name. <laughs> Let's get Robinette. Yeah. Why would you name someone that? That's weird. People have awful names. They do. Why, Robinette. Let's go with that. That's not even a good name for a woman. You're like Joe. Okay, that's safe. Well, how do we screw him up? I don't know. Yeah. Robinette? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Throw that in there. Yeah, let's go with the most basic man name right. ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then just toss in a lady name right uh, in the right. Yeah. And I think that's why it's kind of like the boy named Sue. I think he spent a lot of time fighting at the bike racks because right. of that middle name. Well, looking, it toughens you up a little bit. Looking for his dad at bars. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Kill the man that named me or, Robinette. Every time he just shows up, it's his son pass out. <laughs> Looking for my dad. Son, I knew that name would make you go to work for the government for 50 years yes. on, the, <laughs> on, on the public dole. <laughs> and I'm going to name my son Hunter. What's his middle name? Oh, no. Susan. Ah. So Hunter Rachel Biden. <laughs> just in case. You never know. You got to do. That's what middle names are now. It's an alternate just in case. I don't know if you heard this. The, the Biden administration uh-huh. uh, uh, will allocate $30 million. Really? To help of money. provide safe smoking kits to underprivileged communities. I'm sorry, what? That's correct. <laughs> Including in these kits will be pipes for users oh. to smoke substances like crack cocaine uh-huh. and crystal meth or any illicit substances. <laughs> According to reports, $29.5 million will go directly to Joe's son, Hunter. Of course. Of course. And, well, he's tired of giving him the money for it. Like, I got to buy a new crack by every four minutes. Uh, Snopes uh, also rated the claim as mostly false. <laughs> yeah. Uh, saying that this is just one of... Why don't you read this part, Joe? All right. So the quote is, this was just one of around 20 components of the grant program and far from its most prominent or important one, but it's the funniest one. <laughs> Despite 
despite being the primary focus of Outrage News reports, the purpose of the program was to reduce the harm and risk of infection from a pipe yep. <laughs> among drunk users not to advance racial equality, although that was a secondary uh, consideration. And oh, Dave, Dave, right. no, 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 Dave, come on, come on, what? no, 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 give me, what? give me, give me, what? give me the pen. It's just, it's give crack me this, cocaine. Give me the sober. It's... Give me the sober. No, pen. come on, come on, no, 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 just a little hit off the glass dick. Day one. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> come on, the government gave it to me with four COVID tests. <laughs> <laughs> they sent that to your house, huh? Yeah, it's a, it's a pipe for smoking what can else? I, can I ask a question? I understand the needle exchange program and and you know maybe making sure people aren't sharing needles and spreading HIV and you know all do that you, kind of stuff. Do you want my chip? The crack. I do want the chip, in All fact. Right. We'll take it. Just put it on the desk next to the gun. Okay? Sorry that I'm going to be high on crack for the rest of the show. Yeah. <clears throat> Help me out here. How does giving somebody a fresh pipe keep them from getting a disease? I don't know. I guess and in the days of... smoke pipe. The days in COVID, I guess, they were like, look, we don't want you guys to share mm -hmm. lips. Oh, is this a COVID thing? I don't know. It's, it's a nonsense <laughs> thing. You don't Why know where my lips have been, Dave. Why would anyone do this? Why would you send a crack pipe to a crackhead in the mail? I know. They just wanted to help you out with something. Yeah. Well, if you're going to smoke meth, use the government-issued pipes. The right. only way to they're smoke really meth. seems like they're almost condoning it. It's like they're yeah. advertising. Yeah. Well, the good thing is San Francisco and places like <laughs> Los Angeles have already started doing this stuff on like a local... I'm not even kidding. Like on a local level, they've already had programs like this in place, and it's just led to a utopian society. Right. Oh, it's great there. San Francisco, wonderful model city. It's Love it. beautiful. Right? Have you been there in the spring? I don't oh. know if you know this crack, San Francisco treat. Ah! <laughs> I thought it was crap. Oh, well, it's... it's ding, ding. They're both everywhere. <laughs> it's just... It's the stupidest thing in the Just world. Just a street filled with hard opioid crack dumps. <laughs> I want to ask Snopes and be like, yeah, look, I get that there are other programs, but uh, just to confirm, they are giving away free crack pipes, right? Right. Why? Oh, okay. Their, their rating service is the best, though. You know, yeah. Mostly false. Then, uh, of course, what's the mostly part? <laughs> it begs so many questions. What you yeah. said was true, but yeah. there's more information. That's right. I feel in like context, uh, they're free pipes, but <laughs> I feel like Hunter does have to be doing something though, because yeah. in the middle of all this pandemic, all this stuff, he's like, guys, what about uh, free crack pipes for people? Yeah, easy. Those like, things what? are to break. It's like, come on, crack pipes. Everybody gets one. Just Nobody? in case, you know. Hey, you guys like to party? He's the consultant. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't. We don't, Hunter. You know who's on, loving man. this? Every drug pusher out there is like, ah, oh, fantastic. Oh, this is <laughs> Free great. paraphernalia. That's great. I'll have more clients that can smoke. Oh, there he is. That's one of the government issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he's got a Hunter Biden branded one. Well, yeah, it's his. It's his. Well, company. there's a golden signature on it. Well, he painted it's on it. Well, so. it's embroidered. He goes to <laughs> things remembered. <laughs> All right, I think I figured it out. All right, so I'm going to do a metaphor. A metaphor is a lie that's supposed to illustrate the truth. So let me do it like this. You have this big dairy farmer producing all this milk, but nobody's buying it. So he sends jugs that say milk to everybody, but the jugs are empty. And now when people have these empty jugs that say milk, they naturally want to fill it with milk and they go get milk from the dairy farmer. Except in this case, the dairy farmer is the CIA, the milk is crack, and the jugs are the crack pipes. Any questions? I think that's what's going on. Pretty. There's sure. actually a pretty interesting conspiracy theory going back to the 70s and 80s when crack really started emerging. They want to the move crack. It was, Empty well, pipes they want to move crack. I mean, the CIA crack. is basically a drug 
running organization, but one of the arguments was to also keep the poor poor in big We're cities. We're not saying that. A, a good... The book Dope Inc. by yeah, Executive Intelligence Review says argument. that. And a whole bunch of other books that no, document that one's it. the most well-documented as far as the... I probably could pull 40 books off the shelf. <laughs> you could. <laughs> you could. I know you could. I've seen this Where book. would we start? <laughs> it's all about drug Let's running. Let's go back to Queen Elizabeth it's about and controlling, for It's the about opium. controlling the gods, gold, oil, drugs, and sex. Those are the markets that the elite want to control. What is this? It's the same gods you can't be talking about. All right. So gods of the elite. A lot of good points in the, uh, the crack pipes going to people, you know, interesting. It's like the fall of the Roman empire. If instead of Rome, it's America. It's kind of like that. Yeah. It's the downfall of civilization. I mean, there's, I have on the show card, a homeless man, in San Francisco, talking about how he does petty oh. theft and you know blah blah blah, and that, you know. Can we big... tweak out on the addictive memes of Biden's crack pipe for equity initiative? Sure, yeah. That, that's probably good to do here toward the end of the show. Where is that? This is coming from the Infowars. <clears throat> is that under the Biden that. administration? Yeah. I'm, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm tapping it right there on the outline. Yeah. El Shocardo is now led... highlighted. Here, I'll bring it up. But there might be. I saw. Here, let me bring it up real quick. And. Get it on, okay. <clears throat> Let me see. Oh, they'll let you know if there's any video. Fact so. checkers are the Ministry of Truth. That only applies to people who read and understand 1984. It's a very small group. So we're going to go back to this Infowars uh, memes because it's wider demographic. It's loading. <laughs> it's loading. Come on. There we go. Lots of memes, apparently. Yeah, there are. There's a... Tasty. Now, contr- uh, control plus on that page. Make them big. So there's a... See them. People Story don't want to the squint at their phone. Distribution make make this professional like it's a Benny Wills meme show. Can we, like, yeah, let's bring professionality to this. So 30 million grand money. That's Tucker Carlson talking about us. Although it was on Wednesday night show. That program received such widespread mockery, backlash, the Facebook fact trackers. They went into that. They land out. Just what it's, uh, Facebook is using its fact check program to censor free bacon story. Again, the government has provided zero proof to dispute the story. The HSS confirmed that the kits are used to smoke crack, <laughs> meth, and any illicit substance. So it actually is, it's a much broader array of substances than just crack. That makes it better. Build crack better. Oh, that's a good shirt. Someone in uh, the chat said that. I forget who it was. I saw it earlier. So shout out to whoever said build crack better. That was funny. So without further ado, here are the best crack Biden crack, Biden crack pipe memes. Say that five times fast. That's sparked. No, wait, wait, Facebook. wait. This is Biden senior crack pipe memes. I'm sure that Hunter has his own set of memes for this <laughs> my favorite is when we showed the video of him smoking crack at the same time that uh his dad was his saying dad is the promoting the legislation i have just you know submitted to the house you know house resolution x y and z for you know criminalizing this usage of crack and rah, rah, rah. And i agree like, while at the same time he's his son is literally lighting the bowl it's fantastic yeah 21st century american oh, irony God. is definitely the thickest irony ever for america god that's for sure well Ever since America took on the Grand Union flag, that was a pretty much oh, identical a, that's a, that's copy of the East of India irony. Company I was gonna say, opium some flag for Hong irons. Kong. Yeah, opium importation by Eastern establishment families who funded Yale and Harvard. But talk amongst or, yourselves. We're just looking at memes here. Don't, or Hearst don't and listen. the Spanish American War. Don't look any I mean, of that up. There's a lot of very strange, funny contradictions, oxymoronic statements. So, without further ado, here are the memes. Please help. I can't afford to live. Build back better. Hello, free crack pipes. 
So that's part of the initiative. Joe Biden has turned February into crack history. Oh, oh. oh. oh crack history month. And of course they made the bowl black because February is black history month. That's a, ooh, that's a brutal meme. Being libertarian, American, Americans who can't find groceries at the store, Joe Biden's providing you with a crack pipe as a hawk. That's eh, all right. Low on cash, Biden's new crack pack won't set you back. I don't know if people can hear that or not, but if they can, LD, play that, bring that up and play. We'll play that after we go through the rest of the memes because this is funny. Yeah. All we want is to secure our border, affordable groceries, and send our kids to school without a mask. <laughs> Best we can do are free crack types. <laughs> That's pretty good. That one's good. I like that. We went from the war on drugs to free crack pipes. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Burgundy. It's a whale's vagina. No, no, that's not what it is, Ron. Hunter Biden arrives at White House and fake mustache and glasses to receive free crack. <laughs> of course, the Babylon B. That's fantastic. It's funny because it's true. <clears throat> In honor of free crack pipe day, I present Hunter's latest self-portrait. Actually, he's on half <laughs> Well, it's better than the earlier grift he had where he, he can NFT displayed something that was nothing yeah. and told you to abstract that something's there. Talk mm. about an art grift. That's probably funneling money for well, what about the disappearing act of the story from the media right before the election? Yeah, that, that was quite even, a magic wanna... trick. He's an artist and magician. Well, they're kind of one in the same thing if you look at it from a platonic standpoint. Biden, Biden Harris. There you go. That's going to be when they run for re-election 2024. By then, who will um, have completely manifested Alzheimer's? He already has it, but you know, most likely already has it. The worst <laughs> dementia. See, it kind of looks a little bit like a fucked up mushroom. Hmm. I mean, it doesn't pack. have the, the you know the veil, but is it a signature version? <laughs> Saving that for later. Yeah. After everyone gets the free one, then everyone's going to pay. The right to bear memes. Ooh. Red pill or crack pipe? <laughs> the the right to crack pipes. Hmm. The right to crack pipe. There you go. The right to bear memes. Another one. <laughs> On that crack pipe in hand. <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. So we had to take off our masks to hit our free crack pipes. Oh, that's a good question, Kermit. <laughs> that is a fucking good question. That's high, Kermit. Mm-hmm. That's high, high as fuck. Midterms around the corner. Joe Biden, inflation, border crisis, supply chain issues, pandemic, opioid and epidemic. Free crack pipes. Crack pipes. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the chink in the armor. You get me fitted in there. Let's see what kind of world do we live in? Where a president spent 30 million in taxpayers' money to hand out free crack pipes to drug addicts like his son Hunter, but no real medication like insulin. Free insulin, free crack pipes. Dumbass Photoshop. Let's see what he says here. Oh, it's just uh, pictures. Yeah, ivermectin. That's what you said earlier. You know, effective therapeutics? Nope. But crack? Yeah. No problem there. 
which brand of crack pipe are you going to get? The first one we did a show, free crack pipes for Black History Month. <laughs> so fucked up, but right on, right on, right on cue. Me when they get me when they I get my free Joe Biden crack pipe. <laughs> well, there you go. Asians getting a hate crime bill. Black community getting diversity crack <laughs> during Black History Month. And illegal million, 11 million illegal immigrants getting passed to citizenship. Biden's America. So. Yeah. You get a crack pipe. You get a crack pipe. <laughs> Everyone you get, get a crack, crack pipe. It's no longer Actually, free cars. It's now didn't, crack pipe. Uh, didn't a man named Larry Sinclair say some things about that woman who gave out all the cars and crack pipes and then he ended up dead? Like that Luke Montagnier guy and that Bob Saget guy. I wasn't aware of that one. Interesting. <clears throat> Larry Sinclair, Sinclair. Uh, National Press Club. He mm-hmm. did a speech. I'm aware about, of Sinclair, but I didn't realize he commented he did a on speech the speech about card. Obama and said that uh, he might have used the substance that goes with this pipe and mentioned another uh, lady oh. whose last name rhymes with Ginfrey and said that she was on the magic rocks uh, of this effect of, for this device that comes in the mail for free from Vice I thought President, the rich people Vice use Biden. cocaine and not crack. Apparently, crack for the poor people. Crack makes them go faster. <laughs> Look how fast Obama became president, according to Larry Sinclair. Not mm. saying that. I'm just saying he said it, and <clears throat> it's out there. And then he stopped being here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, National uh, Press Club. Strange coincidence. Coincidence theory. When Joe Biden wants your children to be like his. So sun smoking crack right there. Biden drugs are Mr. President, fentanyl laced heroin, meth, and crack cocaine is flooding the streets of America. Joe Biden. Pass off free crack pipes. It will get rid of the we'll get rid of the problem. Man bear parry. The best Joe Biden can do is free crack pipes and shitting his pants. Made in China. Which probably most of the crack pipes are ironically are. Yeah, made are these American made factories. crack pipes? Come on, man. <laughs> Come, Come on, on man. man. Who had Biden giving free crack pipes in February? <laughs> okay, so who had the yeah, that's funny. Oh man. There, there should be some memes of the wire. There's no wire memes. They should have had those there. Most votes ever. Come on, do crack. Yeah. So then there's a video of people saying it's not going on. The free crack pipes to black people. Yeah. It's like a video about it. So but there's that one video up above LD. Do you have that up by chance? What was that? It was a little spoof. Look, if anyone wants to get yeah. educated on the history of crack pipes, you might watch a movie by Kevin Booth called American Drug War, produced by Gravitas Pictures. And uh, you'll learn about the CD underbelly of Central Intelligence MI6 machinations to undermine communities of color with something called crack cocaine so they could fund illicit activities during the Iran Contra years, which also turned into the BCCI years. You know, that was a, 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 that was a comment earlier. They were saying how cryptocurrencies and like 
black markets and criminals and these sort of things go on. And it's like, what do you think federal reserve notes are used for honey? You know, the, I got four books on the bank of commerce and credit international. One of the biggest drug money, terrorism operations schemes, linking intelligence and lawyers from wall street. And the guy who made the national security act like that right there is the smoking gun to tell you that the intelligence agencies are proxies for those groups. It's all in their own words. Like you just have to read about it, but don't try to gaslight me by saying federal reserve notes. Good. Cryptocurrency might be used for nefarious things. Cause it's like, you know, a tool is a tool and the people bringing you both of those tools may be nefarious, but definitely the federal reserve. We know who those people are that print money out of nothing and charge us up for it. It's not the same as uh, some sort of decentralized um, semi encrypted in the case of Bitcoin type of network. So there's a lot to be unpacked there, but their strategies are multitudinous. Let's put it that way. We they have to are free in the midst of the tyranny. It's the only way out. <sighs> Become free of the fear through knowledge. Got to do some reading. I'm just commenting real quick. Uh, Here, I'll play that video. Yeah, play that video. Of supporting your own crack habit? There's gotta be a better way. There is now. Hi, I'm Hunter Biden. When my dad said that I'm the smartest man he knows, he wasn't <laughs> around. That's why he put me in charge of the American Eagle Crack Pack. It's free, federally funded, and I don't have to speak Ukrainian. Ish. Plus, it's free. That's right. Every American Eagle crack pack comes with a crack pipe, a box of baking soda, a lighter, a free laptop, cash for when you're in the strip club, and a box of condoms. <laughs> Just kidding. Right, Hunter? 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 <coughs> the American Eagle crack pack. Order yours today. There you go. Yeah, I'm glad they made that correction because the one that comes with the condoms is the whack pack. It's not the crack pack, but that's another forthcoming i hope i didn't didn't blow their launch wouldn't want to see that i found a, all right so i found a quick clip of larry sinclair because like, it's a it's like a 15 minute video but this looks like it might be promising thank you Elvis. i asked driver if he knew any stuff up yeah <laughs> we don't want <laughs> i asked the limo driver if he knew anyone who would like to socialize and show me chicago he used his cell phone to make a call that call was made to then Illinois State Senator Barack Obama to set up an introduction between myself and Senator Obama. Senator Obama asked me if I was referring to Coke and I stated I was. Senator Obama arranged the cocaine purchase. Senator Obama and I then departed the bar in my limousine and proceeded to an unknown location. Returned a short while later with an eight ball of cocaine, which he gave to me. Shortly thereafter, Senator Obama produced a glass cylinder pipe and packet of crack cocaine from his pocket. Obama then smoked the crack cocaine. I performed fellatio on Senator Obama in the limousine during the time Senator oh, Obama was smoking crack cocaine. The following day, November 7th, 1999, I asked the... I forgot about him, dude. Holy shit. So that brings from, back uh, memories of 2011. That's from a 56-minute uh, press conference from 2008 here, apparently. Yeah, and we watched that video back in 2011, and we we didn't know how credible... I guess. I mean, we did a little bit of research into Larry Sinclair. We're like, who the fuck is this dude? That means claiming that he performed fellatio. He gave Obama a fucking blowjob or something of that nature. What do you say there? 
if I remember correctly. I'm too tired. Good times in Chicago, indeed. <laughs> right. So that's an hour long press oh, conference at the National shit. Press Club. And I don't know whether that man's telling the truth or not. It seems very specious, his allegations specious, against yeah. very, very powerful people. However, is he still alive or not? What were the, how did he die? And maybe he died because he has a really risky lifestyle. And I would think so, because if that story is true, that's risky. And if that story is not true, that's pretty risky. So uh, if you found many pieces of evidence like that, then you might just start to see a pattern, right? That's just like a nugget. You don't know what to do with that. That exists as an artifact that was recorded at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. And it goes on for an hour. And if you're weighing evidence for consideration, it might be easy to internalize that, that press conference, be able to, to disprove everything and move on. On the other hand, if there's other pieces of information that corroborate things like that, you might just start to have that investigation. Well, there's right. a lot of circumstantial evidence that can't be ignored. Um, one that he died. How how long after that did he pass away? And well, how did he pass away? Mm. And is no. crack used to groom future leaders for the World Economic Forum? There you go. Uh, and the, <laughs> the pipes remember, are part of their marketing process for the ne next generation could, of Trudeau's. I could be wrong on this, but I know Obama admitted to obviously smoking weed, but that's not the big deal. I think during college, he also admitted to using cocaine. So it's not outside the purview of his drugs of choice, or at least having when he was experimenting with various drugs. I think Larry Sinclair said that before Obama's book was in print. That was another interesting aspect. 2008 was when that. he was first running for, well, I guess it would have been 2007 when that was going on. But And then there's an other Obama quotes, like he said he was really good at pe killing people. I thought that was always, you know, for a Nobel so, Prize winner, I thought that was Pizza interesting. Gate. Peace Prize quote. You know, he's, you know, it's like if you gave Genghis Khan Nobel Peace Prize, he's like, I'm really good at killing people. <laughs> Thank you very much. For this That's award. actually a perfect analogy. Yeah, it's a great simile. You know, Genghis Khan never had like, uh, you know, missiles Internet. attached to drones flown from, you know, cargo containers halfway around the world. No, you know. No. So, All he did was innovate the way horses. When you're more used. gangster than Genghis Khan, I mean, yeah. I guess. Forty to sixty going. million people dead. When people want to rank genocide, first of all, you can't rank genocide. Genocide is genocide. It's a deplorable human evil, but it's also a universal human evil that's been done by all different ethnicities and all different types of people in different time periods in history. And in order Genghis to have Khan genocide, you need the a state, yeah. you need some sort of centralized authority, like what you had in the twentieth century, centralizing yep. of authority. No more ruling families, except for, well, for one royal family. All those European royal families, they went out in World War One. How convenient. How convenient. Well, for the most part, Sweden still has a king. They're all just well, hiding behind the Habsburg crown, wink, wink. There was also a king of Spain, but that yeah. was one of those police. There was a king of Spain. Sold in this catalog. King Actually, of last Spain. Thing. All right. Not all It'll of them. Be the Not of all of them decided to go with the PR revolution in the no. 18th century when it came to uh, nation states and no. the kingships that hid behind them. They're like, oh, yeah, this is useful. This is a great smoke. The Hohenzollerns were all too happy. Hohenzollerns, of course. Yes. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Good reference. They'll just hang out in the background and be royals. Well, you know, the world changes for the Great Reset. Klaus. Hey, we didn't start the fire.
it was if Klaus spoke burning. with a Brazilian accent or maybe one of those Catalan, Spain, where they he speaks with a lisp, you know, Barcelona. You know, but he speaks like a fucking Nazi. He speaks like a Bond villain. He's, I just think he looks just like, like one, dude. He doesn't I think it's like just too over the top. Like... It's a little overkill, you know? These people who run in the life. world, they should be more subtle. Life imitates art. <laughs> so. Yeah, Bezos has been imitating a Picasso lately. Or actually, uh, more like uh, Salvador Dali. You've seen some of the stuff he's wearing? Yeah, crazy Bill. Salvador Dali is, well, that's all those artists are sort of infiltrated by. Not infiltrated, well, I'll even go down. Then the Dadists that came after the Surrealist movement. They had elements of communism and other things behind let's see johnson and johnson not just makers of a covid vaccine they tried to block publication of a story about its secret plan to limit baby powder lawsuit payouts because they put asbestos in the baby powder but they love you and your kids i i I don't know it's Mm -hmm. just like there's these contradictions like there's these psychopaths that put some retarded stuff in the baby powder to kill your baby it's just asbestos. We have to get rid of it some way. Let's put it on the baby's skin for years at a time during their formative years. And then they make you something like a gene yeah, therapy or something, adenovirus to put in your DNA. And you're like, oh, that's totally good. I don't and know. A, and apparently, you know, that uh, unfortunately it's been, the, the FDA has questions, I believe it was for, there's some sort of extension in the timeline yeah. associated with chill, uh, kids being able to get the vaccine under the age of five. I know that happened this week. We didn't get in the show card. The DHS also revised their terrorism uh, document. Let me see. We should probably just get that up here. Where did and I then LD has advanced notice. Let's end with uh, an awaken with JP. One Fed's of the question, once in the past Biden couple of days. Feds question the use of. I like the one where he was the weatherman and he brought mass formation psychosis to like a weather report. (laughs) Oh, fine. I have to find it somewhere. I mean, I have people talking. I thought I had the actual, I know I had the actual document. Where the fuck did it? Anyways. So yeah, we have the documents, ladies and gentlemen, Tony just can't find them. Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) let me give me two seconds. I'll bring it Look, after six hours of documents and books, I think they, uh, they're, a few seconds to find it. They're gonna Where the fuck is this? Toby Wong. See this on off on this reservoir dogs. That's the wrong one. Oh, here it is. Found it. National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin. Summary of terrorism threat to the US homeland. The United States remains in a heightened Heightened threat environment fueled by several factors, including an online environment filled with false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories and other forms of mis, dis, and malinformation, (laughs) MDM for short, introduced and or amplified by foreign and domestic threat actors. Mal coming from the Latin male, meaning bad, bad bad information, bad or evil, male, bad or evil. Yeah, Yeah, has those connotations of human evil associated with them. So. I agree. I think we should battle misinformation and malinformation. So it seems like we're in agreement with this. Just probably not from the. How do we qualify between this and this? Is it, it. is it disinformation what the government deems as being 
incorrect and or disinformation and misinformation is just information that can't be verified. I think they something. define malinformation as referring to reality before they want the audience to know about reality so they can still take advantage of the audience for a couple more weeks. <laughs> they notice here too, if you were to go Speaking through the this, truth too early, they call don't it read the whole thing, but this is so, uh, hyper generalized. Um, like it's any, anyone can fall into this. Looks These, like they the uh, way in which they're defining this criteria. It's very somebody, interesting. Look, I've mass seen this before. It looks like uh, Cass Sunstein wrote this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. That's a great reference. See, someone at Homeland Security just laughed at the Cass Sunstein joke. See, there you go. <laughs> Look at this. Win friends and influence people, kids. Mass casualty attacks and other acts of targeted violence conducted by lone offenders and small groups acting in furtherance of ideological beliefs and or personal grievances pose an ongoing threat. Look how general that is. I don't have very many beliefs, so I'm good. See? A lot of knowledge. I mean, they, then they, then they just go through a circular logic here. While the conditions underlying the heightened threat landscape have not significantly changed over the last year, the convergence of the following factors has increased the volatility, unpredictability, and complexity of the threat environment. Here are the Makes two, it harder three to control conditions. People. That's what the proliferation saying. of false or misleading, right? misleading <laughs> narratives, which sow discord or undermine public trust and U.S. government institutions. <laughs> Joe Rogan. To continue uh, the emperor has no clothes. Shut that man up. <laughs> yeah, right. Got exactly. a lot of money invested here. <laughs> Continued calls for violence directed at U.S. critical infrastructure, soft targets, and mass gatherings. Wait, do you see the false equivalence here? So continued calls for violence, but calls for violence are considered mass gatherings, faith-based institutions uh, such as churches and synagogues uh, and mosques, institutions of higher education, racial and religious minorities, government fit, facility, blah, blah, blah. Number three, calls by foreign terrorist organizations for attack. That one's at least a little bit more discreet and definable, but the other two are about as wide open as... Uh, the uh, Gonzalez memo Jenna, Jane, Jenna Jameson's private parts. So. I'm sorry, I was trying to keep it to Homeland Security references. You went full <laughs> porn valley there. I went porn valley. It's four in the morning. <laughs> You know, camel toe and all. <laughs> <laughs> we got to provide a bit of levity, right? Everyone's complaining we don't provide enough. All right, levity with JP. Do we have him uh, with the mass formation? Not, like not X-rated yeah. levels. Yeah, five levity. things we need to know. He's going to tell you the quadruple X level. It's above triple X. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to a crack pipe near you. Put this in your crack pipe and smoke. Good evening. We like to shame you if you don't believe every word we say. Now, we've got a nasty weather system rolling in. Let's throw it over to JP at the weather for a special report. Thanks, JP. Welcome to today's special weather report. We have an intense high pressure system called a mass formation psychosis rolling in from centralized authorities. Now this is a hell of a storm that takes over your entire mind and programs you with a narrative to focus all your attention on a common enemy. And in doing so, it also programs you to oppose anything that runs counter to the narrative that's taken over your mind. Now this weather system can destroy lives and even be deadly as it literally hypnotizes people with a noble lie. Throughout history, we've seen the same psychological storm hit Germany in the 1930s. They had otherwise good people who believed the noble lie that they were told repeatedly 
turning in their neighbors. And now this system's rolled in and enveloped, well, the entire globe, except for this little section of Antarctica. We at least still have free-thinking penguins. Now, with mass formation psychosis being such a catastrophic storm, is there any hope for the clouds to clear? Yes, we'll get to that in a second. But first, what are the conditions necessary to create the perfect storm of mass formation psychosis? Number one, lack of social connection. According to the national survey, 25% of people reported they do not have a single close friend. And it also found 75 million adults between the ages of 18 and 27 were lonelier than any other demographic. Lack of social connection? Got that. Number two, lack of meaning. Gallup polled people in 142 countries and found 63% of people were so disengaged at work that they reported sleepwalking through their workday, putting time, not passion, into their work. Lack of meaning? Check. Then a third condition that arises when the first two are present, free-floating anxiety. When you lack connection and meaning, anxiety is a natural response. The World Health Organization, who are super trustworthy by the way, say that one in five people have an anxiety disorder. Then that gives rise to the fourth condition necessary for mass formation psychosis, free-floating aggression and frustration. When the lack of social connection, lack of meaning, anxiety, frustration, and aggression all converge together, conditions are ripe for the media to then present a narrative that indicates an object of anxiety. And at the same time, they can also present a solution for dealing with such an object of anxiety. People are then entranced in a noble lie by the media, while centralized authorities try to censor and destroy anything that runs counter to their narrative, including Truth. This causes people to attach all their free-floating anxiety and frustration onto the object of anxiety indicated by the narrative. They then have a huge willingness to participate in the strategy indicated by the narrative to deal with the object of anxiety. Have you ever seen a very intelligent person unable to have a rational discussion about the object of anxiety or the strategy to deal with it? That's because they're unable to access their own thinking in those moments. They're controlled hypnotized, actually, by the high pressure of a mass formation psychosis. They'll vehemently oppose even obvious scientifically-backed truths that run counter to the noble lie that they're under the influence of. So in other words, for the time being, they're f***ed. But here's the payoff for them. Being bonded to the noble lie allows them to feel connected once again. Now, just to other people who are also under the influence of mass formation psychosis. And it also gives them a sense of meaning and purpose as they're connected in the struggle against the object of anxiety, even though it's all built on the foundation of a lie. Sounds amusing and kind of harmless, right? Well, here's what we know. The world's in a pretty good place when people control themselves. It's decentralized power where people have their own power. But when the few try to control the many, we have cataclysmic conditions for good people to do dumb things, bad things, and to give up their freedoms and personal power to the few who are sociopathically hungry for them. Because the power is centralized in the hands of the few. A society under the spell of mass formation psychosis will support a totalitarian governance capable of unthinkable atrocities. And our 10-day forecast has turn in your neighbor coming our way, if nothing changes. Well, that could never happen here, right? <laughs> well, that's the exact thinking that would allow it to happen here. 
What's next? With mass formation psychosis, not everyone's affected. Here are the numbers. About 30% of people are fully in the hypnosis of it. They're entranced by the noble lie and unable to process new data or facts. About 40% of people are considered the persuadable middle. They may just go along with a narrative if a worthy alternative isn't presented. And about 30% of people are completely free of the mass formation psychosis. They think for themselves and therefore fight against the narrative, taking the side of truth. Now many wonder, golly, are these 30% of people under the spell of the narrative because they're just morons or something? No, most of them are good caring people who have been manipulated by weaponized morality by the centralized authorities that control the narrative. That means good moral people who want to do the right thing are very prone to being taken advantage of by the less than savory elites that sell them on doing the harmful thing under the guise of it being the right thing. But what we're now seeing with the current blanket of mass formation psychosis and its narrative, major holes are developing in it. These people have been so bold and unapologetic, in spite of being heavily censored, that a tremendous number of these people are now abandoning the narrative because a better solution is simply being presented. What's the better solution being presented? Mainly, truth and freedom which is further weakening the whole mass formation psychosis high pressure system. We're even starting to see some of these people start to wake up and take control of their own minds again. So at this point, two years in, it appears as though the whole narrative and the mass formation psychosis horse that it rode in on is severely crumbling. Our condolences to the few that try so hard to control the many. But we're not out of the woods quite yet. Without deliberate action, the mass formation psychosis can re-strengthen and start wreaking havoc on humanity once again. So here's what you can do to help dissipate Bill Gates' wet dream that's blanketed humanity for way too long. Do your own thinking and speak the truth that comes from your own critical thinking and your heart. Doing so lessens the depth of hypnosis that others are under. Turning off your TV and keeping it off is pretty much a must. See and recognize the mass formation psychosis Ram Dass once said, you can't get out of a jail you don't know you're in. Seeing the mass formation psychosis working means it's not working on you. The power of freeing yourself from mass formation psychosis simply by seeing it is so powerful that Google immediately started censoring the term as soon as Dr. Robert Malone mentioned the term on Joe Rogan's podcast. Also, very importantly, to help dissolve the dark cloud of mass formation psychosis, you must take your free-floating anxiety that you've projected outward onto the object of focus and pull it back into yourself and process it. This is a huge ask because it means you must rise to the level of being a hero who bears the burden of your own feelings. And lastly, what needs to happen to dissolve the mass formation psychosis? These people need to keep talking because they're trying to do too much too fast in their attempt to control humanity it's waking people up. So keep talking, guys. You're helping wake up more people than anyone else. Thank you. With these pockets of light, truth, and awakening growing bigger by the day, our forecast is one of a bright and sunny outlook where the power is back in the hands of the people where it belongs. People turn off the news and turn on their own critical thinking, and therefore, freedom wins giving our children and grandchildren a beautiful world to live in. Better luck next time, guys. 
Now back to you at the desk, JP, you useful idiot. Well, quite honestly, I wish the forecast was gonna be worse. That'd be better for our sponsors. Oh, uh, we can laugh. He's right. The narrative's crumbling because they're trying to do too much, too fast. They're trying to take on too much tyranny and people have too much freedom to talk to each other. So in the words of Pink Floyd's division bell, all we have to do is keep talking. The censorship is how they win. The propaganda comes in because they can censor. The, it's unassailable when there's only one side. But if you introduce this other side of knowledge back into it, now it's an even game. And in that game, I'm willing to bet that truth is going to beat fiction, but only if truth is allowed into the stadium in the first place. And when they're riding on the side of fiction, that's all they can do. The truth's not going to help them. Well, truth hopefully necessitates a situation where people stand up for their principles and what they believe in and don't capitulate to the mandates, to the lockdowns, to whatever other fear narrative that's going to manifest in the future by the quote unquote powers that be. And so just like with the trucker protests, you know, it's, it's about standing up in a nonviolent way to these illegal edicts that are being sort of uh, prescribed onto the masses. And we, you know, that they never had the right to prescribe on us in the first place or to take away our rights in the first place. Cause they never had ownership over our individual rights. These are given to us by nature, reality, by evolution or God, whatever way you want to say it's this. And they're by the taken fact away by communism for yeah, those who believe away. such things. Right. That want to centralize power into, into the hands of very few individuals that usually don't have very good outlook for what they want done to the rest of the population. So, Well, they have a poor track record is what you Of course, you're the reason why you just said they're moving fast as well, agenda 2030, you know. And 2030. They don't have a lot of time. They don't. They want to vaccinate everyone on the planet. They want universal vaccines. They want a globalist society. They want social credit scores. They want transhumanism and cybernetics and surveillance and robots. They want it all. They want it all. They can't wait. And that greed and lack of understanding of freedom is, uh, that's our, that's Gideon's trumpet. That's the thing. Hmm, Gideon's trumpet, yeah. Yeah. I think that Gatto is Gideon's trumpet. As far as when people get what he was pointing at, as far as the reason people can't understand it today is because they've been through a system of being dumbed down. And those who can understand have been somehow liberated, probably through some critical thinking and creative problem solving, of that indoctrination. Thank goodness that there are many millions of people who can put two and two together and still get four instead of just trusting that it's five because Fauci says it's five. You know, the science has changed today. It's six. You know, and Six, it's whatever seven. Big Brother says. Yeah. If you're O'Brien, if you're uh, if you're Winston, it's whatever O'Brien says. In our world, it's whatever Fauci says. Fauci's Correct. like Big Brother. Um, it's a point that Brett Benat had on the past couple of weeks also stated. Like, if people just understood the importance of John Taylor Gatto, all of this could really end quite quickly. Because um, then you'd you'd see that you went through. Uh, there's a legacy of dumbing people down which is actually one of Gatto's books. It was actually Dumbing us down, Dumbing Underground us down. History of American Education, or if yeah. you're on the YouTube, watch Robinson the Mass uh, ultimate, ultimate History Lesson. Yeah. And then break into his books. You'd have a reason to allocate time to read such uh, tomes of epic prose. Yes. LD, yeah. who do we have to thank for this episode? Hey, oh. 
I'll All put right, him on a gotta spot. unmute first. No, I'm just just a little slow. It's uh, virtual no tickets are still available for yeah. Acapulco Unstoppable conference is going on right now. My talk is later here on Valentine's Day, and uh, a lot of great speakers. Not just uh, don't just buy it for my talk. Buy it for everyone else who's uh, presenting there. But if you, you do want to play it, that promo I for autonomy it. as well, your course coming up. I don't know. Uh, Jeff's Jeff's gig is in July, and uh, we can play it next week. Okay, I'm sure we'll play we it next can week. We'll see. play his promo. All right. And so real quick, let me just give a shout. So the Tuesday night town hall is now bi-weekly, as I mentioned last week. Just for anyone that didn't catch that, and I've made a post about it, I'll make another post. This upcoming Tuesday will be the first installment of this new iteration of the town hall. Or we also made a text channel in the Discord server for those subscribers that have questions for myself or for Rich. Um, and so if you have any questions, post it in there. And that's what I'll use to fuel the conversation in the town hall. And the town halls will run from 7 to 10 biweekly. And it starts the February 15th, this upcoming Tuesday, uh, with this new format. So I hope to see as many people there as possible. And uh, if you know, put any questions you have in that text channel, and I'll make sure to address them during the town hall. And it'll still be a free-form conversation around those questions. And we're not, you know, if there's not many questions, we'll just do what we did in the older town halls and just talk about whatever. So it be a lot of fun. I appreciate everyone's understanding with needing to go to a bi-weekly schedule. So everyone's been awesome with that. And I really appreciate people's understanding around it. So, and I, th oh, and my, the logic course for fallacies and definition will be, but the first Thursday in March will, when it, will be when it begins and probably seven o'clock PM Eastern time. And it'll be available for free for any individuals that subscribe to GTW. As long as there's no limitation on how many people can be on a zoom call, which I don't think there is, but I don't know. I'll have to talk to our production manager, what was calling that? Joshua. All right. Um, so big thanks to our Rockfin supporters. Thanks to the Grand Theft World subscribers, but especially thanks to Dallas, Paul, Troy Hayes, DJ Lizzie, Laurie, Shane, Dallas Avad, Eugene, Tcan, Jim Garrison. That's a interesting one. In the oh, house. that's nice to have. B1. I like his work back in the day. The Kennedy assassination. Matt Green, thank you guys. Thank you very much. And uh if you're if you're new to the show, if you're interested in this community that we're speaking of, go to grandtheftworld.com, click join community in the top right corner and check out level of uh support. Come join us in the Discord server and find out about all the value that is uh housed in there and and meet the other people who pay attention to this uh, and take notes and look stuff up those who go beyond listening and fantastic research action. community yeah lots of really yeah. interesting people very lots impressive of, intellect yeah We've got some, some of it rub off on you <laughs> the debates and disagreements but wonderful conversations and it's been very respectful even though we always don't agree, but at the same time, we do find solidarity around the fact that uh, we agree that freedom's on. better than slavery. Yeah, and that's the one and that's, thing we find. That's solid, yeah. uh, that's right. you know a lot of dynamic defining line. Yes, yeah, you got it. So, all right, LD Tony, it's been a fun journey tonight. It's been a good workout. I think we're getting back into uh, the swing of things as this year continues to ramp up. We got more and more each week. 
We'll try to uh, condense it, distill it, purvey it to you guys next Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. We'll get this uploaded to the various spots throughout the week. Uh, Share with your friends. If there's an example episode that I would say represents what we do here in Grand Theft World, I think it's episode 67. It's a nice pastiche of clips, deep dives, documents, callbacks to earlier episodes, foreshadowing of future episodes. It's all right here appropriate one hour a day during a five-day work week, and you got more news than you could ever get from any of those other three- and four-letter channels. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in and not dropping out. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Have a good night, everyone. Conspiracy is the story of history. It's the story of plunderers taking care of people who produce. They claim to take care of them through government, which doesn't give you anything. It doesn't take away first. So it's not creating something out of nothing. It's very real what they're doing. They're taking your rights or taking some people's rights and adding more to someone else's rights. If you haven't heard about our Grand Theft World community membership, here are a few of the things you've been missing. A mobile app where you can access replays of the Grand Theft World podcast and show notes. Access to the Grand Theft World community on Discord, where we crowdsource news and resources, and you can contribute to the show. The opportunity to participate in the Grand Theft World bi-weekly town hall. Exclusive content from Richard Grove, including behind-the-scenes footage and future access to unpublished material. 93 episodes of the Peace Revolution podcast, and the Grand Theft World newsletter delivered straight to your inbox each week. If you want to stay ahead of the great game, visit us at grandtheftworld.com, click or tap the button in the top right-hand corner, and join a vibrant community of researchers blazing a new path to truth. We'll see you there.